Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, November 20th, 2017. Hello again, everyone. I'm Mario Hawani back inside our New York City studio. It is so very great to be here with all of you. I uh, hope you had a, a lovely weekend. Hope you had a lovely week. You know, it was a relatively quiet one in the world of mixed martial arts. Some interesting things, as always, but nothing like the week that we had last week going into our uh, previous show. We did have an event in Sydney, Australia. It was the Fabricio Verdun versus Marcin Tybura event. And, well, wouldn't you know it, it ended up uh, making some history. It ended up being the longest event in UFC history. This according to Fight Metric. Three hours, four minutes, 18 seconds of cage time featured 10 fights that went the distance, which ties the UFC record with four other events. Also, 4,036 total strikes attempted. Uh, That's a new record. 2,213 total strikes landed. That's a new UFC record. 282 significant strikes landed by Fabricio Verdum and Marcin Tybura. That's a new UFC heavyweight record. So somewhat of a dubious distinction if you will and uh, it certainly felt like a long card it wasn't one of the best offerings of the year there's no i mean you can make a strong case that it was one of the worst offerings of the year there were some nice moments uh, ryan uh, benoit benoit as some of the americans like to call him with a, a beautiful finish how about nick lentz finishing will brooks who's now one in three in the ufc since coming over from bellator and, you know, he was the lightweight champion in Bellator, comes over, wins one fight in the UFC to Ross Pearson, proceeds now to lose three in a row. Who saw that coming? Um, also somewhat dubious, all four fighters who missed weight prior to the event won. And so does the punishment fit the crime? For Frank Camacho, it did because he didn't win a uh, $50,000 fight of the night bonus as a result of his fight against Damian Brown. But... He did uh, campaign to have Damian win the $100,000 total sum, basically taking his $50,000 bonus. But uh, as of right now, it doesn't seem like the UFC is obliging. So um, there's always much of this because we have a jam-packed show. Uh, A few things interesting that that happened last week, of course, uh, Chris Cyborg and Holly Holm. That is the new main event for UFC 219. Um, There was some talk of Tyron Woodley fighting Nate Diaz. There was a boomerang incident involving one uh, Colby Covington and Fabricio Verdum. We're going to get to the bottom of all this and then some. And if you're wondering why uh, perhaps my voice sounds a little different or my energy level is a little low, uh, still battling um, what I believe is strep throat once again. So it has not been a fun morning uh, for yours truly. And uh, I think my body would rather uh, be 
lying down somewhere, but we're going to power through this and uh, do the show because we have a lot of interesting people to talk to. So let us run down today's lineup and then we'll get to our first guest of the day at around uh, 4.35. We'll do Rick's picks at 4.15. We'll talk to Chris Cyborg about her UFC 219 title defense against Holly Holm. For some reason, I keep calling that 217. I even wrote that on the, uh, on the website. It's 219. That's December 30th in Las Vegas. Gary Tonin will be joining us in studio, one of the very best uh, BJJ practitioners on the planet. BJJ Black Belt has trained under the likes of Tom DeBlas, Hikaru Almeida, and of course the great John Danaher. He is making his transition to the world of mixed martial arts um, probably in 2018 with one championship. So we'll have Gary Tonin in studio. Of course, you may know that he has had a uh, a long-standing feud with uh, Dylan Dennis, and they competed against each other recently as well. At 3.05, Mirko Krokop will stop by, talk about his involvement in the Ryzen year-end show, Ryzen FF number nine. And so Mirko not retiring um, after we thought that he was going to retire and then came back and then he's back again. Anyhow, love talking to Mirko Krokop. By the way, little known fact about Mirko Krokop, uh, loves to use emojis. You would never guess this about him, but he's a very warm texter, if you will. Loves to use that emoji with the with the cheeks all rosy and like the the nice smile. Uh, something that you might not expect from Mirko Krokop is his um, his usage of emojis. So how about that? Two forty five. Tyron Woodley will stop by talk about this whole Nate Diaz story at UFC two nineteen. Two twenty five. We'll talk to Holly Holm about the two nineteen fight against Chris Cyborg and um, how the fight got made in the end. Uh, Colby Covington will stop by at 205. We'll get his side of the story with Fabrice Verdum, the boomerang, the the assault charges, all that and more. Uh, Michael Chandler will stop by at 145, talk about why he's not fighting Brent Primus next. Uh, We thought that that was going to be the fight. We thought that they'd have an immediate rematch, but uh, that is not the case. On January 20th, Michael Chandler will be fighting Gochi Yamauchi, instead, which is a great fight, but it's not the title fight. And so we want to find out why. At 125, Chael Sonnen will stop by and we'll talk to him about the Bellator Heavyweight Tournament, the talk of him fighting Rampage Jackson, all that and more. But first, let us go to the uh, phone lines and welcome in our first guest of the day. Uh, He is now a former UFC fighter. He is a retired UFC fighter, one of the fighters. He's one of the uh, pioneers of Canadian MMA. And on Friday, he officially announced his new sports management firm. Wanted to talk to Patrick Cote about this. He's kind enough to join us on the phone. Patrick, are you there? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm here. Thanks, man. Uh, good to have you on the show. So why did you launch this? Uh, why did you feel the need that you know this was the right thing to do now that you're retired from MMA? Uh, you know what? This is a this is a firm not only for MMA athletes, but for, for uh, you know a different kind of sport. We are not going into hockey; it's, it's too complicated. But uh, we're gonna have some tennis player and football player. But right now, our focus on, it's on uh, on MMA fighters and a boxer because that's something that I know very very well. Uh, and my partner is uh, something who's uh, who's working with the law, so that's that's uh, we are we're like bulletproof now. If we're going uh, something's going bad with. Uh, contract and, and uh, negotiation and the reason why I did that is because the main focus it's uh, was to represent athletes in their sport to give them 
the luxury of being just of having the freedom of thinking about training and performing and something like that and building their brand that is very something very important now that because you know that uh, the sports um the sports performance are not enough now if you want to live about the sport if you want to live well you have to build your brand you have to be you have you, have, you need to be able to set to to sell yourself you know in a good way and uh, this is why i started in uh especially in mma world and box world you know there's not any union or something like that they protect the fighters so i decided to do that to do my part to uh, try to help them, and especially the young kid and the young guy, young prospect, that's our main goal, to, to build them. Do you recall when you first started thinking that this was something that you wanted to do upon retiring? Not at all, not at all. That's actually, I came with this idea because a lot of people uh, knows me and know that what I did outside the cage outside the, the 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 MMA world, you know, I was able to to uh, to build my brand, to build my name, and doing a lot of stuff outside the uh, the the octagon, but using this sport by you know grabbing some opportunity left and right, and now I'm you know I'm touching like everything now because I was able to see this opportunity and uh, this this uh, all those things. So a lot of people told me that why you don't do that? You know, why are you not trying to, to help those guys and you got to be the perfect guy, the perfect fit guy to do that. And I said, yeah, maybe we'll see if I had the right partner with me, maybe we're going to, we're going to launch something. And, uh, yeah, I found my partner. He's, uh, he's in the, the sport, you know, since 18 years, he's been, uh, he's been a lawyer for the NHL. He's been the lawyer for a lot of hockey, uh, professional hockey players. So, you know, the sports very well. So right now it's that was that was a guy who I needed and uh, yeah it's, it's going pretty well. Uh, your experiences, uh, you know, when you were a fighter with management, were they good or do you wish that you know it was a little different? Do you wish that you had a company like this around um, where you'd have better relationships, get things that you wanted? How, how would you describe when you were a fighter your experience with management? You know, the, the, the stretch of our business or our firm, it's uh, it, its me. I don't want to sound cocky, but I know exactly what the fighters need, what athletes need. I've been there. I've been those shorts. I know exactly what, what it's, uh, what it's the, the, the hard part about, you know, having some maybe medicals on the short notice or just having, you know, free time when, when I needed too much promotion or, you know, just dealing with press uh the press or the the promotion or the all, all those things so uh yeah for sure i had some good and really bad experience with managing uh <laughs> during my career but uh me seriously and i'm honest with that i'm honest with my uh, w- with my firm with my business i really really want to help those guys uh i'm not working for nothing for sure i'm not working free but i yeah. know that my experience my experience and the partner I have, we have the perfect combination to to help those guys, and we have it's like it's like we have everything with that. The network I have, it's uh, it, it's it's uh, it's a no brainer that you want to you want to deal with uh, with a firm like that. Um, and and so you mentioned uh, that there's no union in the sport, and this has been a, a hot topic in MMA. Do you feel like there should be one? Oh, I, I think so, and it's not against uh, any promotion. It's not. It's it's just for the protection of the fighters. This is this is a really really um, hard sport, and uh, and especially some who 
you know, fighters who don't know how to sell them, how to build their brand, at the end of their career, they have nothing. So that that's the thing too, and that's that's why we're gonna try to teach them and putting them on a lot of opportunity to, to build their name. So this is the most important thing right now about the sport, and especially in MMA, because yes, you have to win, but you have to put people in the stand to to come to see you, and uh, that's how we're gonna gonna be able probably to have a better life after when you get retired. Because you know what, in, the, in this combat sport your career can end tomorrow. This is yeah. a very, very hard sport, a contact sport, a dangerous sport. So you have to think about not only tomorrow, but next year and 10 years and 20 years, what is going to happen about that. Speaking of uh, next year, 10 years, 20 years, do you think that there will ever be a union for MMA? Uh, it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be hard. Uh, you know what? The last time they tried it, I don't think we could have a better group to, to try to start that, you know, big names like George, Jonas Cerrone, Ken Velasquez, Tim Kennedy, that was huge name. They tried to, to build something, but like we, we saw that it's, it, it didn't work. And that was a, that wasn't the first try. And I have a really, really big doubt that it's going to happen one day. It's because all the fighters, all the, all the, the boxers or MMA guy will have to, will have to, uh, to, to be all together on the on the, on on the one cause or something like that, and I think that it's gonna happen. So that's why you know people like me who start a management like man like that and a firm like that. It's uh, it's important because I know I know all the the, the the trap. I know what is good for you, what's not good for you, and it's not only in MMA. It's it's every in every sport. You know we have to build your name. That's that's the most important thing. Um. In particular, with the the biggest organization in in the sport, the UFC, it feels like maybe over time they've wanted to have less and less interaction with managers. And because there's you know no sponsorship now, you sign these long contracts. Um, I, I've heard from a lot of fighters who say, "Oh, you know, I could just do it myself." Why do you think a fighter needs a manager um, in this given era that we're that we're you know that we're living in right now for MMA and in particular the UFC? I think they're right. Uh, you know what? A normal manager, I don't think it's uh, it's worth it to to give money if they just uh, negotiate a contract. You know, right now you're right, but it's it's different now because with uh, IMG and WMG, it's not uh, like familiar like like before. You know, it's more business now. So I think you need somebody who know the business, you know, you know the justice, you know the law. To, to just make sure that you're not going to sign anything that you, you don't want it. But, um, you know, a manager on another one, on that case, you're right. It's not uh, it's not a big difference. The difference with, you know, a firm like that, like mine, it's we're going to build your name. We're going to try to build your name. We're going to negotiate your, fight, your, your, your contract, but we're going to put everywhere we know with our network that I built in the last 15 years that it's, it's, it's worth millions. Trust me. You know, I have everything in my phone. Everybody I knows about, about, you know, TV, media, uh, all organization, uh, sponsorship. I have good relationship with everybody and I built that for the last 15 years. If I call somebody, he's going to, he's going to answer me. I know that I, have, I don't have any bad relationship with anybody. So that's, that's the strength of uh, our company. Um, and so you currently have a few fighters signed to the management team, right? 
Exactly. I have seven fighters. It's uh, it's a young guys. Uh, the, those guys, I think they can. Uh, they, I have three three guys. I, I really think they can make a big wave in uh, in the industry in the MMA world. Uh, I'm meeting. I have a meeting with tennis player and uh, football guys next week, and uh, a couple boxer too. And you know what? When I launched that Friday. I was expecting that it's gonna be it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be cool, it's gonna be you know a big news, but not like that. You know, since Friday, I'm out of my mind. <laughs> you know what? Oh, really? It's crazy. I, did, I really, really didn't think that it will be like a, a big impact like that. A lot of people want to work with me, want to work with us, want to join the firm. A lot of people want to be represented about the firm, and uh, you know what? I don't think that. Uh, um, I stole any of this attention from anybody. You know, I've always been uh, true about about the, my fighting style. I've always been true with uh, a true guy about uh, about my sponsorship relationship. And today, I think people have, have confidence and they want to sign them in, in the frame because they want to sign with me because they know they're going to be in good hands. Yeah, uh, you do TV work in in Quebec. Are you still going to do that now that you've launched this? Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, I'm I'm a busy guy. I'm opening a, a sports facility in December too, and uh, that's cool. And uh, you know what? Like I said, I didn't expect that this thing would be that big, that fast. But hey, it's uh, it's fun, and uh, the, I have the luxury now that I will be able to choose whoever I want in the firm, and that's that's something that I, I didn't expect. Uh, and 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 by the way, I mean you 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 walked away from the sport in April, so we're now what uh, seven months seven months yeah seven months removed since yep. your last fight. What has the transition been like for you? Um, has it been you know <laughs> difficult at times? I mean to to not be an active fighter anymore. Not really, seriously. That uh, you know, I knew it before my last fight. That would be my last fight. Even even with the win, that wasn't you know an emotional uh, emotional decision. Uh, and you know what? I'm still working for the for, for the, the UFC as a as a French commentator. So I'm still close to that sport, and uh, I'm still training something like that. But you know what? To be honest with you, I don't miss. I don't miss the, the you know the to be in the cage. I don't miss the diet for sure. <laughs> but I don't you know I'm. I'm okay with that. I'm really peaceful with that. I have a family and I have a little daughter. I can spend more time with her. It's, you know what? I was preparing my after career since, you know, three or four years. And even if I was well prepared, I'm launching some new project like this firm. So I'm not stopping, you know, going moving forward. And uh, it's fun. You know, I'm all, I'm, 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 I, have a, I have a lot of fun right now. Uh, by the way, you you also were in uh, New York here for UFC uh, two seventeen GSP. That was a big deal, obviously in Quebec. Honestly, were, were you were you surprised by how he looked? Were you surprised that he won? Did you think that you know it seemed like everyone was picking against him? What did you think going into the fight? A lot of things surprised me during uh, that night, especially the response of the crowd that was insane. You know, I, you know, I, I closed my eyes and I, I was like my head, I'm in Montreal. That's insane. How the crowd was loud about George. Every time he was on the big screen, when he arrived and every time they show him on the, on the locker room and when he walked in, in the cage, uh, you know, I was expecting people, you know, being happy, but like that, that was just unreal. That was like in Montreal. And uh, yeah, he looked good. 
Uh, he looks very, very good. Uh, I was happy for him because he has a lot, a lot of pressure. When he said that, uh, you know, the pressure was all on Michael, I don't think it's true because, you know what, if he was losing that fight, everybody will talk about George losing that fight, not not this being winning that fight. So all the pressure, all the promotion first was, uh, was around the GSP comeback and not this being defending his belt. So I think he did he did very, very well. I have big doubt that he's gonna fight at one eighty five again. But uh I think he did uh he did an amazing job. You don't think he fights at middleweight anymore? I have big doubt. You know, I don't have any uh, inside info. We're not close that we used to be uh, like a couple of weeks, couple of years ago. But uh, you know what he said about then. Uh, you know the the hard the thing that he had uh, to to gain weight and something like that. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't want to take anything away from Bisping. You know, I like this guy. He's uh, he's a worker. He's an amazing fighter. But you know what? Is I think that uh, you know he had a great opportunity to become champion. But you know, George against Whitaker, George against big guy like uh, Romero or something like that. I don't know. You know, George is a super athlete, but he doesn't have anything to prove against those big guys. So I think he's not gonna fight that one five anymore. Do you think there's a chance he never fights again? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what? I think uh, I will not be surprised if he said, that, uh, okay, that's over. You know, I just wanted to feel that feeling again. And you know why I said that? It's because it took him so much time to get out of the cage. He was staying in the cage and he was kind of feeling everything he was able to grab about, you know, all the emotion, everything. He was in the cage for almost... 20 minutes after after the, the the fight so he was looking away he was looking everything and he he looks like he was grabbing all the energy and just to say that all right that was that i did it and now it's uh, i'm not gonna miss that anymore so i don't know this is the feeling i had when uh, i was uh i was at the minute uh, at the msg but we'll see but uh no i'm not gonna be surprised if he if he uh he's done with fighting I, I spoke about it on my show. I even spoke about it with George, the interview that you did with his mentor, Christophe Midou, and uh, he was very against it. I'm wondering if, A, you've, you've talked to him about the fight and, and how George look and looked, and did you hear, were you hearing that in, in the Montreal MMA scene from other people that you know he wasn't looking good going into the fight? Uh, one of my friends was training with him, and he told me that George, uh, yeah, he was sick. When... Uh, when Christophe Midou was uh, here in Montreal for a couple of days only, uh, that's the time that George was sick. And uh, I heard that from other people that they were at the gym with him. And uh, when when uh, Christophe left, that was two weeks before the fight. And, uh, you know, four or five guys after that told me that, listen, this is not, is not the same George that they used to be in a, a week ago. He's just unreal. He, he, uh, he's back on a, on a good track. And, uh, yeah, but you know what? This is in training camp. I don't remember last time I did a training game and I didn't get sick. You know, it's very, really hard for the body. It's really hard, uh, especially when you do a, a, a diet. He, he didn't do a diet, but you know, it, that was another uh, another thing that gaining weight. It's not uh, it's not uh, easy like it, it used. <laughs> it, it, it's not like uh, it's not easy that uh, like everybody think it is. It's you have to be you have to do it in the right way. And uh, but uh, yeah, no, I didn't talk to to Christophe. Uh, yet but uh i'm sure that he's very very happy about george winning that's he, he, that's uh, that's what he wanted 
you know, a win and George is not uh, seriously injured. Uh, I felt that he was more, he was more talking like a big brother. That's 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 what I okay. felt. But okay. uh, but for sure, uh, what he said, you know, about <laughs> about everything, uh, it was a little bit shocking. Uh, do, do you have like a dream? Like, okay, if George comes back one time. Do you want to see him fight Connor? Do you want to see him fight Woodley? Do you want to see? Do Do you have like a, a perfect match? for him in your mind that you'd like to see him be a part of? Because look, look at how the pay-per-view numbers did. Clearly, he's still a draw. Clearly, as you said, you know, people are going nuts for him at MSG. He's still, you know, the UFC needs someone like him around, especially in Canada. What would you like to see him do as far as his next fight, if he fights again? You're right, man. He's still the pay-per-view king. That's, that's yeah. unreal. George, uh, George is the, he's a superstar. It's, uh, it's unreal after four years, after all those things happened in the last four years. He got the response like that about you know fans about pay per view buys. It's it's just unreal, especially here in Canada. Like you said, uh, George came back to Mike history. That's what he wanted to come back after four years. Nobody did that, and he's winning the title with uh, three other guys that did that in uh, in the past, uh, like BJ Penn, Connor, and, and Randy Couture. And I don't know if he's coming back. He's gonna come back to Mike history again. I think that if you want to do that, he has to take another belt. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to want make 155, but it's not going to be like before eight, nine or 10 months, you know, take time. But if he's coming back and it's not against Connor for a fight or a super fight or something like that, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know the reason for him to come back. No, it's he, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want another belt at I want 70. You know, it, it's not going to make any sense. And, you know, seriously, it's not going to make the same, you know, attention if he's fighting Woodley or anybody right. else at 170. There's no interesting matchup for George. And it's, I'm not talking about the, the talent at 170. I'm just talking about money-wise. There's no fight for, for George that it's very interesting about, uh, about money-wise now. Patrick, I wish you the best. You know, it's funny. Uh, last week on the show, I was talking to um, Tiki Gosen, uh, who you may recall from you know the early days of your career, and he's now become a manager as well, and he manages the likes of uh, uh, Rampage Jackson and and does some work with Roy Nelson. And I, I was wondering if you know this is the the new transition with you know the sport being so young and fighters who kind of grew up with it now retiring, they can now be the the, the true great managers. And so now we have another example of of that happening. And I think that you're going to do a great job with it. So uh, it's called Predator Management. PredatorManagement.ca is the website. And uh, like I said, I wish you the best. And please keep us posted on uh, any news regarding the management team, any signings you have. Uh, I wish you guys nothing but the best in this new venture. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. There he is, Patrick Cote, now getting into the uh, management world. It's amazing. We were just talking to Tiki about that uh, yesterday, excuse me, last week. And... um, uh, and, and now we have another fighter getting into the management space as well. Interesting comments, by the way, about uh, unions. Uh, you know, you hear about it a lot. Will anyone ever actually go out and, and try to get it done? That remains to be seen. All right. So speaking of Tiki last week on the program, speaking of Rampage on the program, you may recall that uh, Rampage Jackson, when I asked him about the uh, the Bellator heavyweight uh, tournament and the uh, the idea that I was that I was hearing that he would be matched up 
against Chael Sonnen right off the bat. He was not very happy about that idea. And so uh, naturally I thought, well, uh, maybe we should have Chael on to talk about all of this. And of course, his involvement in a heavyweight tournament. He's typically been a middleweight, has fought recently at light heavyweight as well. He is kind enough to be joining us via the magic of Skype. And there he is, Mr. Chael Sonnen himself. Chael, how are you? Here I am. What's up, Ariel? Welcome to the big time, huh? Look at this. Yeah. Well, you know, Chael, I'm feeling yeah. so sick today. So sick. And and just seeing your face and your demeanor just makes me feel better. You're just like a ray of sunshine in my life. I appreciate, I appreciate you pushing through. You're a good man. I can hear it in your voice. You sound a little bit down. Have some vitamin C maybe. What do you think? Yeah, maybe. I've got some uh, vitamin water here and stuff. But yeah, I haven't had any vitamin C. I'll power through. It's not about me. It's about you, Chael. Um, we have a lot to discuss. First things first. It should be. It should be that. It's, I mean, I'm starting to feel like it's about you, but it, sh- it should be the way you explained it. <laughs> yeah. Let's try to get back to that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how did you get involved in this? Was this something that you heard about and said, hey, I want to be involved in a heavyweight tournament? Or did they come to you? Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Have you ever fought at heavyweight? Uh, I don't think so. I, okay. <laughs> I, I can't remember a time I fought at heavyweight. I can, I can remember times fighting where we never weighed in. You know, I go way back to the 90s. I, I can't remember. Uh, I mean, I was four or five fights into this process before we ever saw a scale. So I guess you'd call that heavyweight, but uh, the opponents weren't that big. I mean, we, we all size right. each other up by eyes. We look the same. I, I want to answer your first question, though. They did, I, I, know, I don't know that I was ever offered a spot in this tournament. I can't remember if, if Coker or Kogan ever called and said, do you want in the heavyweight tournament? I think that might have happened, but I might have also just found out when the poster got put out. Really? Yeah, and I never knew like it was a heavyweight championship. I don't think it was explained to anybody, and I don't talk to a whole bunch of the guys, but uh, I don't know if anybody knew this was for uh, for the championship and this is how they were going to settle. Uh, you know, because they've been saying for a long time, how come the heavyweight division doesn't have a belt? And Coker's like, ah, we're getting to it, we're getting to it. I, I don't know if anybody knew that that was going to be, uh, you know, the prize at the end of the rainbow if you if you entered this thing. So, how did you feel about it once you figured out what the stakes were? Oh, I, I couldn't possibly care less. I mean, I, I was excited if there were, if there was any feeling, it was pretty cool. You have to understand, you know, if you're like, say you're Matt Mitrione, Matt Mitrione is probably looking at this going, what are you talking about? You know, he he's the number one contender for the heavyweight class. He's been around. He's got the wins. He's got the wins over the right guys. And he's probably looking at going, I'm one fight away from being world champion. Now you're telling me I got to do three fights to be champion. Will you put me in there? I never even thought about being a heavyweight. Now you're telling me. I only got to win three fights and I can be the world champion. So, I mean, it's a different perspective for, for someone like me. For me, it's a big opportunity. I would imagine for Mitrione, it's like, oh, come on. You got to be kidding me. I'm already the top contender. Now I got to go three guys. So I'm just I'm just guessing here, but I don't know if anybody knew exactly what this was. I don't know if anybody should have to know, man. We're all under contract. Who, who gives a damn? They can do it any which way they want. Just tell us a date and an opponent. So do you know your date and opponent? No, I don't know either. I got a text from Stephen Morocco who mm-hmm. said, are you fighting Rampage in January? And I said, no, but where did you get that? With the thought, you know, whenever there's a, whenever there's a flame in this business, it always turns into be a fire. Nobody can keep a secret. And Stephen <laughs> wouldn't tell me where he got that. But I, I was thinking, you know, why'd you ask me that? But no, I don't have any announcement on that. I mean, Rampage has said he doesn't want to fight Fedor. I don't think they're going to put him and Mo together again. Him and Bader have already fought, to remind you. So, so the, the numbers start lessening for who a likely opponent is. I think that's how I even got inserted in that. But I have no date. I have no opponent. And 
Yeah, man, I guess we're just waiting. And then now there's something about Rory McDonald wants in or got in or, you know, maybe I'm starting a rumor there, but something about Rory came up. So I, I don't know where things are at. I think that's just him wanting to be a part of it. I don't think he's actually a part of it. Um, of course, he has a title fight. But I, I also did hear you versus Rampage on January 20th. Did you hear his comments last week about you, about not wanting to fight you? And if so, what did you make of them? Uh, yeah, I heard him. I mean, I took it as a big compliment. You know, Rampage is a rough night out, and I don't know what kind of gamesmanship he's trying to play, though, or try, trying to butter me up. He usually insults opponent. I, I mean, you know, he started handing old Chael a few compliments there. But I'm not taking my eye off the ball. I mean, Rampage at 205 pounds is, is a tough night out. Rampage at 265 pounds. Uh, yeah, man, it's a tall order, but any of them. I don't train for guys, man. I, tra- I train for movements. It's, it's my movements versus their movements. It's my skill versus their skill. Uh, I, I, don't, I, just, I don't care who the opponent is. But I'm not, I'm not going to take my eye off the uh, Rampage ball just because he paid me a few compliments. I can tell you that much. So you hey, let me okay. ask you something yeah. real fast. Who, right. Give me some scoop on something. What is happening with Vandalay Silva? Why, why have I not heard Vandalay's name in, in three months? You know that's a great that's a great point. I would actually argue that it's been more than three months. Like I haven't really heard his name since your fight in June. So you're not holding out on me. You don't have like some no. inside scoop and Vandalay's about to get a fight because I thought it was a little surprising he wasn't in the tournament. Oh really? Mm. Um, no, I, you know honestly I haven't heard much about him. And are, are there any other than like just being put in the tournament? Are there any fights that really make sense for him at this juncture? I don't know. Like how many does he have left? I don't know. I th- I've always thought, I always thought that a Vandalay versus Fedor might be fun just because of the Pride Days. Yeah. Have you asked your bosses about it? You're not popular. No. No. No, I haven't. I haven't asked, and I, I certainly don't talk to Vandalay. Yeah, I was just bringing that up. I thought maybe you knew something there. I wasn't I, I going in any direction with that. I, I'm, I, Let's I'm get not, back to you. How's everything? No, I'm okay. I'm not overly enthused about seeing a Fedor fight anymore. I mean, I feel like he's taking a lot of big shots. I don't know. I, I'm a little torn. I, if I'm being honest, I'm a little torn about the whole thing. I mean, there's four non-heavyweights in the heavyweight tournament, you know? Sure. No, I hear you on that. I mean, that is the Japanese model. You know, that's what Coker likes to do is, is get guys together and put them, you know, put them in any, any which way and just make, make matchups. So I, I hear what you're saying on that. But at the same time, I would counter you by saying I have to think a favorite of that tournament you know, you got Mitrione in there, but I would have to think a favorite of that tournament is whoever comes out between Mo and, and Bader. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you're not going to take your eye off Bader or Mo. Mo. Mo's proven himself at heavyweight, and Bader's champion of the world right now. So I hear that argument about why are these smaller guys in there. But for me, I, I like it. I got a kick out of it when Sakuraba used to go fight guys like that. And I How much do you think you'll weigh? How much do you think you'll weigh for it? Hopefully between two fourteen and two seventeen, no bigger. And will you have to change things up? How Sorry, how how much? No, I won't change things up. How much are you right now? Twenty four right now. Okay. Two twenty four. Okay. That's pounds, Elwani. Two hundred twenty four pounds. What you 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 guys speaking kilos out there? Well, no, no. City of New York. Uh, um, Will you have to change it? Like. are you gonna put kilograms? <laughs> are you gonna put muscle on? What are you gonna do? No, I'm not gonna change anything. I mean, I'd like to lose a few pounds just so I, you know that's what my best one. About two, right around two fourteen, two fifteen, and uh, that's probably when I feel like my quickest and most limber. And that's it. Then I'll bring my skills. Okay. 
Um, by the way, uh, just uh, left. It's, you know, it's go- not rocket science, Helwani. It's an ass whipping contest. No, I know, I know, but this is kind of new territory for you. This is different. I guess I don't see the difference, man. Somebody gets in there with their shirt off and their mouthpiece in. I get in there with my shirt off and my mouthpiece in. I I, I don't see what the big deal is. All right. Fair enough. And there's um, a big opportunity, right? There's a big opportunity. You, you, you win a few fights. You, you come through. You're Grand Prix champion. Dan Henderson won a Grand Prix one time. I've always been jealous. So That's right. I've never That's been right. in one. Can you imagine Chael Sonnen, heavyweight champion of the world. How about that? Yes, I could. I could imagine that. I've been dying to ask you this question because your name has come up in the news as of late. I'm a little uh, surprised. I'm a little surprised you're you're acting surprised about that concept. What do you mean? That, that, what do you that, mean? That, that kind of what? Well, you know, I a little something in your voice over there. Like, could you no. imagine? Could you imagine the greatest fighter ever? I've fought for five world championships, Ariel. Yes, fair enough. I mean, I'm bound to win one of them sooner or later, right? <laughs> you really think I'm going to go zero and six? Uh, you still have that WC belt? Oh, it's right there. Is it right in back of you? Yeah, I think it's behind. Oh wow! I think it's behind me somewhere. Yeah. Down. What a great, what a great little setup that is. Um. So I've been dying to ask you this. Yeah, and I know a lot of other. Okay. You know, I still have the belt. Like, like one day I was doing spring cleaning. I'm like, you know, what really has got to go is that that damn championship belt, man. That's just been weighing my wall down. I got to get rid of that thing. <laughs> um, can I ask you about Colby Covington? A lot of people have been bringing you up when talking about Colby Covington. What is your take on Colby Covington? I love. Him. You okay? Go ahead. I love him. He, he, I, I love him. I think he's a ton of fun. I think what Verdun did was a scumbag move. I have no idea. I mean, that's the second time Verdun's done this. Don't forget the last time we, we saw him get into somebody, uh, it was a 155 pound Tony Ferguson. You know, it was just really weird. Verdun, uh, uh, you know, I guess that's my piece on that. But as far as Colby goes, listen, man, if you want to make an omelet, crack a few eggs. What the hell's he doing wrong? And I'll, I'll remind you, I've known Tyron Woodley since way back when, and I saw Tyron do this same thing. And he had a little bit different approach, but don't make any mistake that Tyron Woodley stuck his finger in every single chest and used every single microphone he had to to get his opportunity, too. He even said, I'll fight my own teammate, and then did, and then knocked him out. I mean, Tyron was a guy that wanted to climb the mountain and would not let anything stop him. Colby's just doing the same thing. So, I mean, I don't think anybody can really judge Colby in some kind of unfair light, man. He's got his own approach, but he's being himself. This isn't an act. I've known him since he was 11 years old. He grew up two hours from my front door. He's been a rough guy his whole life. He's been wanting to get into the UFC, uh, you know, since he was in high school and college. He had his dream on this. He had his eyes set. Here he is. And boom, he's going to get some notice. What the hell's wrong with that? Um, Where did you come across him? uh, 11 years old. Like, what were the circumstances? Uh, he's a wrestler. He came through the okay. wrestling scene. His father's a referee. His dad used to ref some of my matches. And uh, I mean, it was like a family affair, like all the great wrestlers. It's a family affair. You know, the whole family gets involved. But uh, he's out of uh, Thurston, Oregon, and okay. was a was a state champion and went on to Oregon State University. He was a Pac-10 champion. He was also an All-American for the for the Beavers. Uh, I was a little surprised he left home. I thought he'd come up here and train with us. He did train with us for a little bit at Team Quest. And then... Uh, he went off the ATT, but yeah, man, Colby's doing a great job. I don't, I don't understand how anybody's criticizing him. And the guy is, is the talk of the town. I'll remind you, he had a fight with Damian Maya. One week later was Madison Square Garden. Turned out to be the greatest MMA card of all time. George St. Pierre is making his return to take on Michael Bisping. One day before that fight, they were the third story down, Bisping and St. Pierre. The first two stories one week later was still Colby Covington. <laughs> 
So if you're not going to take an example from that and learn from this guy and try to copy him, you're missing the mark. And I see fighters do it all the time, but he's doing everything right. And let him speak his mind. Who cares? I mean, there's some things you can't say. There's a few things he might have to run back, but not many. Is there a line? Is there a line, though? Do you feel like he's getting close to any kind of line or is all fair and love and fight promotion? No, it's it's not all fair. Um, I don't think he would say that though either. Is there a line? Yeah, sure, there's a line, but uh, no, he's he's walking. He's doing fine. Okay. Um, and are you talking to him like throughout all this? Do you check in with him? You have a good relationship with him because it's amazing. I'm sure you hear this as well. Everyone's like, oh, he's like Chael's son and you know 2.0 or the second coming of Chael, the Oregon connection, the feud with the Brazilians, etc. Yeah, or, or I'm like Colby, man. I mean, I, I don't know how you want to slice it. I don't know that either one of us is copying either one. I mean, the guy's a rough guy. He, he's, he knows exactly what he wants. He's not afraid to go out and do it. He just took out a two-time number one contender. Uh, I mean, he's getting a little bit hard to ignore. I do not talk with Colby or feed him lines, if that's at all, at all what you meant. I had him on my podcast the, the other day. We caught up a little bit. He was absolute fire. Uh, and he... And he got off and moved on with his day. I think he went to Australia to get attacked by some knucklehead named Verdun. Does George St. Pierre fight again? <sighs> yeah, he definitely fights again. Does he fight really? Robert Whitaker? I think so. I think he takes the Whitaker fight reluctantly. But uh, yeah, George definitely fights again. Um you know, don't forget the, the the biggest match you could make is George versus Connor. It's just a matter of how do you make it. You you can't really make it right now. It's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, it would leave two divisions. It, it's just a little bit of a problem. So you keep your fingers crossed and hope that they can both get some wins and figure it out. Uh, but yeah, George isn't done fighting. Really? Okay. Because there's some people, including uh, Patrick Cote, was just on think that maybe this could be it. You know, he stuck around. He, he, he kind of was in the cage a little longer on that night. You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked. You would be shocked if he walked away. Yeah, I, I, I would be a little bit. I mean, he did take a four year break. I don't think he wants to do that again. He works hard every single day. You know, he's one of those really disciplined guys twice a day, every day, six days a week. And he did that even when he was off. You know, he kept saying, I'm never going to fight again. But he was in the gym twice a day, every single day. Even if he stayed out late partying the night before, he gets up in the morning, goes in the gym. He was really disciplined about that. And it was hard for me to ever accept that a guy was just doing that because uh, he loved the life of a martial artist. I mean, that's what he was claiming. But for me, that was a tough sell. It's like, come on, George. Nobody works this hard and, and has these kind of skills and doesn't want to go show them off. Right. Uh, that's my opinion. And he could walk away at any time. If I, if I found out he was walking away, I would have some disappointment, but I'd also be very happy for him. He, he, he'd be the only fighter that I know of that's going out on top. And he, and now we would have done it twice. The only guy I could think of in, and it'd be the boxing world is Lennox Lewis. I mean, all fighters are, our career ends the same way, man, face down and embarrassed. And, uh, if you told me George could go out on top, that'd be a pretty cool story, but I would miss seeing him, and I thought he looked terrible in his fight against Bisping by George standards. I thought he looked slow and sluggish. I thought he looked undersized, and uh, and he just reminded us all that even a bad George is still the greatest fighter out there. Just the truth. Is that something you worry about? You know, the 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 end happening with your face down. You know, having to be carted out. Do you think about that a lot? 
Or do fighters not think about no, that? No, I don't worry about it. I mean, I'm, I'm fully content that that is how it is going to end. You know, athletes as a whole, but we really see it, you know, in, in fighting, they just stay in there too damn long. They lie to themselves. They think they could do it. I've heard Muhammad Ali came out and talked about it, you know. Uh, it's just it's just a reality. And, uh, I, you know, I would rather do that, Ariel, than leave anything on the table. Even in my wrestling career, I look back and think, ah, you know, if I would have done one more tournament or gave it one more opportunity maybe i could have made that world or olympic team and uh i don't want any of those regrets man you know be, being embarrassed and getting beat and all of that i mean that, that comes with sport but you live the rest of your life wondering could have i won the grand prix could have i been the world heavyweight champion for one night i'm not signing up for that do you think connor gets punished if they can reach him, it's a hard reach, man. From a legal standpoint, it's a hard reach. And even even the president, Mike Mazzulli, president of the ABC, came out and said that. I got to have to sit down with my lawyers. And he, he exited there. But, you know, what that means is I don't know how to reach this guy. I'm going to have to sit down, look at some rules and see if I can. What he did was absolutely wrong. It's my job as the president to take care of this. I'm just not sure if I can. The way I understand the rules, that it's going to be hard to reach him. What do you and mean I by reaching the rules on a on a much higher level? So, to explain this for your audience, Mike Mazzulli, who was the executive director that night and was overseeing the event, um, can sanction and discipline. He can fine. He can suspend anybody who's licensed. Yeah, Connor was not a licensed corner man or a licensed fighter that night. So it's not that simple. Now, even though Connor does have an active license, uh by an ABC affiliate, which is Nevada, um, I don't know that they can I don't know that they can step that they might have to get Nevada to have to make the ruling. And then Nevada's in the hot seat if Connor wants to come in and sue and contest that. And I don't think Nevada would take on that liability. So I just don't know what the ABC can do. We're gonna have to see. And I would only know if Mike Mazzulli came out and told us what he can do. And right now Mazzulli's saying, I'm gonna have to look at this thing. I'm in a tough spot here. Wow. He should be sanctioned. It was a scumbag. It was a scumbag move on multiple levels, and then I think it was made worse by you know not apologizing for it and saying I'm a scumbag. Uh, you know, trying to double down. It was just it was just a bad look. You know, the cool side of it, Connor loved his teammate. Connor wanted to celebrate with his teammate. I thought that was a cool thing. He stayed passionate. The guys always stay true to his team, his coaches, his gym. Uh, but as far as overshadowing, coming in the ring, assaulting a referee, pushing him into a concussed fighter, slapping MJ, I mean, yeah, it was bad. Something has to happen. I don't think the world needs to fall down around Conor McGregor for this. Was it was it wrong to do? Yeah. There's still a level of punishment there, right? I mean, the, the guy didn't do a murder. It also wasn't jaywalking, but it wasn't that far from jaywalking, right? This wasn't the biggest thing that he did, but it was still wrong, and they got to do something if they can. You know, it was interesting. Mike Mazzulli said last week on the show that uh, the UFC told him that he had been removed from the December 30th card. And then uh, that was his punishment. Um, and then his management said, no, he was never a part of that card. If you're his management, why don't you say like, yeah, that's my punishment. Great. Thank you. Thank you for, you know what I mean? Like, why, why wouldn't you just take that? Right? Yeah, man. I, I, look, the December 30th card is six weeks away and not one piece of marketing or a single ticket has been sold. We're well aware that he wasn't on the card, but this is a PR move. In the world yes. of PR, perception is reality. And if you can make people think that Connor was delayed, 
you know, I don't think we could say he lost $10 million, but that it would be delayed, which would be yeah. his purse for fighting Tony Ferguson. I think that the world might calm down a little bit. I was very surprised that Connor's own side missed that play and instead took the stance of that didn't happen. Um, yeah, you know, let, let's see what happens. But it, it doesn't put him in a good spot. You know, he's talking about wanting to be an owner and a partner of the UFC without having to write a check and buy in, which is not how ownership or partnerships works. And all of a sudden, if you're Dana, you don't have to have that dialogue anymore. It's like, hey, man, I'm not partnering with a guy that's out breaking commission rules. It's as simple as that. You can sit on the shelf or I can get you back in there. Do you want me to go to bat for you or not? Hmm. Okay. Hey, let me ask you something. Help yeah. because you, you put me in a hot seat for Covington, but then you laid out. Certainly you agree with me. Kobe hasn't done anything wrong. I don't want to talk about this line. Is he going too far? Look. Yeah. He's making noise. He's getting on your show, which happens to be the biggest show in MMA. Well, thank he's, you. He's uh, coming on with the world champion who he got to respond. The world cha- Tyron took the bait. Tyron did respond. He just took out the number one contender. He's stealing all the headlines. Certainly you're not on the board that uh, we shouldn't do what Colby's doing and go out and get attention for your hard work, right? So I, I know you listen to the show every week. And a couple of weeks ago, after the Damian Maya fight, I said that this was pro wrestling 101. This is what Andy Kaufman did. Oh, you guys smell. Here's some, you know, here's some, some soap. You, you wash your armpits. I mean, what he said about Brazil that night, filthy animals, all that stuff, could have been said in Memphis, in Chicago, in Montreal, in Toronto, and Vancouver. There was nothing really specific about Brazil that I thought was offensive that crossed any kind of line. Um, he's now kind of stuck with this whole filthy animal thing and it's fine. I get, you know, like, look, this is the fight game. I don't get too, um, worked up about these things. I, I, I definitely think that he erred in using a, a homosexual slur when, when talk, I mean, when he was filming himself talking about Verdum, like that, that was kind of a misstep on his part. Um, so, you know, what happens there? I mean, that, that it's like every day someone is using that word, which is a little bit, um, dumbfounding but overall no i'm not offended uh, uh, by the way he's not talking about me though he's not talking about uh, i'm not brazilian i'm so he's not really going after me i do think that there's something to be said for hey a year ago no one was talking about this guy like literally no one was talking about him right and now he's one of the biggest quote-unquote bad guys in the sport like everyone wants to see him get his ass whooped right and there's some there's some there's some power in that they don't have to cheer for you they just have to pay to watch you fight pay to watch you get your ass whooped. And I think that a lot of people would want to pay to see Tyron Woodley get his ass whooped. And one of the things I would say to Tyron is embrace this. People have been somewhat apathetic towards your career. Embrace this. Now you have a guy that everyone's going to hate and and everyone's going to cheer you. Embrace this situation and beat the guy up. Take the fight. Take the bait. There you go. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said. And I I agree with you about the slur as well. I I watched that and that part I went, "Eh." eh. You know, that was the one part of the line but he was also just assaulted. Uh, you know, I don't know that one washes out the other, but I think you take it into consideration. So, um, yeah, man, that whole thing was weird. And why, why Verdum is sticking his nose in, it's very bizarre. You know, Verdum is so good. He's such a – you could have him in the conversation of the, of the greatest heavyweights out there. I mean, he's a guy that's just so wide open. He just goes out there and fights. He's Verdum is open to be knocked out at any point in any fight because he's so reckless. But that's also what makes him so damn dynamic. And why he would get his feelings hurt about it when he's living in California, man. He Verdum had no stand in the matter. It was a scumbag move by Ferdicio. And uh, not his first one. And uh, how do you feel about pressing charges? As fighters, should that not be considered? Or is that fair game? 
I'll tell you this, um, and I'm guessing, you can ask Colby if I'm right about this, but do you remember when Angela and Cyborg got in that dust up on on the streets of Vegas? So Angela came on my podcast, and I asked her about that because I thought that was a little bit weird, right? She's antagonizing her. And Angela said, no, no, no. She said, the UFC made me press charges. They were aware, and there was a video of an assault, and they made me, by their procedure, take it. To this level, and I, I think that that makes sense. You know, people want the UFC to be the police on everything, like they're running a church, and they're not. And the UFC has to be able to go. Listen, there is a body that oversees this. The same thing with Connor. People want Dana to step in as the leader of industry and do something about it, but Dana's at some point got to go. Man, this isn't my job. There's a commission there. Bring Coker into it. Bring the local police into it. There's three different levels before it ever crosses seas and gets to me in Las Vegas. And he's right about that. And the same thing goes with this. Before the UFC has to step in and do an internal investigation, it's like, well, wait a minute. There is a body that does this. It's the local police. So take it to them. If I was to guess, I'll bet you it was the same situation Mm. that Colby's going, hey, man, we're good here. Let's let this go. And they probably said, no, there was an assault. It's caught on video and it has to be reported here. That's my guess. Okay. And I'll bet you I'm right. We'll find out in a matter of moments. Uh, pleasure as always, Chael. Thank you very much for the time. I'm hell excited. One, hell one, I have to tell you. Yeah. I have to tell you, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you pushing through today. Your energy sucks, though. Your energy really does suck. I carried <laughs> this. You owe me one. Kaboom. <laughs> oh, man. I thought I was faking it very well, uh, but I guess not. I guess I wasn't faking it well. That really made me sad. Now I'm all self-conscious, right? Oh, my lottie. I'm all self-conscious now. I thought that I was actually faking it quite well. All right. Well, thank you very much to Chelsea Sun. And let's see what happens with the um, heavyweight tournament. Let's see who will he fight next. That's that's what I heard. I heard that he was going to fight. Uh, I heard that he was going to fight Rampage Jackson on January 20th. I also reported that as of right now, the the lineup was Rampage against Chael on January 20th. I heard that it was going to be uh, Mitrione against Roy Nelson in February, Bader and Mo in March, and then Fedor and Mir in April. And you're, you'll recall that Mir is still suspended, so he would have to fight in April. That's kind of the the easiest one of them all to 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 pencil in because he can't fight before April due to the suspension, which led to his departure from the UFC. Um, all right, in a matter of moments, do we have him? I guess not. Maybe we do. Maybe okay. Uh, in a matter of moments, we're going to be joined by Michael Chandler and. Uh, Michael Chandler was in the news late last week. I reported that he'll be fighting uh, Goichi Yamauchi on January 20th in uh, Inglewood up to no good, California. And that led to a lot of discussion about uh, why isn't he fighting Brent Primus? Uh, You'll recall in June uh, at Madison Square Garden, Bellator NYC, they fought for the Bellator lightweight title um, and the fight didn't really get off, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't much to the fight because, uh, relatively early on Michael Chandler injured his foot, uh, sprained his foot and, uh, suffered some ligament damage. You'll recall as well that he was in studio on that Monday after always a mensch Michael Chandler is and, uh, talked about it all and, and, and said that he, uh, still considered himself a, uh, a champion and was going to get a rematch and get back on the horse, et cetera, et cetera. Well, 
that's not happening. Uh, Brent Primus did an interview with our own Guilherme Cruz and said that uh, the fight was offered to Michael Chandler and he turned it down. And interestingly enough, said that he was going to fight at 170, but that f- next fight isn't at 170. So there's a lot of confusion and thought that it would be um, beneficial to clear the air with uh, Michael Chandler, the former Bellator lightweight champion. And, and by the way, a happy anniversary to him. It was, uh, what, six years ago yesterday that he had that amazing fight against Eddie Alvarez that night um, where the UFC was in San Jose, UFC 139, and Alvarez fought uh, Michael Chandler, just hours apart. I'll never forget that night. One of the best nights in MMA history um, because they were happening on different sides of the country. That's when Bellator was doing a lot of Saturday um, evening shows on MTV2 and uh, those two fight of the year contenders. I don't know what officially won the fight of the year. I think it might have been Henderson versus Shogun. Um, but they were two of the very best fights of the year and they happened within uh, literally minutes of each other. So anyway, that was... Uh, yesterday, the anniversary of that fight, uh, six years ago, yesterday to be exact. But now let us bring in Mr. Michael Chandler to help clear the air on all of this uh, involving the Bellator lightweight title. There he is, Mr. Michael Chandler, who is going to be a father soon, right? Or, or, or have you have you become a father yet? I have become a father. I am a father. Wow. Congratulations. Mazel tov. That's amazing. How's that going? Thanks, man. Now it's been, it's been great. It's been... Uh been a whirlwind the last couple of weeks man we've uh, my wife and i my wife has wanted to adopt since we since she was like 15 years old um so when we got together i knew it was something that we were probably going to do eventually we've gone through the process over the last year all the background checks all the paperwork all the applications all that kind of stuff and then all of a sudden we got a phone call that said we were active and they have a uh, a case for us and went down to dallas texas spent a couple weeks in a hotel picked up our pride and joy half wow. whitaker chandler and uh He's been with us ever since. Wow, that's amazing. Good for you guys. Congratulations again. Um, I, and, and like I said to you via text, on this show, I think I, I mentioned to you that you're going to be a great dad. So uh, I'm happy to see that the process thanks. has started already. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been good. It's, I, yeah, I've been kind of, I've known it was going to happen, you know, over the last little while, but it's never a done deal till it's a done deal. So you don't really want to be talking too much about it. And now it's a right. done deal. So we can talk about them all we want. And and also, by the way, happy anniversary. Six years ago yesterday, that great fight against Eddie Alvarez. Did you remember that? Like when I see my phone, I see November 19th. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was an awesome night. Do you feel the same way? I do. Yeah, man. It's It was, uh, it, it was really the fight that put me on the map. It was the fight that let people know, you know, who I am, how tough I am, how talented I was going to be. And the great thing is looking back at that fight and realizing how green I was and how not, you know, I was very, very tough, but I wasn't very skilled. And, uh. It was Will that won that that fight more than skill, and uh, here we are six years later, and it's been something that's been a, a stepping stone to get me to where I am today, and uh, man, it's been good. It's been a phenomenal night, and it was a phenomenal night in history. Yeah, one of the greatest ever. So uh, let's clear the air here, because when I found out that you were fighting Goti Ameuchi, I was like, okay, that's inter- that's a good fight, but I, I, I would have like, you know... I would have put in stone that your next fight was Brent Primus just because of what happened in the last fight. You were the champion, somewhat inconclusive, somewhat controversial. Uh, everyone kind of wanted to see some some closure to that fight. Uh, and, and well, that wasn't the case. You're not fighting Brent Primus next. And then Brent Primus did an interview with our own Guilherme Cruz saying that the fight was offered to you, you turned it down, and now he's just waiting for a fight maybe against um, Patricky Pitbull. What the heck is going on here? Were you offered a fight against Brent? Can you clear the air? Tell us the whole damn story because it's a little bit confusing. Was I offered the fight against Brent? Brent, no. I have been asking to fight Brent Primus 
since I sat there in on in that studio on that chair. I hobbled in. Five days later, I ran five miles. Was texting wow. Scott Coker, Rich Few, booked the rematch. Let's go. I asked for the fight in October at Mohegan Sun. I asked for it in November at Penn State. I asked for it in December overseas. Um, but I am a professional fighter. I am a prize fighter. I'm not going to sit around and wait for somebody who he himself just had a child and he's on maternity leave right now. So he's just wants to sit around and not do anything. Um, so I'm not going to wait. Um, I have a lot bigger fish to fry and a lot, a lot bigger things to do than wait around for somebody who honestly just doesn't want to take a fight. I don't know what his reasoning is besides he's just busy. Um, but you know me well, I've been fighting for eight years. Uh, he has been fighting for eight years. He has eight fights. I have 20 fights. Um, I've fought injured. I've fought calling out the biggest names in the division and the division above me. So, you know, uh, you know who the, what the real truth is in this scenario. Wait, so you're saying that he turned down a fight against you. I'm saying that I was asking for the fight. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, essentially he, essentially, yes, he turned down the fight because I was asking to fight him. Bellator wanted to make the fight. Um, but, they, you can't force somebody to fight. I've been in this situation numerous times now where I am telling telling Bellator, I want to fight. I want to fight this guy. I want to fight. Just give me any fight. And Bellator's got some uh, got some people on the roster that just don't want to fight. They're part-time fighters. This, this guy that we are talking about is a part-time fighter. He's been fighting eight years, and only in one of those years has he fought more than one time. I am the most upset fighter in the entire world that I have only fought one time in the calendar year 2017. Because that's not who I am. I'm a professional fighter. I want to fight numerous times a year. I want to go out there, be put on a platform to be able to beat somebody up in front of millions of people. This guy wants to not. He's the, literally the exact opposite of me. So um, I got some bigger fights, man. You you heard me. You and I have been talking. I've been, yeah. I've been calling out Rory. I've been calling out Paul Daly. Uh, the little Patricio Pitbull sister has been wanting to fight me ever since I literally mangled his his brother on national television and almost beat him within an inch of his life. So I got a lot of fights that I can, I have a lot more fights that I can take than, than this rematch to me. The belt doesn't mean anything to me. I don't need the belt to prove who I am. The belt to me is just a, an ornament at this point. I just want to fight. Have you always felt that way? Yeah, really? I mean, what, what's the belt, you know, what is the belt besides a, you know, 13 pounds of leather and gold? I mean, yes, it symbolizes something. Yes. It symbolizes that you're the champion, but I don't need to have the belt around my waist. If I walk into a room, he walks into a room. Who do you think's getting the attention? <laughs> if I walk into a room, he walks into the room with the belt over the shoulder. Who do you think? They'd be like, well, people would just be wondering, dang, there's a fan with that. He's one of those fans that gets got one of those Bellator belts. Where'd you get that Bellator belt? Are you going to have Chandler sign it? That's cool, man. You know, we all, <laughs> we've all been in those places where we had that, those things. So yeah. I don't need to fight. I don't want to fight. Would I like to punch him in the face? Absolutely. I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to get the chance because in this sport, it's a sport in which people have to sign on the dotted lines. We have to sign these contracts. And we have to step into the cage. I don't think he's going to. And that I, don't, I could care less. I'm on to bigger and better things. Yamauchi is the, t- is the toughest fight in this division and the scariest fight in this division. With 22 wins, 18 wins by submission, 18 finishes this guy has. He's young. He's hungry. He's confident. And he fights a lot. He just finished Adam Piccolotti a month or two ago, who's one of the top prospects in this division. And this guy has... 15, 16, this guy has more fights than I do. So I want a big fight. I want a hard fight. I want a challenging fight. And I want to fight on January 20th, the kickoff of Bellator MMA on Paramount Network. There's nobody else in this entire company that should be on that first fight. 
just like I was in the first fight on Spike yep. TV when we went from MTV to, to Spike TV. So that's why I'm on this card. Um, Bellator did did right by me. My new son's birthday is January 23rd. I said, mm-hmm. hey, I want to fight the 20th because um, I'd like to be able to, to celebrate his first birthday. Here we are. I go out, finish Amuchi, and then I got some big fights on my horizon. Probably not him. When, when you were reading those comments, um, him saying that you turned down the fight and all that stuff, what was your reaction? Knowing you know, the, the story that you just told, how did you, how did you react to that? It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, of, of course I was ticked off. Of course, you know, my wife and I were, were road tripping here to Missouri and she was reading it to me as I was driving oh, no. and she gets <laughs> more worked up. Than, yeah. She gets more worked up than I do. So, you know, it's one of those scenes where, man, we live in a world today where, you know, we just heard Chael say perception is reality. So he, you know, this guy's smart enough to say, hey, if I go ahead and lie to everybody and say that he turned down the fight, I can get a little bit more time to sit around and uh, watch my wife feed our baby. I don't know what he's doing right now. You know, I mean, I, I have a nine month old and my wife does 90 percent of the stuff and I'm there to just uh, I'm there for comic relief. You don't need um, to be sitting around and being a father full time. Get your butt in the gym. Let's get in the, Let's get it. Get into a fight. But. I was a little bit ticked off, but, and that's why I'm on the show right now. And then again, whatever, these are my words. Um, but all I'm saying is look at someone's track record. Let's see who is always acting, asking for fights, see who is always calling people out, see who is always ready and always down to get into a war and literally die inside of a cage. One of us is one of us isn't. So it's not, it's not that hard of a decision to see who's lying in this scenario. And what about this 170 stuff? I mean, I know that there was some talk, uh, you wanting to fight Roy McDonald and all that stuff. Was it possible that your next fight would have been at 170? Was that something that was discussed? Absolutely, man. I mean, there's, like I said, man, I'm in this sport now. I've been in this sport almost 10 years now. You know, I want the biggest and most exciting fights I possibly can. You know, I mean, those guys at 170 aren't that much bigger than me. I mean, I'm a big lightweight. I haven't had the easiest time making weight. The only reason I can make weight easily is because i'm disciplined for 10 weeks i've already started my i've already started my diet to get down to 155 on january 20th it's not easy it's not easy for me to make weight because i stay in shape i keep a lean lean body mass lean muscle mass throughout my throughout the entire year and i get up into that 187 190 mark and then i bring it down so yeah i want those big explosive fights paul daly is an is is one of the most exciting fighters in the entire world I want to step into the cage with that man. Roy McDonald is is widely regarded as one of the top welterweights in the world. I want to fight that man. Patricio Pitbull is smaller than me, but he's got a big mouth and he hates me. Mm. He hates me more than anybody hates anybody in this in this entire in this entire MMA game. So we might as well let we might as well step into the cage and settle it. So there's no reason to talk about has beens and part time fighters who we were alluding to earlier. Let's start talking about the big names, the people who actually fight for a living, who fight for a paycheck, who love to step step into the cage, bite down on the mouthpiece, and put on a show for the fans. That's what I do. That's what I've done since 2009, since I in, since I finished my college wrestling career. So it's time to go, man. January 20th it is. I'm a prize fighter. I'm ready to collect the prize. There's no part of you whatsoever that you're like, yeah, I, I, I know I, I, I agree with what you're saying, and it all makes sense. Prize fighting, I mean, that's how you provide for your family. But you want that belt, right? It'd be nice to have it back. Don't you make more money when you're the champion as well? No. Oh no, it's the same. I make I make I make money being Michael Chandler. Whether I'm <laughs> fighting, whether I'm you know, I don't make money when I don't fight. That's why okay. I don't make money. Yes. I make the same amount of money whether I'm the champion or whether I'm not the champion. Let's just like let's just say I've I've earned my position in this company. I have bled, I have died inside that cage, came back in the fifth round against Vincent Henderson and finished the fight or finished the fight 
at the at the bell and and won the fight via decision. Okay, I've had the belt numerous times. You know, I mean, I I went up this I went up to Sanford Medical in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, got twelve shots in my spine on a Wednesday before the first Bellator pay per view ever, and hobbled into the cage all jacked up, body all numb. Went out there and lost lost a fight that I should have never taken. That's what I do. I don't care about the belt. I've had belt. I have three of them hanging in my office. If I was at home right now, we'd be doing it in my office, and you can see all the belts. Who cares about the belts? Those things are going to collect dust. Those things are going to those things are going to tarnish. You don't. I don't care about that stuff. I care about legacy. I care about creating. I create about. I care about creating currency for myself and my family, and now my son, my wife, and my and my son. You know, I mean, that's that's what I want. Um, the belt to me is an ornament. I could care less. Um, I got some big fights that people want to watch. And that's what's going to happen. Is it fair to say that you've moved on from Brent Primus at this point? That you're not interested in fighting him anymore? Why would I? I almost knocked him out on one leg. <laughs> I almost knocked him out on one leg. Everybody saw it. And millions of people saw it and, and thought, holy cow, how is that guy with one leg just knock, just literally knock someone to their butt, chase him across the cage, ankle, ankle uh, bent seven ways a Sunday, and then the referee came in and gave, gave the fight to someone else. You know, I'm 100% convinced I would have won that fight on one leg. So why do I need to fight? I, I literally do not need to fight him, especially if he doesn't want to fight. And now you want to tell people that I turned down the fight? Yeah. Now you don't even deserve to step in the cage again. I'm the draw here. I'm the big name. I'm uh-huh. still the champion, whether you like it or not, you dork. How is the foot, by the way? It's phenomenal, dude. Look at this sucker. You're all good. It's great, man. It's no limitations. Yeah, I, I, I ran five. Huh? No limitations. You're 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 healed. Zero limitations. No, I I walked to your studio. Yes. Right the I, day after. Yeah. I walked to your studio. I walked f- five ten miles around New York for a day and a half and enjoyed the scenery and all that kind of stuff. Went to San Diego, started my rehab. Five days later, I ran five miles on concrete in my running shoes. Okay. I'm 100 percent healed. I have zero limitations. I'm the best I've ever been. So come to step in the cage. That is amazing. By the way, uh, I, I'd be remiss if I don't ask you about your old friend, Will Brooks. Are you shocked by this, that he's one in three, that he's lost his last three in a row? Are, are, you, are you a little surprised to see how poorly things have gone for him in the UFC? I am. I, I, really, I really, really am. And the, and the funny thing is, no matter how big of a rivalry you could have with somebody, and no matter how, no matter how much you might dislike the way someone is or We've had our differences. We had. We've had. Our, we have our history. I still feel for feel for the guy, man. Nobody, nobody deserves to lose three fights in a row when you you can't get your footing. Your your confidence is down in the dumps. Things are going wrong here. Things are going wrong there. You just can't catch a break. You know, it, it, it's tough. I mean, I, I saw it happen, and I saw some of the comments, man. Like people are just ruthless. Oh, man. You Horrible. know, this man steps into the cage. This man just steps into a cage, puts himself on the line. And and loses in front of millions of people, and all people can say is 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 negative, mean things, you know. And and that's just the world we live in. So I'm here to say that I'm one of his uh, not so big supporters. But keep your head up, man. You know your best days can still happen if you continue to believe in yourself and continue to work work hard. That's where I was, man. People wrote me off. You know, we just started talking about the Eddie Alvarez fight six years ago. People put Chandler up in the top three in the world. You know, we want to see him fight Vincent Henderson, the UFC champion. We want to see him in the UFC. We want to see him at number one. I think this guy can go all the way. And then fast forward two years later, losing three fights in a row. This guy sucks. He's a he's washed up, has been, you know, go get a day job. And now here I am again on the biggest show in in, uh, in MMA media, you know. So I'm, I'm, I've am i continued to 
win and lose and win and lose. And in this game, nobody can be perfect. And, and you're continuing, you're continuing to just fight your previous self and your own limitations inside your mind. And that's what it is. And the life of a fighter is a hard one and it's not an easy one and it's trying and it's, and it'll beat you to your knees if it'll let, if, if it'll let it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough life, but man, you just got to keep your head up and keep moving forward. Great stuff, Michael. Pleasure as always. Um, selfishly, I wanted to see you fight for that belt again. I wanted to see a conclusion to that, but uh, happy to see ah. that. Okay, all right. I'm just saying. <laughs> you, you, ser- you seriously want to see me step into the cage with that part-time fighter rather than Paul Daly, Patricio Pip, No, no. Rory McDonald, Lorenz Larkin. You're, you're one Mark of the faces. Hunt. You're Mark, <laughs> what do you know that I don't know? Um <laughs> You're one of the faces of that promotion. You're one of the faces of that promotion. You 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 should be fighting for a belt. You know you that fight kind of ended a bit inconclusively, and it was incredible to watch cage side with the one one leg and you're knocking him down. Um, but I so I was gonna say, but I love this Yamauchi fight. I think he's great. I love the Styles matchup. Yeah. I love you know the, the 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 just like on paper the way you two match up. It's fun. Um, but yeah, selfishly, I yeah. thought that that would have been great for the the new network and everything you fighting for the belt. But hey, you got bigger plans. You're not worried. I'm not going to be worried. Yeah, don't be worried, man. This, all this right. is it's all good. We we got going. And like I said, Yamauchi is is the toughest fight in this division. He finishes he finishes Patricky Pitbull. He mm-hmm. finishes Brent Primus. He finishes any of those guys. And Michael Chandler is going to go out there and smash him. So January twentieth, let's go. All the best again. Uh, congratulations on Parenthood and and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thank you. You too, man. I appreciate it. I'll see you. All right. There he is. Michael Chandler returning to action on January 20th. And that's very, uh, okay. Uh, returning to action on January 20th. That's the first, as he mentioned, the first, uh, Bellator event on the new Paramount network. In case you missed it, Spike TV is going to turn into the Paramount network in early 2018. And Mr. Michael Chandler will be on that first card, which is the card headlined by Roy McDonald versus Douglas Lima for the Bellator welterweight title. That's at the Forum in Inglewood, California. So looking forward to that. And also, by the way, that is the um, that is the event that's going head-to-head with UFC 220 in Boston. What's going to happen to UFC 220? Um, last we heard it was going to be Daniel Cormier against Volkan Ozdemir, but you may have heard yesterday Volkan, uh, was arrested in, uh, Florida. So we'll talk a little more about that situation and, uh, there's a chance we may get another title fight on the car. We'll talk about that a little, a little, uh, later in the show. All right, let's move along. One of the most talked about individuals in the sport is Colby Cummington. He's been on the show, what, twice in the last four or five weeks. Well, he returns again this time. Uh, well, we, we have something new to talk about. We're not necessarily talking about a fight. Um, there was uh, an incident, as you may have heard, in Sydney involving Fabrice Verdum and a boomerang. He was subsequently sent home as a guest fighter from the event, and he now is kind enough to join us via the magic of Skype. There he is, Colby Covington, the uh, one of the most talked about men in MMA, one of the most hated men in MMA. He joins us now. On is it, does that make you feel bad? Are you are you offended when I say that? When when I say you're one of the most hated men, or is that accurate? No, you know, hate is just another word for love, really. So you know, <laughs> I understand what you're trying to say, Ariel. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay, so let's talk about Sydney. 
You're there. You're a guest fighter with Jorge Masvidal. You're a good friend. You're at the hotel. Can you paint the picture for us? Because we've heard Fabricio's side of things, and I wanted to have you on to talk about your side of the story. So can you paint the picture? What what happened here? Yeah, I'm going to paint the real picture, you know, because... Fabricio is making up these ridiculous stories when it's all on camera, so you can't hide from the truth. But pretty much me and my boy Jorge, we're over in Australia. We're promoting a card that nobody knows about. We're trying to give attention to this card that no one's even talking about, and we're trying to sell tickets because no one knows that there's even a UFC event this weekend without us being there. And I'm outside. I'm waiting curbside to get in my taxi, and I'm looking down at my Twitter and I'm talking shit to Tyrone Woodley. Hey, Tyrone, stop being scared. And out of nowhere, boom, I get hit across the face. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on? I look up, it's Fabricio Werdum. And he's screaming at me. Oh, he's screaming these anti-gay slurs. Oh, I'm going to kill you. He's walking at me with his coach, Rafael Cordero. Oh, we're going to kill you. They're backing me up. I'm like walking back. Yo, get the fuck away from me. What are you doing, man? You guys, you're professionals. And then all of a sudden, John Wood jumps in the middle of it and a couple security guards. And they're like, yo, you're not going to attack him. Get away from him. What are you doing? And Fabricio's still yelling at me. Oh, I'm going to kill you, Colby. Oh, you dead. He picks up a boomerang and tosses the boomerang at my face. And I kind of got lucky and I ducked it because I have, you know, impeccable reflexes. But, you know, luckily it didn't hit me square in the face. and It just kind of hit me off the side of the face. But... You know, they use boomerangs in Australia to hunt kangaroos. They don't use boomerangs. People are saying this isn't a weapon. This is a weapon. And then the UFC officials are like, hey, Colby, come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to be a professional. We're not street thugs. I don't get paid to fight on the streets. I get paid to fight in the octagon. And, you know, where's the equality at? All the people in the world that are saying, oh, he's a snitch. He went to the cops. Yeah, you know, you're condoning violence because of free speech. You know who else created, you know what that's called, uh, Ariel? What? That's called fascism. You know who else believed in fascism? Who? Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. Oh, God. (laughs) It's not okay, Ariel. What he did... There will be justice served. You know, now he's in the he's in the hands of the Australian police. You know, he's making a joke about it going around all oh, the boomerang. Oh, la, la, la. He thinks it's a joke. This ain't a joke, man. He came up and attacked me, Ariel. Take away the fact that we're pro fighters, Ariel. If you're out in the street and someone comes up in the street and hits you in the face because of some comments you made on MMA hour, would that be OK, Ariel? I mean, no, I, absolutely not. Let me ask you this. Um the general consensus seemed to be that he hit you with the boomerang. You're saying that he actually punched you first and then hit you with the boomerang? Yeah, the first thing that happened, I'm sitting outside waiting for my taxi to go to Fox Sports Australia, and I get hit in the, in the face, sucker punch style. Like, I wasn't looking. I'm looking down at my phone, tweeting at Tyrone Woodley, and all of a sudden I get hit in the face from the side. And wow. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Like, I'm a little concussed, like little – like a little bit messed up in the head, like, whoa, what just happened? Like all this heat of the moment type stuff. And I look up and it's Fabricio Werdum and he's still coming at me with his coach, Rafael Cordero. And they're acting like they're going to jump me. Like literally, I'm like backing up, backpedaling, backpedaling. Like, whoa, get, what are you guys doing? Get away from me. Like, what are you guys doing, dude? Like, you can't do this in the streets, man. Don't act like street thugs, man. We're professional fighters, dude. Condone yourself like a professional. And then luckily, John Wood was there and he was able to jump in the middle and kind of help me from getting jumped, you know, and, and, and Rafael Cordero is coming at me acting like he's going to do something. What the fuck's he going to do to me? I'll put that guy out cold. And 
And then he picks up a boomerang and throws the boomerang at my face. Like that was unneeded after he already sucker punched me in the face. Have have you ever had any kind of runnings with Verdum or did this stem from, you know, the, the filthy animal comments, the Maya fight, all that stuff? No, I've never had any wor- uh, run-ins with Werdum. I barely knew who the guy was, you know. The only reason I was in Australia was to sell tickets and promote a card that no one knew about that he was on. So, you know, I knew nothing about Werdum. Uh, his claims are completely lies. You know, I said nothing to him. I didn't even see him before he came up to me and hit me in the face. So he's out here saying, oh, Kobe was uh, uh, calling me a filthy animal. No, I said those comments three weeks ago. You know, those those comments are old, man. You can't. You can't come up and, and attack someone because of free speech. You, it's not okay to condone violence because of free speech, you know? So, you know, we're not street thugs. We're professional fighters, you know? If you want to fight me, if you want to see me fight, you're going to have to pay $49.99 on pay-per-view or $59.99 on high definition to see these beautiful looks in action. But besides that, you're not going to come out in the streets and try and attack me because of some words I said. That That's not okay. So... After the incident, as you said, you were backing up and then you pulled out your phone. Uh, you had the presence of mind to pull out your phone and then you started filming the whole thing. I think it was on Instagram Live, right? Yeah, yeah, it was on Instagram Live. You know, I wanted to film it because, you know, I, I didn't know, you know, who saw it. And I, and I thought he was going to keep coming at me, you know, after he hit me and then he threw the boomerang, he's still walking at me. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to pull out my Instagram Live. Whatever he does, you know, it's going to be held accountable. But, you know, at that point, you know, I, my head was all messed up. You know, I, I regret anything that I said because, you know, I was a little concussed, man. He hit me in the face like he's calling me these anti-gay slur marks like a bunch of times. He's saying I'm going to kill you, this and that. Like my head was like spinning. I just wanted to get that out for evidence. Like, OK, keep coming at me. If you're going to attack me again, you're going to be on camera. So that's why I pulled that out. So I was going to ask you about the the homosexual slur that it appears as though you said you're saying it's because you were concussed and you were kind of out of it. That's why you said it. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I was completely concussed and out of it. You know, and he was saying those slurs to me before that. So it just kind of, I don't know. It must've been in my mind still. I have no uh, ill effect towards uh, the LGBT community. I actually support them. I have friends that are gay. So, you know, it's no disrespect to them, you know, at the end of the day, you know, marriage in one, you know, that's that's a mistake in itself. But but that's a whole other story. But, what? You know, I, what did you I say? You're not a supportive marriage, period? Saying, yeah, I'm not in support of marriage, man. It's it's all a big joke and a mistake in itself. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so many uh, so many different opinions. Okay. So um, that that's over. What happens then? That's over. And, and then I'm still the professional, even in the, in the state that I was in, heated up all this, you know, they took me by the moment. I still did my job. I still went to Fox sports studio, Australia, and I still promoted the card. I kept my mouth shut Ariel. I waited for you on MMA hour to give the real story of what happened, not this fake story of what we're doing saying. I sold the show. You know, I talked about the fights on Fox sports, Australia. I haven't said a peep to anybody since you're the first person I've been talking to. I kept quiet. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. Um, but then they they asked you to go home, right? The UFC? How did you feel about that? Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever they want to do, whatever's in the best interest for the UFC, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. If the UFC wanted me to go home, then, then whatever. I felt it was unjustified. I, I don't think I should have been sent home. For what? For getting hit in the face? Like, where's the equality at? Like, 
if this was, we're regular people, we're in the streets, we're humans, uh, another human coming up to me and attacking me because of some words I said three weeks ago, like they're condoning violence because of free speech. And it's not right, Ariel, like something needs to get set right. And you know what's going to set it right? The Australian Justice Department is going to set it right. We're doomed in the hand of the Australian Justice Department now. He can't run like Tyrone Woodley runs anymore. So, you know, now it's on to Tyrone Woodley in St. Louis. Why is he ducking me, man? He's he's trying to fight a lightweight in December. That lightweight, does he's inactive. The, the only fight that Nate Diaz wants to fight is Conor McGregor. That fight's not going to happen. Why doesn't Tyrone Woodley want to go fight in front of his home city? He claims to be the, the St. Louis kid. Oh, why don't you want to go fight in St. Louis in your home city and defend your home turf? Oh, that's right, because you're too busy worrying about being on a Conor McGregor pay-per-view points card. You're too worried about your bank account, Tyrone Two-Faced Woodley. You ain't worried about fighting for the people. But it's okay, Tyrone Woodley. After I beat your ass and take your belt, I'm going to come back to St. Louis, and I'm going to defend the title for the people of St. Louis. And I don't care if it's on Fight Pass, because I don't fight for money. I fight for the people, Ariel, and and I'll fight every contender in line. I'll, I'll establish my legacy. He's not even fighting for his legacy. He's just fighting for his bank account. Okay, so just going back to the uh, the other story, you press charges, right? And you received some heat for that. Uh, a lot of people, I saw a lot of fighters who were kind of mocking you. Hey, you're a fighter, you talk smack. What are you going around pressing charges? And they compared you to Angela Magana. Um, Chael Sonnen was on the show just around 30 minutes ago and hypothesized that you were asked to press charges by the UFC because you know this isn't the kind of thing that, that, that should happen. What happened that led you to pressing charge. Like, why did you decide to do that? Why did you feel like that was, you know, all right. Um, obviously you were hit. Obviously you were, you were, you were punched in the face. You were hit with the boomerang, but um, people seem to be very surprised that you press charges. Why did you decide to do that? Well, first off, all the people that, you know, are condoning violence and saying all these hateful things to me are the same people that are cheating on their taxes, cheating on their wives. They're all a bunch of filthy animals, Ariel. But, you know, why press charges is because, you know, it was going to be a he said, she said thing. It was going to be we're doomed story versus my story because the UFC didn't know what to do about it. So the only way I could get the hotel evidence and the hotel tapes, Ariel, was to file a police report. And that's what I did. I'm not pressing charges. I'm not trying to get money out of him. I'm not like that. But he's going to be in the hands of the justice system of the Australian justice system. This this has to do with something bigger than being fighters. We're prize fighters. We're not street thugs. We're, this has to do with we're doing versus Colby Covington in, the, in, a, in a course case of law. Of law. You know, you, you can't come and attack someone in the streets. That's not okay, Ariel. Do you have to go back to Australia too for, for the court date in December? Um, I don't think so, but they did say that I might have to come back for one for one court date to give a test to, to testify. Okay. Did you see it? This was news everywhere. I mean, it was like, it was... I mean, it was leading the broadcast, the, the newscast. And what was crazy about it, they weren't even mentioning that you guys were fighters. It was just like this big, you know, this story where someone was assaulted with a boomerang. Were you shocked at how big of a story it turned into? Uh, no, I wasn't shocked. You know, I mean, I mean, look at the guy. The guy, the guy acted like a complete animal. You know, he, he invaded my personal space. We're not talking about two fighters. We're talking about two humans, two people that are out in general civilization, in society. This guy just comes out of nowhere because the video at this point before those media media released that the cops had already seen the videotapes. They'd already seen what happened. They saw me looking down at my phone. They saw me get hit in the face. 
after saying nothing to the guy, the guy just came out of nowhere. He blindsided me. I get hit in the face. I stumble in the middle of the road, like where the taxis are coming. And he's still charging at me with his coach, Rafael Cordero. He sees the people trying to break it up, but he's still, still charging forward. And then he picks up a boomerang and he throws at me. Like boomerangs are used to hunt kangaroos in Australia. That's a deadly weapon, Ariel. That's not okay. Uh, what about this uh, Bilal Muhammad saying all these things about you, saying that you'll you'll end up in ICU if he sees you, things like that? Have you have you heard these comments after his win on Saturday? And are you increasingly, um, I don't know, maybe a little concerned that people are going to start attacking you every time you go out to like an MMA event where you're you know you're recognized and there's fighters who maybe don't like some of the things that you've said? I don't even know who that is. I've never even heard that name in my life, Ariel. Okay. Um, fair enough. Are you worried though that people like, do you, do you, do you fear for your safety? No, you don't. Let me tell you why I don't fear for my safety. I had to make a point versus we're doom. You know, we're humans, you know, you know, if you want to, if you want to talk crap to me, go to my Twitter, go to my Instagram, say my Instagram and Twitter, by the way, is at Colby Cove MMA. Any of you people in the world come to my social media, say whatever you want to say. You want me to die anti-gay. You, you fuck my mother, whatever you want to say. All these negative things, you, you're entitled to free speech. You can say whatever you want to say, Ariel. But the second you invade my personal space and, and, you, and, you, and you condone violence, that's not okay. You cannot invade my personal space and hit me that, just because of my free speech. That's not okay. So I'm not concerned. If these filthy animals want to come try and invade my personal space because it's my free speech, then they're going to pay and they're going to get consequences from the law. Um, by the way, you're at ATT right now, right? Yes, sir. What's it like there? ATT, baby. Home to oh, a lot man, of Brazilian fighters. Amazing. What's it like? Is it, How are they towards you? Oh, man. It's like a reality show. I, I love it. I really enjoy it, man. It's, you know, ATT is the greatest gym in the world. Thank God for Dan Lambert and John Hartnett. You know, we got a great team over here, you know. But, you know, uh, th- it is what it is. You know, they if these people, they want to hate on me, whatever, I'm the biggest talked about thing in MMA right now. I'm, I'm the face of the fight game right now. And, you know, I'm not out to make friends, Ariel. I'm out to have my world championship. You know, this is a one-man sport. You know, I represent American Top Team. If someone doesn't want to be my friend, you know, that's their choice. You know, and that's their opinion. And I'm not going to come up to them and hit them in the face because of their opinion. Uh, did you clear the air with Ricardo Laborio? Who's Ricardo Laborio? Never heard of that name in my life. Okay. Um, so where do things stand as far as your next fight is concerned? When do you think we'll see you back in there? Um, I mean, you can see me as soon as next weekend in UFC Shanghai if Tyron Woodley signs the papers. But, oh. you know, I mean, December 30th, you know, I'd love to get in there with him. But, you know, as soon as Nate Diaz, obviously this fight's never going to happen. He, he's, a, he's not going to fight Tyron. He's a lightweight and he only wants the McGregor fight. As soon as that fight doesn't happen, watch. Tyrone Woodley's going to pull out. He's not going to even talk about UFC 219 December 30th. He's going to talk about, oh, my shoulder's hurt now. Oh, I got to go. I got to go do this and that. Remember how he was making that story up that his shoulder was hurt and he couldn't fight till March or April? Yes, now, I had heard that now his shoulder his, was hurt. Yeah, now his story, oh, I can fight in December against a lightweight, like, Come on, man. All these guys are faking it. They're lying to the media, Ariel. I come on MMA Hour, thank God for Ariel Hawani's show, and I say the truth. I present the truth, and I only talk the truth. I don't I don't say these these criminal-type things, you know? I, I don't lie. 
You know, I come here and say the truth. So whenever Tyrell Woodley, his vagina, his little sore vagina heals up, I'm ready to go whenever. He should defend it in St. Louis. I don't, I don't see why he wouldn't want to. If he doesn't fight you next, if he takes some time off, if he tries to fix his shoulder, what do you do then? Are you going to wait for him? Are you going to fight someone else? Are you going to remain active? What do you think you'll do? Maybe I should do the same thing he did. Oh, after he got a split decision win over Gashalem. Oh, I'm going to wait. I earned my title shot. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I earned it. You know, but, you know, it is what it is. If he's going to be sitting out to the end of next year, which I bet he will, because he knows that I'm next in line, I'm the only... I'm the only realistic option right now at welterweight for a title shot. You know, Wonder Boy lost twice. Lawler was knocked out in two minutes. They can't sell that fight. That fight doesn't make sense to sell again. You know, so I'm next in line. So I'm sure he's going to sit out to the end of next year, but that's okay. If he wants to sit out to the end of next year, I'll get an interim title and I'll bitch slap him with the interim title. Final thing, any message for Fabrizio Verdum? Fabricio, you messed up, dude. You messed with uh, Oregon's biggest bad guy, and, and you did it the wrong way, man. There's a way about to go about your business. You can't come and invade people's personal sp- space because of free speech. Now you're in the hands of the Australian police, and I'm on to bigger things, Tyrone Woodley. Fabricio, we're doomed. You're a thing of the past. I am the future. I'm taking over the game. Thank you, Colby. Appreciate you coming on, clearing the air, um, and, and, and stay safe out there, all right? Thanks a lot, Harold. You know, everywhere I go, I got to have security guards now. So <laughs> I'm going to try and stay alive out here. All right. All the best to you, Colby. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. There he is, Colby Covington stopping by. In fact, uh, someone sent me uh, an email uh, earlier this morning. Um, what's the young man's name? Young man sent me an email telling me how much he loves Colby Covington and wants uh, Colby Covington to know how much that he appreciates him. So uh, he is not hated by everyone. Some do like what Colby Covington is doing. We'll see what happens as far as his next fight is concerned. Of course, uh, that incident with Fabricio Verdum. All right. Well, the biggest news of last week, no doubt about it. They found a title fight for UFC 219. It's uh, one of the best fights in the history of women's MMA, two of the biggest names in the sport, two of the most recognizable and popular faces in the sport. It's Chris Cyborg defending her UFC women's featherweight title against the one and only Holly Holm. Holly is kind enough to be joining us on the phone right now. Holly, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, as always, for uh, for coming on the program. Are you surprised, Holly, that you're fighting Chris Cyborg in six weeks? Um, no, I figured it was going to be happening eventually, so why not now, you know? I spoke to your agent, Lenny Fresquez, a week ago, and he told me that the fight was dead. How did it go from being dead to actually happening? It was one of those things um, you know, we've, I've always said I'm open to the fight with Cyborg. Um, there's been a couple times we had talked about it before, and it was just one of those things that with this fight, it kind of seemed like things weren't really like flowing very good. I was kind of being forced, and we thought, you know what? We always just kind of let things fall into place, and... Um, I just try to take the challenges that comes and but you know what I mean? And if if it's kind of being forced and it's not gonna happen, let's not force it, you know, let's wait till it's kind of a more realistic uh kind of just let it flow, you know. So we kinda of just let go of trying to make it happen and um then things started to fall into place. I thought, well, okay, I guess it's falling into place. So next thing you know, it was a done deal. And um 
I'm excited about it. It's been something that's been on my mind, obviously. We kind of figured it'd be happening soon, so we've been training for this fight anyway, and I know a lot of people think it's, like, last minute, but uh, our minds have been around, you know, the cyborg fight for a little while, and I think it's actually the perfect amount of time to have a good training camp. Sometimes when it's that intense for too long, you can peak too soon um, before the fight comes physically and also um, emotionally. It can be a lot sometimes the longer training camp can be, so um, I think it's a perfect time, perfect training camp. Um, it's been a, an interesting year for you. You start the year fighting at 145, then you go down to 135, then you go now at, at, at 145. Are you okay with this up and down? I mean, I know it's just 10 pounds, but um, is is it a little bit strange to be going up, you know, one weight class and then down and then back up? Um, you know, going, going back and forth is... If there's time in between, it's fine. Um, you know, I don't want to fight at 135 one month and 145 the next. So, you know, I've had a little bit of time to just kind of stay healthy. But I already know, you know, I'm I'm probably walking around at a weight that, you know, Cyborg probably cuts water from for all I know. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I am. So I just want to kind of stay where I'm at and stay strong and stay um Stay healthy. That's my biggest thing. I know that I'm going up against, you know, the biggest 145er there is, and I normally fight at 135. But uh, she's still beatable, and I know that I'm, uh, I know that I'm still strong, and I have uh, all the confidence in myself. So the 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 road to get to this fight. I mean, not even in the last couple months, but you know, it, it's just been talked about for so long. Like I said, this is the biggest women's MMA fight that the UFC could put on, that any promotion can put on. But it, it was an interesting road to get here, with you know the 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 talks of the contract, and also uh, her saying that you're not getting drug tested enough, and and you actually went on Instagram and responded to her, which isn't something that you usually do. Um, why did you feel the need to go out there and respond to her? It, it it's it, it felt. There was nothing wrong with what you said, but it seems somewhat out of character. You're kind of always like, I don't know, you just shut that stuff off. Um, why did you feel yeah. the need to actually respond to what she was saying? Because it's crazy how people would actually start to even think. Here's the thing. I don't even want my name to be associated with any kind of performance enhancing drug uh-huh. because I've never used ever not in any sport I've ever done in my life not in anything I've ever done and to be putting that out there what she was doing is being it that had nothing to do with like pumping a fight that had nothing to do with you know trying to even talk trash about a fight that stuff's normal but to be going and acting like I'm not getting tested or whatever I got I was one of the most tested last year and even this year I'm so tested more than she has been so it's one of those things that's like just stop whining <laughs> I, it's just because I don't I don't get on my social media and put a picture of me holding the thing that says oh I've been tested today that was my whole point like just because I don't put it on my social media every time they come to my house or come to the gym doesn't mean I'm not getting tested I'm just it, 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 it's never an issue to me they come it's like oh you need to take a drug test okay so I do it it's not like I need to like plaster up their look I got tested today and let everybody know it's just it's not really my style but I definitely um, don't want I didn't want that to be even something that would start um, this whole talk, like Holly and performance enhancing drugs. I, I just wanted to put a stop to it right away because that's not how I am. I've always, you know, done all my training camps and all my careers off of hard work. And that gives me more strength than anything. So I just kind of wanted to put a stop to that conversation. 
before it even got anywhere and before people on the internet started getting crazy. I just wanted to put a stop to it. Uh, I remember you guys filmed the movie together, right? There's a photo of you and and her and Misha Mm -hmm. Tate. Um, What's your relationship like? Um, Is is it different than when that photo was taken when you guys did that movie? Does she get under your skin now? How would you describe it? Um, You know what? I've never had any issues with Cyborg. Um, I really haven't. You know, there's been plenty of times I've seen her. I think she's a decent person. Um, There's definitely been a lot more, like, attacking coming from her side, but that happens a lot when fights are coming up. I really don't take too much to it. I'm just going to keep training. And when it comes down to the fight, no matter how much trash talk there is or no matter how much someone can be nice to your face or in the public, doesn't matter. When it comes down to the fight, here's the facts. She's going to want to hit me as hard as she can. She's going to want to knock me out. Same here. I want to knock her out. I want to win the fight. That's all. That, that's, that's the name of the game. So that's what I'm here for. I'm here to train hard because I want to get in there and I want to win this fight. And so however anybody, you know, everybody has their different mindset behind it. If this is kind of how she needs to get to the fight, then that's fine. But that doesn't mean I'm, you know, I'm going to be disrespectful along the way or anything like that. But I kind of let people be how they are. Um, I'm sure we'll hug when the fight's over. You know, I don't think that there's going to be anything, you know, like a lifelong, you know, anger battle between us or anything. Are you the main event? I don't know. I think co-main or main. I said I don't really carry the one sign. Okay. <laughs> Um, because they haven't really come out and said what's the main event, or if you are officially the main event, I would think that you are, um, and I think that it warrants being the main event, but I was just curious if you actually knew. Do you view this as your last chance to become UFC champion again? Mm, it's it's the only thing I'm envisioning right now because that's what's next, but um, this fighting world is a crazy uh, a crazy world, and you never know when you know, one can be back on top. Um, you know, there's people that have been, I mean, you look at somebody like Andre Olovsky who had the belt, was out of the UFC, fought back in, and then he was one fight away from getting back to it again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's and there's ups and downs, you know. Then there's some losses and the wins. Like, there, there's a lot of things that can happen. So I don't ever put my eggs in one basket for anything, but my goal is to make to get it now. I don't want, I don't want to think. Well, if I don't get it now, then maybe I'll get it here or there. You know, I I just want this fight to be a victory, whether it's a belt or not. I, don't, I just want to win. And this is a big fight, the biggest fight of my career, absolutely. And well, they're all they're, a hard six weeks, and <laughs> they're always they're the biggest nice fight, right? The the next one is always the biggest, but always. When you hear, I mean, this can't be bigger than the Ronda fight, right? That was your first UFC title fight. In that, like, if you're just comparing what you were thinking leading up to it, or do you feel otherwise? I think it's just different. Okay. Um, and I try not to compare too much. Like, yeah, the Ronda fight was its own fight and definitely had a lot of emotion behind it. You know, nobody thought I could do it. And, you know, I think this fight, there's probably more people might see it, you know, some see her winning, some see me winning. It's not, you know, probably as one sided as how people thought the Ronda fight would go. Um, but, you know, she's done really well in her career and had a lot of stoppages and ran through a lot of opponents. So I know I'm up against a really tough person, but she still hasn't faced me and that's a whole different fight. By the way, it was just the two year anniversary of your win at UFC 193. How did you celebrate? <laughs> I actually was in here training. <laughs> okay. Did you even the like? Training. 
did it even cross your mind like when you saw the date that morning that oh wow two years ago no. I, I shocked the world no did anyone tell you you know i thought <laughs> i fought on my brother's birthday so when the date came i thought oh it's my brother's birthday i didn't oh, wow. think about that. <laughs> wow that's amazing because everyone was talking about it um just a few days ago november 15th to be exact um yep. <laughs> by the way i was i was curious i i meant to ask you this the last time you were on and i forgot when you walked out for the betch cohea fight a different song played um, that was a mistake, mm-hmm. right? No, <laughs> that wasn't a mistake. Was actually, um, no, I did it on purpose. Um, oh, I actually, uh, I don't know. I just 2016 was kind of just like a a rough go of a year, and um, you know, I had three losses, and I just thought, you know, um, maybe I just need to change some. My dad goes, maybe you just get a whole different, you know, not that the song makes a difference, but let's just, let's have a new start, a new beginning and just change stuff up. Cause my dad's the one that picked my walkout song. He's like, why don't you pick a different walkout song too? And just kind of, or just get a different thing going here. And I said, okay. I kind of didn't think about it. And then, uh, I got, um, I was at my fight and I started thinking, you know, it was probably one of the first fights that my brothers both haven't been at in a long time. And, um, They've always been my biggest fan since I was young, and it's a song we used to always listen to Led Zeppelin on the way to school. Okay. Either Led Zeppelin or the Beastie Boys, and so I thought, oh, you know what? I'm gonna listen to some Led Zeppelin. Uh, one of the songs we would like, we used to like play when we get like pumped up to go out and basically go make a mess of things and <laughs> cause some trouble. Yeah. And so um, I picked two songs, and I actually. Um, I I just I just texted and said, "Hey, is there is there still time to change my song?" It was the day of the fight. I hadn't done it before, and I forgot. And I was like, "Is there still time to like change a change my walkout song?" And um, I texted Chris Rubino. I said, "I don't know who I'm supposed to call," and he and he said, "Well, I can call and check." And I said, "It's either this one or that one." I gave him two different options from Led Zeppelin. I said, "And you can just pick whichever one. I don't really care." And um. I figured a fight is kind of unpredictable. A lot of things are unpredictable. So I didn't even know what song was actually going to come on. He goes, well, I'll wait and see if they can still do it. I think they can. And he goes, I get a pick. I said, yeah, just pick out of these two, whichever one. And wow. so we're in the locker room getting ready to go out. And I said, I didn't know if they even could change it. Maybe it was going to be my old walkout song. Maybe it was going to be the new one. And if it was a new one, which one was it going to be? And, um, so then when it started playing, it was, a, it was one of the Led Zeppelin ones I'd asked for. And I was like, Oh, awesome. Let's go. So, you know, it's one of those things. I've never really been like 100% stuck on a walkout song. The one I loved I your old one. Because. Okay. Oh, I loved please. it too. I loved what? it, yeah. And the reason, my, my dad and my brother picked it. It was just kind of a mindset thing of why I changed it for the last fight. And I'm not sure what I'll do for this next fight. Maybe I'll leave it. Maybe I won't. But I loved my old song. I just, it was just one of those mental things. Well, um, why did you pick that one? I feel like you were just about to say, and I interrupted you. Sorry. Why did you pick the the original oh, my, one, the one that you switch? Okay, so I never really had walkout songs. They'd always, always ask me what I want. I said, I don't really care because I feel like that's just a celebration before you fight. Like, the work's not done. I could tell you what song I'd want to play if I won. Yeah. That'd be easy, but I don't really care. If I just want to get in there and fight, I don't really care about, the, you know, the exact song that's not going to make a difference. And so as soon as I started um, getting, like, into other kind of getting on me about certain you know walkout songs and I remember one of the ones they 
had brought up was they played one time with two trailer park girls go around the outside and I thought, well, I don't know if I really want that to be my walk kind of everybody was kinda of laughing about it, but um my uh, excuse me. Bless you. Was that a sneeze? My dad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My dad and my brother came over and was like, We found a walkout song. This is what you need. And I was like, What is it? He goes, Irish Irish background. He's like, Cause, you know, all my uh heritage my like my dad my dad could go get his like citizenship in Ireland if he wanted to. Like we have a lot of I have a lot of Irish blood in me and so we've always been kind of proud of that. Um I'm very proud to be American but um very proud of my Irish roots. And he's like, This is the perfect song so my brother and my dad came over and played the song for me and we played it in the house and I was like, That's it, let's just use that. So I've been using it ever since then. And I took pride in it because it was kind of one they picked for me. I didn't really pick myself. And um, so it's, it's it's possible I might use it again. It's not like it's going to be retired forever, but I'm not really sure. We'll okay. see apply for the next one. Uh, you were in attendance at 214 when Cyborg last fought. And uh, I know there are some people mm-hmm. who thought, you know, and not trying to take anything away from Tanya Avenger, but, you know, maybe this wasn't the cyborg of old. Maybe there are some holes in her game. Maybe she's not as aggressive. Did you feel the same way? Did you feel like, all right, after watching that fight, this is the perfect time to fight her? She's she's not quite as good as she once was? Um, well, I wouldn't say that, that necessarily. Um, if people think she wasn't as good as she once was, I think that maybe the sport just keeps evolving. And so girls keep getting tougher and learning more and getting more technical. Um, so I don't think that's it. I think that, um, I think the main thing with that fight is that Tanya Avenger is just, she's really tough and she's, you know, she's not easily mentally beat. I think that she's just a strong, tough girl. And so she probably got in there with just the thought of, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get in here. I'm going to scrap and maybe didn't do the deer in the headlights thing with, with cyborg. And I think that's why she probably did all right. But, um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, that fight is still different than what ours will be. I mean, Tony Ebinger, she's definitely a tough girl. She had the belt with Invicta for, you know, a while for a reason. And, um, but I had said that I was open to fighting cyborg even before that. I just wanted to be able to have, um, time to train for it. You know, I know that there was, we kind of talked a little bit before and they said, well, what about a catch weight? And I said, yeah, I'm open to a catch weight. I mean, let me know what you think. And I think she didn't ever, she said she's not going back to 140 ever again. And then they opened a 145 pound division and that's when she got the red flag for the uh, diuretics or whatever with her yeah. drug test. So she was off for a while. And, um, then uh, when she came back, it was one of those things like, you know, they kind of mentioned, oh, what about, you know, if I fought on that last fight that she actually had? And I said, I, you know, I just fought at 135 in June. I, I'd probably need a little more than like three weeks to train for that fight. I said, I really do want to have that fight, but I just need to just get a full training camp and I'm in, you know. So um, it wasn't a surprise to me that it was the next fight that this is what's happening now. I know you've been asked about the, the Ronda fight ad nauseum and, you know, the losing streak afterwards and, you know, Buster Douglas, all mm-hmm. this stuff. But is there any part of you, mm-hmm. you beat Cyborg, 
you're the only person in, in the history of, of women's MMA to beat Cyborg and Ronda, you know, the three of you, and then you throw mm-hmm. in Misha Tate, probably the, the biggest names ever. Is there any part of you that feels, if I, if I beat her, I validate what I did two years ago in Sydney? Do you think of it that way at all? I feel like every fight is its own journey and its own thing. Um, yes, it's a little frustrating, you know, having three losses after the Ronda win. However... It's not like I just got a lucky punch with the Ronda win and then went and got my ass kicked for three fights in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, there was uh, with the Misha Tate fight, I was ahead, and yes, she caught me and choked me out in the last round. Um, Shevchenko, I feel like she beat me, but it was still a tough, close fight. And everybody kind of thought the fight should have gone the other way around when I fought Jermaine Durand to me. So um, if I like to listen to everybody else outside, then yes, I would probably think, oh my gosh, am I really, you know, doing that well or am I really that capable or did I get lucky? No, I know I didn't get lucky. I know that it was good hard work that got me the belt in the first place. And I know that I've had some tough fights since, but um, I know I was capable of beating each and every single one of those girls. It's not that it was just a fluke deal when I beat Rhonda. Um, So, and I know that in my heart. And so it's easy for me to stay focused and know that I'm still capable of greatness. Um, I, Cyborg is a whole different fight. Uh, it's not even the same type of style or anything as Ronda. So I don't really want to compare Fair. any of my fights too much. I just want to focus on this one and I just want to beat her. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, last thing for you. And again, thank you so much for the time. Um, so Cyborg hasn't lost in 12 years. She lost her MMA debut and she hasn't lost since. Um, she had the Muay Thai fight, but I'm talking MMA. From your perspective, and you're part of a team that does their research, um, some of the best coaches in the game, I know it's a kind of a simple question, and maybe you don't want to give away too much, but in your mind, what's the key to defeating Chris Cyborg? she thinking? Or did we lose her? I think we lost her. I love when that happens. Oh, okay. Uh, are you there? Oh, you're back. Yes, you're back. Sorry, I'm I didn't back. hear your... Did you hear my question? Yes, but then it just went... It, like I heard like a... And it just cut out. Okay, we're back. back. So, so I asked you, in your opinion, finding someone who's been unbeatable for 12 years, what's the key to actually beating her? I think one of the biggest things is just to believe I can beat her. That's, you know, I think a lot of people see her as being unbeatable. And then they almost think they can't do it. And if you don't think you can do it, it's not going to happen. That's number one. Number two, yes, I want to listen to my coaches because they all, you know, have their insight on what can, you know, beat her in this fight. And every fighter is beatable. Uh, you know, there's holes in everybody's game. And we're putting together a good game plan that I feel confident about. And, you know, we have you know, the whole training camp to be able to put it together. And when it comes down to the fight, what it comes down to is me performing it. And that's what I need to do. Um, she is very beautiful. Um, she is very tough. I'm definitely not looking past her, but I'm not going to look at it like it's not obtainable. Um, because then there's not even the possibility of making it happen. So, um, I'm, I'm confident in this fight and I really do feel like I can beat her and I just need to stick together with my team and keep focused, uh, just a a real sharp focus on this fight. 
One of my favorite fights of the year. I love this fight so much. I'm happy that it got made. Thank you. Appreciate the time, Holly. Thank, Thank you very much. Good luck in training, Thank and uh, we'll see you on December 30th. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, there she is, Holly Holm, the preacher's daughter. I thought that her walkout song going into the Betchko Heo fight, of course, she won that fight, snapped the three fight, lose three. I thought it was a mistake. I love the old one, but it kind of makes sense. You want to switch things up. I get it. I always love when a fighter sticks with the same song, becomes sort of recognizable and attached to them. But uh, I could understand wanting to switch things up as well. All right, very excited to talk to our next guest. It's actually been a while since we've had him on the program. And for a minute, I thought maybe he was getting too busy for me. He's on Fox every week. He's on TMZ. He's got his own podcast. He's a very busy guy doing movies. But he has, uh, he has carved out some time for us. He has squeezed us into his very busy schedule. He is the reigning defending UFC welterweight champion. He is the one and only Tyron Woodley. He joins us via the Magic of Skype. Oh, there he is, Tyron Woodley. How are you? I think your screen is frozen. What's up, guys? How you doing? How are you? You're 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 just you're frozen. Yeah, what happened? I'm still I'm still frozen. You're still frozen. Yeah, I mean it's cool and all. I just see your eyes, beautiful eyes. Uh, no, still frozen. Well, let me let me dig into my handy dandy Wi-Fi and see if I can change it. Okay, well, just <laughs> I'll just talk to your uh, to your eyes because just like the top half of your face. Um, just, talk, just talking to my eyes. Yes, I could get lost in them. If we're being honest, um, sh- should we just power through this? What should we do? What's that? Uh, let me let me try something real quick. Okay. Hold on one second. Can you, can you hear me though? I can hear you just fine. Yeah. Okay. Let me try something. I put it on do not disturb because I don't want somebody to call you, bother you, text you. Tell me if you can see me now. No. Nope. Still the same. Can you see me? Still the same frozen. Uh, Dang. And you're in a car now? I say, I say we just do this. Okay. I say we do this. I All right. I say we just look at my steel frame and go. Oh. All right. That's cool with me. Hey, I just want to talk to you. Um, seeing you is a bonus. I don't know what happened. This has never happened before, but we could power through it. It's all good. Um, all right. There's a lot to talk to you about. I don't want to waste any time. Um, when were you approached, Tyron, about the possibility of fighting at 219? against Nate Diaz. When did this all start from your perspective? Um, maybe a week or so ago. A week or so ago, you know, they were just talking about, you know, where I was able to um, show the surgery. For you guys that didn't know, um, you know, I tore my labrum in the first round of Damian Maya, and uh, I just kind of powered through the fight, got the job done. And I've had a, I've had a um, labrum surgery before on my left shoulder. I wasn't too. I wasn't um, such a fan of it, so I was really looking for every other way around it, rehabbing um, potential stem cell, PRP, things of that nature, to maybe avoid the surgery at all costs. And um, still wasn't one hundred percent decided on whether or not I was going to get the surgery. And then they were talking about a fight for Nate, and I'm like, he he wants to fight either Connor or he wants to fight for a belt. I said, well, why don't he just fight me for the belt? And they were like, hmm. Let me see if I can make it happen. So now we're still seeing if we can make it happen, I guess. Oh, really? There, there's still a possibility it happens? Um, I don't know. I mean, he said he said it wasn't enough time. He said I was a welterweight. He was a lightweight. Even though he's fought at welterweight before, and he fought Connor at quote-unquote welterweight, um, it sounds like a lot of excuses to me. But you know what? I, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to call out a man. Maybe that's. Maybe it wasn't enough money on the table. Um, I, I don't. I can't go on record because I don't know. If I'm, um, 100% sure, 
but I believe a part of them trying to go back to him and ask him about the fight again, they would have to go with more money because if you call and ask them with the same money, the same fight date, the same opponent, and you don't have more money, then you basically just asking them again, and he's already said no. So I think at one point he might have said no. He's you know he's too big of a welterweight, and I need more time to train. I need more money. And um, if they went back to him, I'm assuming they they offer more money. So hopefully they offer him a crap load of money and we get the fight done. So I was under the impression after they booked the Holly Holm Chris Cyborg fight that that was sort of an indication that the fight wasn't happening. But are you actually preparing? For uh, December? Uh, no, you're not. Yeah, I'm. Pre- I'm preparing for. Uh, I'm preparing for 219. Oh, you are. <laughs> I'm training for 219 right now. Yeah, I am. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I just left for the gym right as we speak. That's why I'm in the car. Oh wow. Okay. So you are preparing for December 30th. Yeah. You you said oh, wow. Did you talk to Nate? Did he tell you something different? Well, I mean, just my. my the, <coughs> excuse me. The 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 discussions that I had uh, seemed like there wasn't much of a pulse. To the fight, and that's why they went back. I mean, why don't we just the, call Nate? Don't you got what, his number? Why don't we just I do. Call him? Uh, I don't know if he. Would, I don't know if you would want me to do that. Um, to put him on why the don't spot. Call him and just get on. Let's just ask right now. It would, I mean, it's it not like it's not like I'm saying, hey, let's let's do freaking um the old western. Um, you pull out your revolver, I pull out my revolver, and somebody's gonna get shot and killed. I'm talking about fighting one person. One one person gonna win. One person gonna lose. Uh, we, it's we, a sport, right? If you don't get Nate on December 30th, are you going to fight someone else, or is it Nate or Bust? I'm going to get my shoulder surgery if I, if I don't. Yeah, it's, it, is, it's, it makes no sense. Like, like there's no, like, like, put it like this, including myself, there's not a bigger name at 170 than Nate Diaz right now. Um, the only bigger name that, you know, was a bigger name because um, of, uh, of, of what he's done before his brother is, is Nate. Um, or George St. Pierre, who none of which have, you know, agreed to fight in that 170 again. So with that said, it will be silly for me not to entertain a fight. I didn't ask for the fight. The fight was offered to me. I just said yes to the fight. It's so interesting because um, on the one hand, after your win over Damian Maya, it, it, it said, and you were on the show, of course, like, oh, you, you didn't have a good fight. We're taking away the George fight. And then they need a title fight. Who do they call? The injured champion. Who do they save the day. Call? Who do they always call? <laughs> you had I'm to. Always the guy that gets the call. I'm you must always, have chuckled, I, right? I let bygones be bygones, and I'll be a professional. Huh? You must have chuckled though <laughs> no, when you got the call, I'm right? Make a lot of money, so. No, because I'm gonna make a lot of money, so the, the jokes on the jokes on the um, person writing the check. So I'm good. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and how bad is the shoulder? I mean, w- would it be? Would it be a mistake to fight with a with an injury, or, or are you saying that you know you consider Nate not the toughest opponent that you can fight him with one shoulder? You know, I, I consider Nate not the type of grinding grappler, static, the static strength opponent that it will present those problems. Um, someone that's going to be in a clinch, defend the takedowns, you know, going for a lot of shots, throwing a lot of power at Nate. You know, I think that's how you lose to Nate when you just shot a one punch shot him because he has a strong chin. Is um, him and his brother shown time and time again. They're volume punchers. They're cardio fighters. Um, you know, they try to do the mental warfare within the octagon and before the octagon. So, really, ever throw an overhand right to beat him. You know what I mean? I think I can stop him without without my signature um, overhand right punch. Um, he's not going to try to take me down. I don't necessarily have to take him down, but if I wanted to. 
I can't see it being much of a um, much of a fight for him to stop it from taking him down. So what what do you say, Tyrant, to people who say like, look, you weren't willing to fight, but now you're going to fight this money fight. Um, if you're willing to fight, then you know why don't you fight someone else? Why 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 just this one guy who you know historically has been a smaller guy than you? Yeah, you know, but it's but it's a risk and reward. I mean, if 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 he would have if he would have you know beat Connor the second time, it was like, oh my god, but Connor. If Benjamin would have beat Jordan Pierre, they'd be like, oh, but he's really a he's really a welterweight. If someone's going up to the weight, and especially if they competed at the weight before, where's the problem? There's no problem with it when it's um, Dillashaw talking about coming down fighting um, Demetrius Johnson. He's fought at welterweight before. It's not like he's a tiny guy and I'm overpowering him. I'm overwhelming him. I'm just a big weight, in, uh, big welterweight in general. There's not a lot of a lot of welterweights that are bigger than me, just pure size wise. Anyway, so. It's not like I'm just trying to bully on the poor Nate Diaz. I got offered the fight. I'm just trying to make it happen, and I'm just really curious on why it's not happening. What's his logic behind not fighting me? He got the same notice of the fight camp I got. And actually, if I'm mistaken, I just saw him do some type of Ironman contest um, you know, about a week ago. So he got to be in cardiovascular shape. Mm. It's not like he's going to fight a new training style that he can't get ready and prepare for. He's going to fight the same style every time. I mean, he's not, he's never changed his game plan, never changed his style. So, what else is he going to do differently? Why why is this fight not taking place? UFC needs a, a, a big headlining car. I mean, headlining uh, made event or um, you know one of that big show. They do a big fight in March, big fight in July, big fight at the end of the year. Um, man, they need this. They need this fight, and I think they should put the money up to make it happen. Um, when's the last time you got an update about the fight? Um, I, I talked to my manager Malky this morning. He said, oh. "You know, we should know within twenty four hours." Oh wow! Okay, wow. There's a pulse. I didn't hear no yet. Okay. So until, until I hear no, I'm not gonna stop training. So it sounds like when they say twenty four, I, I assume um, I assume forty eight. You know, maybe a little longer, forty eight, seventy two hours, because sometimes you know the Diaz brothers aren't known to be the greatest negotiators uh, with, with returning phone calls and you know coming to terms on deals. So 24 hours to them could be three days. So, I mean, what, this is my job. What am I going to complain about training? Yeah. I love training, especially when it's an opponent that I respect, somebody that brings some type of threat to me, um, give me that anxiety and make me pumped up to train. So, yeah, I'm, I'm living I'm living life, and um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to finally – I mean, I've been looking for that name, man. This would be, this would be that first opponent I get to fight that, you know, I, I get that high-profile fight and actually mean something. The Carlos kind of was a high-profile fight, but, you know, those guys went into having a huge star power. Neither was Robbie Lawler. Neither was, you know, some of the other guys I fought beat. But this is a guy that is directly connected to his brother Nick, directly connected to Conor McGregor. So it could have really set me up to fight one of those guys afterwards. Tyron, how is it possible that the UFC is going to St. Louis and you're not going to be on the card? Um, I think it's just, um, unfortunately, you know, obviously I'm injured. Second, um, second thing is it's not a pay-per-view card. Right. uh, But they have... It's silly for me not to fight on pay-per-view. No, I, I, oh, I know that. I know that, but they have a champion who represents that city so well and who's tied to that city. If you're going to go, go for pay-per-view. Isn't that what you want? Like, don't you want to fight at home? I, I agree. Isn't it somewhat go 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 and go for pay per view 
to let me know you're coming so I can put myself in a position to, to be ready to head on that card. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I mean, it's like going to Cleveland and, and doing a you know, fight. You know, so, you know, it's a big fight on that card. It's me and Robbie. If me and Robbie had fought in St. Louis, because Robbie has a huge following in St. Louis from the strike for days and owning the gym close by. Um, had we been uh, opponents at the time we were last year, uh, we would have we sold that show out pretty easily in St. Louis. Man. There's no chance you fight on that card, right? If you don't fight on December 30th, you're not going to fight on a fight night. No, nah, no chance. No chance. I mean, who am I going to fight? Like, like everybody is, everybody's putting the infrared on me. Like, I used to be that guy. You know, I'm not <laughs> disrespecting those guys, but there's nobody that's a clear contender right now. It's a lot of people that are talking, and it surprised me because I know you want to ask me about the guest that was on earlier. Um, <laughs> uh, what is his name? Uh, I forgot his name. Holly Holm? Yeah, I know you want to ask me about him. <laughs> but, 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 it's, but it's a lot of guys that are talking, but really, let me let me do the resume check. Give me your cover letter. Give me your resume. And I'm going to look at it, I'm going to look up at you, and I'm going to say, sit down somewhere. Um, you know, we had Chael Sonnen on the show earlier, and he brought this up on his own, saying, and, and you actually just said it. You used to be that guy. You used to be the one, you know, putting your finger in everyone's chest, calling out Carlos Condon, hitting up the UFC, saying that you wanted that fight. Um, what's it like now being yeah. the guy that people are coming after? Because you really were that guy, right? I mean, you made a, you made a lot of noise when you were trying to get those big fights. Okay, you know, I don't mind it, but I'm, but I'm not calling. I think we lost them. Since we're doing phone anyway, we don't have to do it on Skype. Huh. Do, oh, you there? It makes so much sense for me to do that the fans are going to get behind it. Outside of that, do you hear me? Yeah, I lost you for a second, but now you're back. You're back, you're back. Yep, 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 I hear you. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I say, I say, yeah, you know, I'm the champion now. So at that time, Carlos Tony didn't have to fight me. He was ranked one, I was ranked 11. Um, he could have said, no, nah, nah, man, it's not even ranked in the top 10 yet. He could have easily said that, and uh, maybe he should have. Um, and, and I'm in a situation where if there's not a clear-cut contender or not even a super fight, just a fight that does something for me, that pumps me up. Like George St. Pierre, one of the Diaz brothers, the Conor McGregor fight. If it's not one of those fights, then it has to be a clear-cut contender. Who's a clear-cut contender right now? There's not one. So they have to shuffle the deck. You know, you look at um, Stephen Thompson, who looked great against Masvidal. I've already fought him twice. Yeah. Nobody's going to watch me and Maya fight again. You know, um, uh, Jorge Masvidal, which, you know, could have been a, a fun fight. Um, Donna Cerrone, which could have been a fun fight. Um, it's just a tough division, man, and you never know how these styles are going to play out. And um, I've beaten a lot of guys in a, in a, in the top ten. So, so uh, your ATT teammate is nowhere on that radar. Who is that? Uh, he ain't no teammate of mine. He ain't no teammate. He's not even. He's not a teammate of anybody of uh, of human race because he is a complete moron. So you know, I keep it real, Tyron, and I said that I think that this is the this is a gift from God for you because everyone will be rooting for you. Everyone will want to see you shut this guy up. Everyone will want to see you beat him up. How come you don't view it the same way? I feel like this is a perfect scenario for you. You'll be one hundred percent beloved going into this because, fight. Because I don't, I'm not in this sport to be beloved. I'm in this sport to be a legend. I'm in this sport to to um, capitalize and maximize. You know, when you got a person who has five thousand followers until he disrespected the entire country, he doesn't quite put himself on that same radar. We got a person that fabricates and makes up stories 
Um, Shell Sonnen was good at it. Michael Bisming is good at it. Conor McGregor is the best at it. You know, when you if you're gonna go that road, brother, at least sound right. Don't want don't on one hand be all oh, I'm this tough guy, and your script sounds stupid. Like what what fight fans say? Okay, I'm gonna buy this guy saying he's gonna take you down so much he's watch your soul leave your body. They don't we don't they don't even like wrestling in MMA. Fans want to see blood and knockouts. You know I mean? They don't want to see some guy just take somebody down over and over again. So I just I just find it really corny. And, yeah, I mean, his work, I mean, he talked himself into the Damian Maya fight and Dung Young Kim, two guys I, you know, I wrote the book on Maya. He, he went out to check it out at the library, um, checked the book out, read it, went out there and got bloody by a jiu-jitsu guy, and now he thinks he's supposed to fight for a title. Sit down somewhere. Have they have they asked you about he him at all or no? himself? Have they even tried? They know better than that. They they okay. just, no, they just they just letting them they they just letting them have his fun. Like this dude's talking about the money fight and the, he like not even to be in the arrogant or whatever. He's never seen a six or seven figure paycheck in his life. Like I as he's fighting, I can sit there and watch television and get pay per view check that come in that was maybe five to ten times the amount his entire purse. So. Why would I sit there and, and try to put him in a position to finally get to the point where he's making the six-figure payday? Like, that's not my job. He has to do that. And the old school way, look at Carl Usman. How's he doing it? He's doing it by fighting guys. He's looking for a fight. He's not faking like his foot hurt. Kobe Covington can fight him right now, December 30th. But Kobe said his foot's hurt. Hmm. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I just don't, I just don't have no respect for guys like that. And I think it's a very disgraceful to our sport. It was built on hard work, guys taking big fights, um, you know, putting, you know, you used to have to be like 10 and 0 before you got in the UFC. Remember those days? Yeah, yeah, You got yeah. the quote-unquote call. You know, yep. uh, and I just remember when he was at my gym in training camp, and I like to let the things in training camp stay in training camp, but it is, it is so hilarious. So many eyewitnesses, so many, so much video, like, I don't know if you remember that my, my gym is cameraed. So, so many videos of training that it just it's just funny that he would just go on this rant because he knows. I told him personally. I said, hey, man, I gave you your one shot on Fox. Do whatever you want to do with it. If this is how you feel like you need to make a name, have at it. Um, do what you need to do. I said, but I'm not going to give you the time of day. I'm not going to. So, this is actually the first time I've ever said something about it. Oh. Eric, you just got to wait. You actually just got a way of getting somebody to say stuff. Um, but, yeah, I just told him, I said, man, if that's what you got to do, I, I just, I'm just letting you know I'm not going to give you the time next. He said, oh, okay, man, you know, I'm just trying to build a fight, man. I'm just trying to make us both money. I'm like, I'm already making money. What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't need to help me. I'm making money. I'm making more money on Fox than you're making fighting. So why would you need to help me out? What was the Fox thing that you said you gave me the opportunity on Fox? What was that? No, they, they 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 mentioned him about fighting me. Oh, I see. And I just basically said, I said when I'm when I'm looking at you know down the scope and I'm looking at you know um, through my sniper rifle, you're not in the crosshairs. There's so many other fighters that are right in that mix that I'm looking at the, the guys that are fighting, um, maybe rematches and you know former champions from different divisions and people that are really running through. It's a lot of hungry guys. And he's in that category of guys like Darren Till, uh, Carl Usman. He's right in there. But the difference between him and them, 
those guys are doing it with their they're doing it with their gloves. They're doing it with their with their action. He's just thinking that he's supposed to talk away, talk his way into a title shot, and it's like it's sad that our sport, you know, does that. And I, and I saw I saw when he came to my gym. He was like, "Oh, I need a manager that's going to pay me to manage me. I need a manager to pay me forty thousand to manage me. I need to be in the UFC right now." At that, at that time, he had like one fight. He wanted me to like tell him how to get sponsors and use my media kit. I'm like, dude, you need to sit down somewhere. I mean, <laughs> some of his sponsors are from me, so it's kind of it's kind of funny. Like, ask him. Some of his sponsors are from me, and they stopped sponsoring him because he's a complete moron. He makes the sport look horrible. Do you think there's he any should, chance he should have been suspended for what he said about Brazil? You think so? I think so for sure. Ariel, let me have said that. Yeah. Imagine Tyron Woodley saying that. I might have got I might have got kicked out of the UFC. <laughs> Imagine me saying that. Come on now, be for real. Tyron Woodley say that on the microphone. Do you think you think that's gonna go by under the radar? And then now you the guest appearance in other fights. And, and even more embarrassingly, you want to press charges because you got hit with a boomerang? Dude, get out of here. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to say he's in my weight class. You ever asked Dan Lambert to sever ties with him? You know, Dan Lambert said, you know, if I kicked off every... Yeah. I'm trying to use the right word. Every douchebag on the team. Yeah. Then we, would ha- we may be having only three or four guys left. So, so MMA just the, the way that the sport is built, the way that it's set up. People think this is a way to make money. They seem what they don't recognize is Connor's Connor's deal. He actually lives up to most of what he says. He don't. He's not undefeated, but he put himself in really great positions. Had he lost to Nate, Nate ten day notice, different fighter, different opponent, he still looked crushed because he took a fight anytime, anywhere. Right. He loses to Mayweather. Not that big of a deal. The greatest boxer of all time to many people. Hey, he go up and fight Eddie Alvarez. Different way, going for two belts. If he lose, he still got a belt. He's still on pay-per-view. It, all, his, all his moves make sense. All his choices make sense. So he can do that. He can talk to stock. He can walk the walk because 80, 90% of the time, he actually lives up to what he says. So when all these other fighters try to use his rubric, but they don't even know you know, they don't even know, like, the, the history behind it and why he does what he does. They sound silly. So, I mean, Dan, Dan, for the first time, I think he went out there and said, you know, he hates the stuff that Kobe says, you know, especially about, you know, Brazilian fighters, so many Brazilian fighters that American top team, what he said about me, especially what I've done for the, for the sport in our division and also for the American top team team. Like, when he was a, the up-and-coming wrestler import, you know, I was like the guy like, oh, look, Kobe's here. He's a wrestler too. You know, kind of show, show him the ropes kind of deal. And it's like, like no respect, man. Like I remember when I paid him for training camp, that was all the money he had to his name. But I gave him, it was his whole life savings, but I paid him in training camp. It's like just the irony of this guy. Um, last thing for you, Tyron. And again, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. Um, better chance. And I know I said I wasn't going to talk Kobe, but you made me feel bad. Oh. I've been on the show in a while, and I turned you down. <laughs> so I let you. I let you. Hey, this is the first time. So fans, yeah. If y'all want to hear about the Kobe deal, this is it. I ain't saying shit no more. We ain't going on and on about this guy. He's 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 doing what he feels he needs to do. 
um, to, to try to get it. But I'm telling you, sometimes people ask yourself something that they don't want. Oh. So if he okay. actually gets himself in a position to be across the octagon for me, one, two, three, whatever fights you take him to get there, I promise you it's not going to end well for him. He, he's never going to fight again. Better chance of happening next, Tyron Woodley versus Nate Diaz or Tyron Woodley versus George St. Pierre? Uh, Nate Diaz. Okay. Where do you George put it at right now? George St. Pierre blatantly don't want to fight me. I, <laughs> uh, I, I just, uh, I think it's embarrassing to the sport, you know, once again. You know, I think it's fine that, that George comes back and fight, um, super fights and money fights. I think he deserves it. I think there's no shame in his game. The only shame I have, you know, the only thing I've always said is that he's not honest with it. He's not here to 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 run the to run the deck at one eighty five. He's not here to, you know, get back at the top of one seventy and take on all these newcomers. He's not with that. He's here to fight, you know, maybe Connor, maybe Anderson, maybe maybe some some fight that makes sense is gonna make him a lot of money. And then he's gonna walk away. All right. Well, uh, I hope you get a big fight next. Um, I know that there's a lot of people that love to see you shut up, Colby Covington. I think it would be a fun build. I think it would be good for your career. But, but, but he's uh, actually shutting himself up. Like, I mean, I mean, I think he embarrassed himself enough that, you know, the boomerang thing kind of blew up in his face. I mean, the, the Twitter response of that alone is, is um, comical. Thank you, Tyron. I appreciate you talking about it even though you didn't want to. I know I didn't want to. Hey, real quick question, though. Is yeah. he really pressing charges on Fabricio? <laughs> yeah, he like, is. He's dead, dead ass pressing charges. Yes, he should be kicked out the UFC. Make that the headline. Tyron Woodley <laughs> says Kobe Covington should be kicked out of the UFC for pressing charges for somebody uh, air tossing a boomerang in a plastic bag at his shoulder. All right. He, he. By the way, he did say that he was punched in the face too. So we didn't know that until today. That's what he claimed. Well, he deserved to be. He, he lucky. He lucky. That's all he got. He was in right. Brazil. They probably would have drug him in the alley and beat him with a beat him with a bat. <laughs> I'm glad you're back on the show, Tyron. Right. It broke my heart that you said no, but I'm glad that we're back. All right. Thank you, Tyron. We'll talk to you soon. Good luck getting that fight. There he is, the UFC welterweight champion, Tyron Woodley, stopping by. Uh, a lot to talk to him about. As always, we appreciate his time. All right. Always an honor. Always a privilege. Mirko Krokop doesn't do a lot of interviews, my friends. So it, it always feels very special when he's on the program. We've been keeping him waiting long enough. Let's go to Croatia right now and welcome in the legend, the one and only Mirko Krokop himself. Mirko, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good evening to you as well, uh, Mirko. So, wow, yes, what a pleasure. It, it, afternoon, right? That's right. That is right. Um, so the last time we spoke, Mirko, was around a year ago, and you had just won uh, that tournament in Ryzen. And I hear you are a year yeah. later, and you'll be returning to Ryzen on uh, December 31st right. against Tsuyoshi Kosaka. Why did you decide to return? Because not that long ago, as we all know, you walked away from the sport. Why are you fighting a year later? No, I didn't. No, I never walked away from the sport. You know, first of all, first of all, I'm sick of of too much explain, explanation. You know, and but uh, I told after after rising that uh, I would like to make a, a feral fight. You know, uh, the idea was the idea was to uh, to do it with Fedor. You know, and, uh, but Fedor su- supposed to win Matt Mitchell. So when he lost that option. That he wasn't an option anymore, you know. And uh, I was talking the whole summer, practically, you know, with with uh, with Rising, you know, and 
we were, we were trying to find solution. What is the best for me? At the end of the day, they asked me to do it on the New Year Eve. That's the biggest event they have. But on next year, you know, why next year? Because they would uh, they hold a heavyweight Grand Prix every second year. Ah. So they won't. They, they will have a, a heavyweight Grand Prix next year. Uh, the winner will be declared in uh, uh, in uh, September, September 30. So they want me to fight the winner of of uh, Rising Heavyweight Grand Prix for the new year in 2018. You know, and then I agreed. I agreed, but in the meantime, in the meantime, I have to do one or two fights to keep my body in shape. You know, I'm not 25. I'm not 30 anymore. You know, and. Uh, that's the only reason why I'm going to, to do this, you know, because I need interval trainings. I just start last week in inter. It's so hard, you know, 30 seconds or one minute, minute and a half boxing and then wrestling, boxing, I'm doing 10 minutes round, you know, that is necessary to keep my body in shape, you know, and I, after so many fights in my age, I can't do it just for fun, you know, so I have to, I have to, I have to see, I have to see target in front of me and that's fine. So, I will fight uh, Koshaka uh, December 31st now and most likely is it April or, or uh, July I will have a second one and then for the next year you know and uh, it will be it wow so and th- th- I mean that's a pretty active schedule so the one on December 31st is just a one-off it's not part of a tournament and then you're saying next year the tournament no, no, will no. Con- no. that will be your farewell yeah, I, the tournament yeah, I, I, won't, I won't participate I won't participate tournament you know I, I will fight with the tournament winner Okay, um, and and the the event next uh, end of the year in Japan that will be your farewell fight. Is that what you said? Yeah, 20, 2018, You know. Okay. Wow. Um, listen, I said it. Listen, I said it many times. This is farewell fight. You know, sometimes I'm funny to myself, but at the end yeah. of the day, you know, sometimes sometimes end needs to come. You know, and uh, I think this time it will be it because uh, it is. It is harder and harder for me to motivate for trainings, you know, and uh, it is harder and harder for me to do those interval trainings and uh, to keep my body in a perfect shape. I can't afford myself to lose anymore, you know. I need to be in really good shape. And uh, I turned, I turned uh, 43 in September, you know, and the, the next year I will be 44. I will, I will turn 44, you know, and I will be already in 45th years. Uh, when I have a favor, I think it's 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 the it's the edge, you know. How is your body feeling these days? Well, to tell you the truth, I just finished my workout half an hour, forty five minutes ago, and I just came. I'm waiting in the front of doctor's office, you know, to have some kind of a massage. Not relaxing massage, but he's uh, he's pressing my body with elbows. You know, it's very painful. It takes maybe twenty minutes. You know. <laughs> Just a kind of super hard pressure, you know, every every part of the body, legs, uh, foot, uh, arms, shoulders, you know, to relax my body. And uh, but more more or less, I feel I feel I feel good, you know. I heal my knee. I had a lot of trouble with my knee, which was injured since 2008. And uh, but it's okay now. It's okay, you know. I had some kind of surgery. Uh, in surgery at the end of uh, January and it healed much, much better than I expected and I'm so happy. Not just because of the fights, but because of the of the quality of everyday life, you know? Mm. 
Um, so you, I mean, you, you have a situation where you are not going to fight within a year. And as you said, you're, you're getting, you know, a little bit older and it's getting harder to motivate. What did you do this, uh, yeah. this past year? Like what, other than you, I'm sure you keep in shape, but how did you spend the well, past you know, year? Uh, I had that surgery, you know, and, uh, to fix my knee. And, uh, after that, uh, I wasn't allowed to do running, you know, uh, jogging for two months, two, two and a half months only almost. And, uh, but I was able to do, I was able to do uh, a bicycle and uh, I was doing boxing, you know, and a uh, little bit wrestling. And I was, I was maintaining my body, you know, but to maintain the body for the, for the, for the uh, fighting shape, I can't skip interval trainings. Interval trainings is something, something that every fighter needs to do if you want to keep your body in, in a fighting shape, you know. And mm-hmm. it is so hard, Ariel, to do it just like that. I can't, at least me, at least me, I can't do it just like that, you know. <coughs> Interesting means today, what I was doing, <coughs> I start with a high week. It's a sparring week, you know, and uh, uh, I spar uh, three rounds. First round, 10 minutes, and then two five-minute rounds uh, with three opponents changing on me. They're all younger one is 27, one is 30. They're all heavier. They're all taller than I am, much, much younger, you know, and uh, they are kicking my ass, you know. They're, they're trying, at least they are trying to kick my ass, and that's, 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 that's what keeps me sharp, you know. I have to survive 20 minutes, and they're changing every two minutes, you know. Th- th- those kind of trainings, I need to keep my body in shape, you know, but it is so hard to do. To, to do just like that, you know, just to keep your body in shape. So I need to have fights scheduled, you know, uh, to do it, you know. And if I did, if I don't do it for two years, it will be too dangerous, you know. Mm. In age of 40, 45 to fight with some young lion, young lion who will won the heavyweight Grand Prix, it will be too dangerous. I don't want, I don't want to take that that kind of risk, you know. I don't want so, to take that kind of risk. So. So I will do that two fights in, in between to keep my body in shape, you know, and uh, I have to prepare like never for that fight in the uh, 31st of December, uh, uh, na- 2018. Na- now that you've fought a couple times for Ryzen, how would you compare it to the old days uh, of Pride? I mean, you've decided to, to sort of end the career with them whenever that time comes. Um, I'm sure you could go to Bellator. Yeah. I'm sure there's uh, many suitors for you. Do you, do, why do you, why do you uh, like it? Yeah, it's... I feel the smell of pride, you know. Uh, same stuff, even same doctors, you know. When I when I came wow. there for doctor uh, doctor check, you know, it was the same old faces I've been meeting during my pride days, you know. Saitama Super Arena, the same dressing room, which I was always using for warm up uh, in my pride days. Uh, so many memories, so many, so many, so many good memories, you know. It it, it wakes up, uh, and uh, I, ju- I just. I just feel good there, you know. I just feel good, you know. Just feel good. It's it's nostalgic, right? I mean, you just feel like you're back home, the good yeah. old days. Yeah, it is it, true. True. I feel so good, and uh, this uh, this time for the for the new year, I will take my son first time with me. Uh, I will take him in. I want him to see Japan. I want him to see and to feel the atmosphere. He will he will turn 15 in the March. Wow. So. And uh, now he's big enough, you know. He, he, uh, I'm taking him with me this time, and he will be one of the cornermen too. I just want him to to feel that adren- adrenaline, and uh, he's so he's so happy because of that, you know. Wow, he's going to be in your corner. What's that like for you as his dad yeah. to have him there? Do you think you'll be more nervous? 
No, no. Uh, I'm healthy. I'm healthy now, and I will be prepared. Excellent, you know. And then I, I'm, I'm scared of no one. When, I, when I'm very good prepared, when there, when there is no injuries. I mean, listen, Ariel. Fight is a fight, but yeah. uh, I will decrease. I will decrease the risk on minimum. You know, with the, with the super super intensive trainings, and I will be. Even now, I'm in a more than solid shape, you know, because I was training since I since I had the last fight. I, I was training, you know, even uh, next day after surgery, I had the first training. I couldn't do nothing. First week, I wasn't allowed to ride the bicycle, to do nothing, especially not uh, running, jogging. No, but I was doing pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, you know, neck exercise, you know, and uh, I I like I, li- I like to do it, you know. I can't imagine one day without training, you know. And that's why that that is why my body is in a, such a good shape, you know. If if I don't count uh, mechanical injuries I had, like for the like I had uh, problems with my knee, which was broken, uh, with my ligaments that was broken, and uh, tendons that was broken uh, after so many fights and after so many things. But more or less, I'm I'm very healthy man, you know. Is, is your son going to pursue a career in fighting? Um, I don't think so. He's a he's a huge talent when we talk about uh, 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 physical potential, you know. But uh, everybody asks me because uh, he's strong. He's enormously strong for his age. He is big. He's he's doing. A, he can he can do twenty pull ups. Uh, he's uh, he can press almost. Uh, he's pressing. Last time I was with him, he he pressed ninety five kilograms in bench press. You know he wow. he didn't he still didn't turn fifteen. You know and he's he's not bench presser. You know I know there are kids you know who is who who can do maybe more. You know even more. But he is doing that two times a week. You know and uh, he has good cardio. But uh, talent talent is hidden. In uh, in your head, you know, that the uh, secret of success is the number of repeats, you know. So you need to be hungry for training. You need to be hungry for training, you know. And uh, he likes to train. He likes to train, but uh, not li- not like I liked in his age, you know. I was training in some old garage in my village, all alone, all alone, you know. And uh, I was discovering kicks. I had some old uh, speedball speedball you know and uh, without mechanism so i i couldn't do uh, anything you know with, with with my hands so i was just able to do uh, to do high kicks you know that's why i was doing you know three or four hundred high kicks per training every day wow. every day that's how i developed my feeling for high kick you know but he's not dying for training like me but i think i guess it's normal you know and you he has, said- uh, for example he has uh, yeah well, go ahead go ahead uh, i'm sorry no, I was training in all in all garage from other from uh, other side of the wall. We have pigs, you know. My father, my father had pigs. Understand? And uh, it was it was open from one side. So in the winter time, it sometimes uh, it was minus fifteen uh, minus fifteen Celsius, you know. And it was very cold. But I was I was I was mad about training. And when you compare it with uh, condition he has, he has a big gym in his own house. You know, because the whole basement is, uh, actually I made a house because of that gym. You know, I wanted to have my private gym. It's a big gym. You know, he has a, a, a judo Olympic winner on the training, Satoshi Ishii training with me, two top heavyweight fighters, uh, Sasha Milinkovic, Ante Delia, uh, some other guys are coming, you know, but uh, can you imagine, can you imagine 
for me in age of 15 you know in my village to have i don't know uh, judo gold medalist and uh, some i don't know top top boxer of whoever you know who can show you how to do first class uh, 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 conditioning for training uh, uh, boxing bags kicking bags pads you know but uh, i think it's normal i think it's life you know i think it's life and it is normal i don't expect him and to to be honest I wouldn't like him to be a fighter. I think it is it is uh, hard, hard to watch your your own 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 uh, son fighting. Yeah. You know, I think I think it, this is really hard. You ever sit down with him and pop in an old tape from uh, from the Pride days, any of the great fights, and, and show him what what his old man used to do back in the day, uh, ten years ago? No, he's big enough. He's big enough. He 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 dig it out already on YouTube, and uh, he's watching. You know, and he knows every fight. He knows every fight I had, and. Uh, you know, you know how kids are today. We live in a modern age. Everybody has those smartphones, so he he just he watch every night. You know those fights and etc. Whatever he wants. You know he can That's dig amazing. out everything on the on the YouTube or Google. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I can't imagine you being you know um, his dad, and he gets to to to, to sit at home and, and watch the old footage from Pride and uh, learn about sort of like live it all again. I mean, it's so great that we 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 have access to that stuff in this day and age, as opposed to you know twenty years ago when yeah. you have to find a tape or something like that. Um, but by the way, you said that you don't want him to fight. What did your parents say to you when you told them that you wanted to fight? Listen, I, I will not forbid him if he wants to be a fighter. If sure, he really sure. wants to be a fighter. There is only one thing I can do to help him as much as I can, you know, and yeah. he will have the best, tra- the best possible trainer. But, uh, you know, deep inside of me, you know, how can I watch my son bleeding and fighting? You know, first of all, he doesn't need it. You know, it was different situation with me. You know, I was, I was, uh, I was young guy, hungry without, without future, without future. And the only way to escape from the destiny that was smiling to me, is to, to become a fighter and to become a good one so I can secure my, my, my family in the future, you know. Yeah. And uh, I did it, and I did it. But he doesn't, you know, I think he has a, his life is too good. He is not hungry. And uh, honestly, I, I think if you want to, uh, if you want to success in a, in, in a mixed martial arts or in a contact, contact, uh, contact fighting sport, uh, you need to be kind of hungry, you know. That's, yeah. that's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. There, there is always be example that uh, that will that 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 will show. But that's only to show that I'm not right. But it's only maybe one example. More or less, that's the that's the pattern that repeats. Understand? By the way, what was that destiny that was smiling at you before you became a fighter? Well, I you know I'm, <laughs> most like most likely I I would be some kind of worker. Worker or worker for uh, monthly payment and etc. You know, I wanted more. I wanted more. You know, I just wanted more from life. That's it. That's mm. it. I don't um, say. Listen, I don't want. I don't want this to turn into something negative. I don't want. No, no. People who didn't. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. You know of what course. I mean. You know. Of course, of course. Um, if you had your way, do you have? I know you've talked about wanting to fight Fedor. You were, you were disappointed that you couldn't make it happen. W- would. Is that the dream fight for your farewell fight, or have you changed your mind? Have you thought about it now? It would be well. Listen, it would be perfect fight. You know, Feather is a true legend of the sport. You know, one of the biggest, maybe the biggest MMA fighter ever. No matter, doesn't matter. He lost. He lost the fight against Maxion at the beginning. Of, doesn't matter. You know, doesn't matter. He'll be. He'll always. He'll always be a marked as a one of the biggest for me, the biggest MMA fighter of all time. You know. 
Did you do you feel was, a little? I was very sorry. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You were sorry to see him. Yeah, I was sorry to see him. You know, uh, laying on the ground. You know, even Matt Mitrion is a really nice guy, and uh, I was happy because of him. But at the same time, I was so sad because of because of Fedor. Yeah. Do you, Do you worry about that? I mean, because towards the end of his career, he's had a lot of knockouts. He's he's been on the ground. Um, do you, when you watch that, does it make you think about yourself and the way that you want to leave? Well, it, I think it is important in important way how you, how you live sport, you know. And yeah. uh, his his star won't shine less. Even he lost against against Mitrion. Even him, I don't know how he will how he will uh, what kind of success he will make in this tournament of of Bellator. Yeah. But uh, I think, but if you go from the sport with the loss, I think it leaves some kind of a bad taste in your own mouth in your own mouth, you know, and a legend like him deserves to leave the sport with a, with a victory. You know, that's, that's, that's how I feel at least. Uh, by the way, how about your good friend, Pat Barry and, and his uh, girlfriend Rose becoming <laughs> champion? Did you see that? Were you happy for them? Yeah, of course. So I was so happy because of her. And uh, she was in my house too in Zagreb, you know, and when, when Pat came to spar with me, uh, he brought uh, Rose. She's such a nice person and such a humble, humble girl, hard worker, you know. And uh, they came for a lunch in my house together. I was so happy because of her. She was so humble, so humble on that press conference. I saw everything, you know. I watched, I watched her live, and I was so happy because of her. She's a, such a nice person, such a hard worker, and uh, I was so happy because of her. Yeah, it was amazing. By the way, you watch a lot of MMA. Do you, do you keep up with you know UFC and Bellator? Do you enjoy watching it a lot? Not, not really. You know because, uh, but you know, I received all information I need. You know, there is a MMA portals uh, that I that I follow. You know, and so I see the news and uh, most of the fights, especially in UFC. You know, it is at five or six o'clock in the morning, and I'm sleeping at that time. At right, time right. You know, but I wake. I, Unless it is Stipe Miocic, I don't wake up to see it, you know. But I, of course, I'm interested for results and etc. No, that's your guy, Stipe, the uh, the fellow Croatian. Well, I'm happy to hear yeah. that uh, you're sticking around, Mirko, and it's going to be great as always to see you compete in Japan, December 31st. Uh, Ryzen FF number nine, Mirko Kokop returns, and and you heard it here. He'll be sticking around. And I know Mirko that you don't like to do a lot of interviews, so I always appreciate when you come on the show. Uh, once a year or so to uh, to give us an update on, on yeah, where you're at. It, it means a lot. I can't say I can't say no to you. You are such huh. a nice guy and a true professional, and uh, and always more than correct. So I can't say no to you. I appreciate that very much coming from you. Thank you, Mirko, and good luck on December 31st in Japan. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Bye bye. All right, there he is, the one and only Mirko Krokop, stopping by, returning to action against Tiyoshi Kosaka on December 31st in Japan. Let me take these off here because in a matter of moments, we're going to be joined in studio by one of the very best at what he does, a BJJ whiz, if you will, a black belt. Um, And uh, as you may have heard recently, he will be making his MMA debut probably next year for one. Let's bring in the great Gary Tonin. I've wanted to have Gary Tonin in studio for quite some time, and I do believe he is here. New Jersey's own Gary Tonin. There he is. Gary, how are you? What's going on, man? How are you? Cash Chicks Championship. How yes, are sir. You? It's great to nice have to see you. you. Thanks. Thanks welcome, for having me on. Welcome. Um, wow. What is that, by the way? So uh, this is my uh, my brand, my clothing brand. I is it really? It. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So uh, basically, like somewhere uh, down the line, I decided, and this was a long time ago, that I wanted to kind of uh, represent myself because I figured, you know, with all this promotion and everything that I'm doing, you know, and competing and everything, I may as well be promoting something that's mine. Okay. You know, I started out obviously getting supported by some other brands. Um, OTM was my original sponsor on the mat, and uh, then I started working with some guys, and it just didn't feel right back then. You know, I was I was very good friends with uh, on the mat and uh, Scotty, who who ran the company, and. Uh, then when I started to kind of branch out and, and uh, you know, work with some other guys, it just, I, I just wanted to do my own thing. And, uh, you know, I haven't even actually started selling anything yet. Okay. You know, I just kind of started, I printed some t-shirts, gave some stuff away for free, you know. Is uh, this the name of the brand? Yeah, yeah that's the name Oh, it is. Brand. Yeah, yeah. That's what it. does it mean? What does it represent? So uh, when I was at an EBI, they have us, like, <clears throat> fill out a form for the announcers because sometimes they don't know enough about the competitors, so they need something to talk about while the match is going on, you know? Yeah. So, um... You have to fill out the form. Yeah, yeah, we fill, up, fill some information out or whatever, sure. you know, about our, you know... Uh, yeah, your backstory. Our backstory, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly, right? So one of the questions was, like, something like, why, you know, why do you compete or something like that? And I was like, it's very simple. The three Cs, cash, chicks, and championships. Oh, I you know? see, okay. And then, so it started out as, like, kind of a little bit of a joke, but then I, you know, when I thought about it, I'd always wanted to start the brand, and then I said, like, well, why not that? You know, so wow. I think it's a little edgy and uh, it could be a fun kind of thing, you know. Uh, I've heard, you know, obviously this is an MMA show, but sure. we, we've dabbled in the world of BJJ quite a bit and we'll get to that. But some have lamented the fact that they can't make money. It's hard to make money in BJJ sure. sponsors, you know, events and things like that. Mm-hmm. Have you had that experience or has it been, has I it been good for you? Has it definitely been think I've been on the better end of it okay. than some people just because uh, I got into jujitsu at the perfect time. Uh, my development time led right into, so right about at the time when I uh, became a black belt uh-huh. was probably, I would say, jiu-jitsu's first professional jiu-jitsu revolution okay. um, where people were able to start making serious, not, you know, crazy money, nothing like, you know, mixed martial arts or certainly nothing like boxing or some other real mainstream sport, um, but where we could make some money competing. Um, it wasn't really even in the cards at the beginning. Like when I first started, there was no such thing as professional jiu-jitsu. Like it right. just didn't happen. You know, maybe you made $1,000 for, you know, some absolute division here or there. Um, of course, it was a struggle, you know what I mean? Years and years of training and not, and you know, having to shell out your own money to go to competitions and things like that. Um, but as the years progressed, I've definitely been more on the receiving end of, uh, you know, bigger paydays and things, winning some EBIs and some other professional events, Polaris and Metamoris and all these different things. So. Was that a goal? Like, oh, I'm actually going to, to turn this into a job where I'm actually getting paid. I'm going to make it into a professional sport, so to speak. It's weird. Cause I was in that period of time. So like at the beginning, like I said, it didn't exist. It wasn't a goal because I didn't think it was going to happen necessarily at the beginning that jujitsu was going to become a, some big professional sport. But as I started to see the shift and that start to happen, then I kind of, I said, all right, well, let me try to roll with this, you know, and I think myself, uh, my student Gordon, we started to develop more uh, personalities on social media and things like that to start to kind of help the sport grow professionally. Um, and, uh, you know, we've just, we just kind of rolled with the punches with it, you know, I, as, as it grew, we grew and, you know, tried to change things and tried to make, uh, as soon as I saw that it could be a professional sport, you know, I definitely tried to run with it and try to make it more professional for sure. The story that I read was that, uh, you, you, you're from Jersey, yeah. went to a school, um, you really fell in love with jujitsu, but this particular school was a little too much like MMA jujitsu. So you wanted to find Another school, and that's when you found Tom yeah. Blass and eventually Ricardo Almeida, exactly. right? Exactly. At the very beginning, um, when I started training at, at that gym, 
it, I was mostly interested in jiu-jitsu at the time. I had just come from a wrestling background. I wasn't even really familiar with MMA. That, that didn't really exist in my world. Okay. Jiu-jitsu didn't even exist in my world. You know, uh, who, my, who told you about it? My friend that I was wrestling with. He's oh, like, okay. oh, you know, like we do this thing. It's kind of like wrestling, but you get to break people's arms and like strangle them. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, that's not real. Like I can't let little kids like strangle each other right, and stuff. Right. So I watched one of his competitions and I'm like, wow, all right, this is really cool. This is something I want to do. I'm like, mom can you take me to jujitsu? And I explain what it is. And she's like, absolutely not. Right. <laughs> like she wasn't really interested in me doing anything like that. Like the only reason I was allowed to do wrestling in the first place was because my cousins did it and none of them got like seriously injured or anything. Okay. So she's like, all right, it's safe. You know, she wouldn't let me do football or anything like oh, that. Wow. So I did a lot of sports, but not contact sports, okay, not okay. until wrestling. And then furthermore, eventually through much convincing, you know, oh, wow. uh, jujitsu. So. so when you went to that initial school, you didn't really like it because it was year too too much towards MMA at the time like my sole interest was just jiu-jitsu okay. and the grappling like I just didn't you know I took all their classes like I would show up to Muay Thai and I would show up to oh. boxing and I would show up to I'd show up to all these classes I liked training all different kinds of martial arts but like what I loved to do at the time was jiu-jitsu like I really liked to do that more okay. than anything else and I just because I didn't know anything really other than wrestling uh it felt so much more comfortable to start f by focusing on something like that. It felt too sporadic, just training a bunch of different things, and I didn't really feel like I was learning yeah. a lot. Um, plus, I, uh, I was kind of far from that gym, so I couldn't oh. really get there as consistently. Uh, my mom had to take me, right? The Tom's gym I could ride my bike to, you know, okay. so um, it was Ocean City, BJJ? Ocean County. Ocean BJJ. County. Yeah. And, and Tom actually was just elected, right? Isn't yeah, like yeah, on the Board of Education. That's then. crazy. Pretty cool, right? That's insane. Yeah. Did you know that this was something he was interested in? Uh, so Former UFC fighter Tom DeBlast, yes, right? And he's yes. been fighting. I mean, he recently retired, but yeah. fought all over the place. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that. I was like, holy crap, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I definitely, it, it wasn't something that I knew he was interested in becoming any part of government or any part of the, you know, in, uh, you know implemented into the school or anything. I mean, he started... Uh, uh, his, uh, you know, his career as a school teacher, as a special education teacher. Oh, okay. So, I mean, he's definitely always he's been that. interested okay. in education, you know I mean? And then from there, coaching jujitsu and teaching jujitsu. And now he has his two kids. So maybe, I don't know if, I, I don't really know the backstory behind why he decided like, all right, I'm going to run for the board of education, but maybe, you know, he had his kids and then he started to decide like, oh, you know, I want to be a little bit more involved in, you know, how they're going to be brought up in their education right. and everything. And, um, you know, I think he's a perfect guy for any type of job like that. I mean, he's very charismatic and, uh, you know, he really does care. You know, I mean, he developed me as a, as a, as a child, you know, when I was, you know, when I came in 14, 15 years old and to what I turned into now, you know, is he's a large part responsible for that. What do you think you would be doing if you weren't, you know, like uh, introduced to BJJ? Good question. Uh, <laughs> because my mother would have just pushed me into doing uh, something in the medical field. You oh, know? really? Yeah. Uh, I would have. Uh, and not that I would have hated it because I enjoyed that. I actually studied exercise science in school. Um, and, uh, you know, that was part my choice. Like I did want to go to college and everything, but she definitely pushed me in that direction. She actually wanted me to go to grad school for physical therapy. So that's probably, uh -huh. probably where I would have ended up because okay. I was working with my mother with uh, special needs kids since I was young. Oh. And uh, one of the things that I got to see a lot of was the physical therapy that they did at Children's Specialized Hospital. And uh, that was something that I kind of was interested in. And along with that, like, because I was doing jujitsu at the time, I figured like, all right, this is great. I'll learn a little bit more about exercise, etc. But again, it was right around that time that professional jiu-jitsu started to pick up and I was thinking about opening a gym, thinking about uh, potentially you know, competing more for money, et cetera. Um, so that kind of 
faded out and what the real goal became was to you know make money either teaching jiu-jitsu or competing in jiu-jitsu well, you think you'll go back to that at some point uh what do you mean by you know working with special needs oh i always do always oh you still do, do. For, to, to say the least okay. i mean i'm not um i'm not actively volunteering or uh working with anybody or any particular group at the moment but you know my mother's constantly involved that my sister just started working at children specialized as well oh, and great. anytime that they have you know some sort of a camp or something that i can be a part of i do i worked um, sometimes it was professional, like sometimes I would, uh, you know, work at a camp, but when I was younger, it was always like volunteer work, just okay. there to help my mom and help the kids. And, um, when I w- even when I went to college, I worked at Douglas Disability Center for a little while, uh, at Rutgers and, uh, it was a different, a different age group. A lot of them are, were older kids. Um, it was an interesting, uh, you know, difference between what I was used to, but, right. um, I've always, you know, liked to be involved and I obviously, you know, uh, occasionally get, you know, somebody with special needs that comes into my gym as well, which right. is, you know, it's great to be able to have had that background sure. because it's really hard sometimes. Like people just, they aren't used to being around people with special needs and they don't really know how, how to best cater to their needs, right. you know? And it's a frustrating situation, I think, for both parties because I think anybody that would own a gym or a jiu-jitsu school or whatever would really want to help somebody, but maybe they just don't have the tools to do it because they didn't have that in their upbringing. And I think that's something that Tom is also able to do, obviously, being a special education right. teacher. Uh, from afar, it seems like to me that jiu-jitsu has never been more popular in the States yes. because there's so many different promotions. Mm-hmm. There's EBI. We're going to get to a new one in a second mm-hmm. here as well. Um, uh, Metamorphosis, I see, is is making somewhat of a comeback. Um, and did you hear that as well? Well, I know Gordon's competing okay. sometime soon. We'll, right. s- we'll see. Uh, as far as a comeback, I yeah. don't know. We'll see what they're happens. Putting on an they're definitely putting on yeah. another event. Yeah, I know they've had their financial <laughs> issues, ups and downs. Right, um, Polaris, etc. You competed for them. Sure, sure. Um, would you agree with that? And if so, why do you think all of a sudden it's become somewhat of a? I don't know if it's a hot thing. Like it's not on network television yet. Um, and maybe that's some mm-hmm. kind of validation if it ever gets on network television. But why mm-hmm. do you think it's more popular now than it was, you know, even five years ago with all these different promotions? There's multiple reasons. I think the education about the sport is growing. Um, you know, like I think uh, as there are more and more events and more and more televised or, you know, recorded events that people are able to watch online. And, you know, the more the sport spreads, it was a growing sport when I first started it. You know, I mean, when you think about kind of the growth of MMA, it kind of started with the growth of jiu-jitsu. You know, jiu-jitsu became yeah. kind of one of those first, you know, front-running uh, sports that was leading in the MMA world. Um, and I think ever since then, it's been growing. Um, it just wasn't, um, I don't know, I guess as spectator-friendly, again, because you needed to be a little bit more educated about it. So but I think more and more people are. And then I, I also can't, you know, take away from the responsibility of those promotions doing a good job, uh, you know, getting the word out there, different financial backers, you know, putting some money into it, people that were interested in jujitsu and had some uh, money that they wanted to invest to try to grow the sport. And, uh, you know, I kind of related to that. I think that's probably how, you know, any sport starts to become more professional or mainstream. It starts with, you know, something small, some people putting some money into it. And, you know, if the public you know, likes it and they show up, then, you know, it can grow into something, you know, uh, self-sustaining instead of just an investment. Some talk a couple of days ago about jujitsu, uh, possibly going to the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you make of that? Do you think it ever happens? I think it might now because I believe it's possibly going to be backed by the Arab Emirates and oh, they've wow. done quite yeah, a bit yeah. with, um, the development of jujitsu in their countries. It's like basically, uh, they, it's like their national sport, you know, they have kids learning it in school, yep. et cetera. So I think they, they have a great ability to get things done as opposed to kind of the previous conversation was, 
well, let's get jujitsu in the Olympics. And it's just like a bunch of Facebook posts. Okay, like nobody, okay. I don't really feel like anybody, any driving force okay. was really behind that. Right. Um, but now I, I think that it's possible um, as to whether or not it's good for the sport or whatever the case may be. I can't really comment yet because I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, but I mean, I'm always happy to see, you know, different rule sets and different promotions take on events. I think that's what our sport needs more than anything um, is just that growth. At the, at the beginning of this whole professional jiu-jitsu takeoff, and I still think a little bit today, people were trying to cut slices of a pie that was so small, mm. you know, instead of trying to grow you know, what they had in trying to grow the sport. You know, people would be asking me, oh, you know, you need to sign this and be exclusive to our organization and this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, well, we don't even really have a a viewership yet to do something like that. Like, you're trying to get such a small slice of something that's just not even there. So I think the more promotions and the more different rule sets, the more, uh, you know, people get the word out in different countries and view it in different places, uh, the more viewers will have and the easier it'll be to put on bigger professional events. Could you do the Olympics or because you're a professional, you can't go? Good question. Don't okay. know. I, I don't know. Would you want to do it if you could? I think so. Yeah, right. Not, like, I right? mean, that's kind of a pretty prestigious thing. Yeah. You know, uh, there's not a crazy monetary incentive in our country to win the Olympics or anything. Sure. You know, I think it's like pretty damn cool, like, especially, but if it's, it's the still first one. awesome. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like to be a part of, so I don't see why I wouldn't want to be, you know, okay. I'm obviously starting to head more towards MMA now, but, uh, jujitsu will always be my roots. And, you know, I don't, I wouldn't hold back from wanting to do that. So before we get to MMA, your next event is on December 9th, correct? Yes. Yes. In Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I used to live right there. Cool. It's amazing. Um, yeah. it's for a new promotion called Kasai. Yes. Am I pronouncing yep. it correctly? One. I believe so. Yeah. I'm not hundred um, percent sure. Some heavy hitters are behind it. John yeah. Cholish, former UFC fighter, yeah. Hollis Gracie, Kenny yeah. Florian. Um, and it's a one night tournament, lightweight mm-hmm. tournament. You're a part of the tournament, right? Yes. Um, how did you get involved with them? And does the world of jujitsu need another promotion? <laughs> I, it's like I said before, I think they absolutely do. You know, okay. I think the more, the more, the better at the moment. You know, I think maybe some of these organizations may feel that the market's getting too saturated, but I think for now it's necessary because, you know, Kasai and Brooklyn is going to have a different audience. You know, some people are going to show up that are friends of somebody that's you know, that trains in Brooklyn and they're going to show up and watch and maybe they like jujitsu and maybe the next time there's an event, they tune in to watch somebody, you know, where maybe they wouldn't have been exposed to it if only Polaris was the only ones showing their show because mainly their audience exists in England. You know, maybe they would never have seen it before. Um, But in terms of uh, how I got involved with them, uh, basically like the two of the guys you mentioned, John Scholish and uh, Hollis, um, are both guys that, uh, you know, I'm familiar with, train with at Henzo Gracie Academy. And uh, mainly Hollis came forward to me and asked me about it. But uh, I was just training with John Scholish this weekend. Um, But I I didn't even realize, I I saw him post a video, but I wasn't 100% sure that, I didn't know he's like partially involved in oh, really? the tournament come together so that's pretty cool yeah wow um and it's one night right i believe so yeah well so you have to fight uh i think it's like a round robin thing so oh, you gotta okay. fight more it's not like you just fight win and then the next guy okay. i think you have this to, is the point system right if you get a submission you get x amount yeah draws, x amount exactly what's your favorite point system if you will because i know ebr has their own thing metamorphs mm-hmm. has their own thing what's your favorite my absolute favorite is just to do a match with no time limit and then that's just that's for me personally, like my favorite way of competing because I'm so confident that I'm going to win in that rule set almost every single time against almost anybody. Um, that's just what, like, that's what we train for. We train to get submissions and uh, that's, you know, what my jujitsu is built around. So I think it best suits me. In terms of entertaining jujitsu, I don't believe everybody's, I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't believe everybody's capable of producing entertaining jiu-jitsu to begin right, with, right. no matter what rule set you throw them into. You prefer no gi, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. But, like, 
if you put an unlimited time limit, all right, well, now you've found somebody that's not capable of producing entertaining jiu-jitsu and you have to watch them for possibly an hour. That's kind of rough on right. your viewership and putting together like something for TV or whatever the case may be, like what they've been doing with UFC Fight Pass for EBI and Polaris and things. So, you know, it makes it, it makes it difficult. So I believe that for professional jiu-jitsu, I think it's something, something along the lines of what you know, EBI is doing is probably best you know, so that things get moved along. Why know? do you prefer Nogi? I prefer Nogi, well, it's similar reasons because when I started doing it, I was just way more successful without yeah. the gi. I just would win a lot more tournaments uh, with, uh, with no gi. And I still competed many, many times with the gi, but then at a certain point in time, I would say somewhere around six years in my development, which had been mainly gi actually, because it's just the way most jujitsu schools were structured. Um, I started to branch off and say, you know what? I want to focus on this. Partially because I was good at it and partially because the majority of the professional organizations that were existing at the time and still today all do no gi. Okay. It's not usually, there's not too many that really focus on gi or even have gi exist in them at all. You know. Um, I also read that you said part of the reason why you want to finally make the transition to MMA, and I know that you've been sort of asked about this in the past, was that you want to actually teach your students better. So you know that a lot of the people who come to you are eventually going to want to go to a man. You can't say X, Y, and Z unless you've actually done it. So are you strictly doing this from a teaching perspective so that you could be a better instructor or do you actually want to pursue it? It's definitely not just that. I think somebody like was tweeting at me the other day, like attacking me, like you can't just do, you can't just do MMA because you want to be a better teacher. Like you're going to get killed in there. You know, this is a real, real sport or something. I don't know. And you know, we love to go off on people in social media. So it was just good fun for me. But, um, No, I mean, of course, it's not the only reason, but it's a big reason. I think uh, that it's always been the higher, the 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 biggest surrounding reason behind anything that I did, whether it was competing in jujitsu or moving forward into MMA. Like, I know that competition is just a short-lived thing. It's just not something that I'm going to get to do forever, and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to be doing in the future after competition, and I know that's going to be teaching. So, a big part for sure, of why I'm competing is to further my knowledge, to further my experience so that one day when that's all over, I can say, you know, hey, I did X, Y, Z. I was there. I did this. It worked. It didn't work. You know, this is my reference point and, you know, take that as you will. You know, uh, not everybody's capable of doing that. Some people have injuries. Some people, you know, just uh, weren't capable of competing for whatever reason. And there are some great coaches that are able to do that. You know, John uh, is able to do that, and he makes use of his time in other ways. You know, he studies the sport. John so Denner. Yeah, John yeah. Denner. He studies many different sports and really puts things together well for us in terms of training camps, whether it's for jiu-jitsu or mixed martial arts, and he's done that with many different successful athletes in the past. And, uh, you know, he hasn't been a competitor himself. I mean, he obviously has rolled live in the gym. He actually, I found this out like about maybe a year or so ago, but... Uh, I didn't know, but he actually had like a little bit of a Muay Thai background when he was in oh. uh, New Zealand. He did, oh, wow. so, he did some Muay Thai, so I didn't even know. But yeah, he did. You know, so he, 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 it's not like he never, you know, trained before. It's not like he's some just some guy that just walked in and is like, here's how you do it, you know. Um, but certainly not competing, but still able to uh, change the sport in dramatic ways, which I think that his athletes have been able to show um, in yeah. their performances. You recently signed with one. Mm-hmm. Competed for them in yeah. a grappling match against uh, Shinya Aoki, yes. who coincidentally is fighting for their um, welterweight title on um, on Friday. Mm-hmm. Why one? How did you end up there? So uh, Chatri is, is one of the uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's one. Of, I'm glad you knew how to pronounce his last name because there was no chance <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to be able to do it. Chatri um, is a pretty tough one too, but fair enough. Yeah. So he uh, so Chatri is. Uh, 
is has been a part of Henzo's before in the past. Uh, he used to train there. Um, he's big, much bigger Muay Thai guy. Like he was much more of a like my passion is jujitsu. That was his passion was Muay Thai. Um, but he's you know loves MMA and uh, and jujitsu as well. And uh, I guess um, you know through talks with Henzo and through watching me, I think one of the bigger fights that I had against. Paul Harris was one of the ones that, that uh, caught their eye and made them say like, oh, maybe we want to kind of get this guy involved in what we do. I don't know if their initial ambition was, hey, we want to try to pick this guy up because he's interested in doing mixed martial arts or if, they're, if they really did want to just put on a grappling match. I don't know. Uh, it, seems like, it seems like it could be a mixture of both. You know, I think it went well. I think the grappling match went well. I think yeah. people, it was well received by their yeah, fans. Yeah, it was awesome. uh, the Asian audience tends to enjoy grappling a little bit more than perhaps the audience of the UFC sometimes. Uh, so uh, I think, uh, I think that was kind of what happened is they kind of saw me as an, as an exciting jujitsu athlete and wanted to try to, you know, draw me towards their organization. And um, it worked because, you know, when I got there, uh, you know, everything was pretty awesome. I, I really enjoyed uh, the feeling of uh, Evolve Training Center, which uh, is, a, is a big part of what they do, um, and uh, the a- different athletes that they have there training and that team. And then I also really l- liked being involved with one championship when I was actually competing there. It just seemed like a really cool promotion to be a part of, and I was treated really well, and um, I hadn't got that feeling from some other people perhaps that were you know knocking on the door or, or Did calling you seriously me up. talk to anyone else any other promotion? not not as seriously as I talked to them because again like I just didn't get the right feeling about it and some people were trying to throw me in with guys that had like 50 professional fights and like it just was never really it never felt right you know because it, I'm just starting and this is a brand new sport right, for right. me you know I've never done I've done some mixed martial arts sparring way you know long ago when I was like 17 18 but I had no idea what I was doing you know I don't really have experience in uh, mixed martial arts Do you have your debut date yet don't have a date but uh you know they were asking me uh you know when do you when are you interested in fighting and I think I gave them March so okay sometime around March are you training for that now or absolutely okay. oh yeah yeah I was at Henzo's yeah yeah okay. I was just telling Chatri um because he, he was messaging me last night, he said he was saying something, and I, w- I was just like, "Yeah, you know, I'm pretty motivated to uh, to get things started because I'm going to be locked in a cage with somebody yeah. who wants to punch and kick my head off. So, yeah. you know, better get better get good fast. So, um, you know, that's something that I'm thinking about constantly. Is just like I'm going to be in a cage and have to fight somebody. So, I, I guess some people could kind of pretend that that doesn't exist, but that that to me is just a looming you know, uh, thought all the time. So every time I'm thinking about that, I'm trying to find ways to get better, whether it's watching tape or whether it's drilling at Henzo's or whatever the case may be. Um, my biggest deficits obviously are in the realm of striking, shoot box, et cetera. Um, because I do have some of a wrestling background, some of a jiu-jitsu background. So most of the grappling elements are covered, even though that's true. MMA is not just a collection of martial arts like some people like to look at it. Um, it's a mixture. Uh, mm-hmm. And just because I know how to grapple in a grappling context or wrestle in a wrestling context doesn't mean that I know how to perfectly apply those skills across the board in mixed martial arts. As we've seen many times before, you know, pure grappling, quote unquote, isn't necessarily the most successful strategy in a mixed martial arts fight. So um, integrating those skills and learning the new skills has been the biggest proje- uh, project for me. How do you react to getting punched in the face? <laughs> Not well. Like okay. I don't think too many people do, but I mean, you know, it's like used to it, right? They're just sort of like 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 immune to it or something. I yeah, I guess. I think I don't think anybody really likes to be okay. hit. You know, they everybody can say whatever they want, but yeah, you know, it's not the most enjoying feeling in the world. But um, it's a part of the sport. You know, just like a part of you know jujitsu is getting submitted or tapped or you know you're 
arm getting popped occasionally or something like that. Um, uh, I, like I said, I did some sparring back when I was like 17, 18, when okay. Tom DeBlas had started doing mixed martial arts. I was like, oh, yeah, let me toy around with this a little bit. You know, my instructor's doing it, so let me see how this goes. And I used to just like march forward, punching like this, no head movement, and try to double leg people. So uh, I got my fair share of getting brutally punched in the face okay. back then, and it, I still showed up every day, and it wasn't that big of a deal. So what was it like? I'm doing much smarter sparring good, now. Good. <laughs> You're, you signed with one. And then you're a part of George St. Pierre's training camp. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I mean, the timing is amazing because now you're yeah. helping to prepare one of the greatest ever. What was that experience like? How did you, I know, obviously, Danaher, how did mm-hmm. you get involved with the camp though? Yeah, any experience around <laughs> George uh, or any of these, uh, you know, uh, well-known UFC fighters or MMA fighters in general that we do have around Henzo's uh, is a wonderful experience or TriStar, whatever the case may be, wherever we're at. Um, it's, it's great because I knew eventually I was going to be transitioning in that direction. So to be able to help these guys out with their grappling, uh, was great. I get to see how kind of that grappling gets integrated into what they do. Kind of like what I was talking about before as where it's not just pure grappling. John shows skills that are, you know, related to grappling and integrates them into the mixed martial arts setting. And, uh, that's kind of how we run, you know, our camps. Most of it's focused on grappling. It's not like I was getting to do shoot boxing with these guys. Cause at the time I just right. didn't know what I was doing. It would right. be counterproductive for them. They're in the sure, middle of the fight camp. It's right, not right. <laughs> me sparring with them. Yeah, is definitely yeah, yeah. not going to help. Um, but Obviously, we did some jiu-jitsu sparring, but it's, it's different. Um, but uh, very rewarding experience. I got involved with it because John was working with a lot of these guys, whether it was Jake, whether it was George, okay. whether it's you know Chris Weidman for a little while we were involved with for a little bit, um, Rory McDonald. Uh, I got to see all of these guys and kind of how John gets to coach them and, and uh, maneuver them through those skills. And uh, I think the first time, my first experience really working with George and camp was with the Nick Diaz fight. And uh, at the time I was still in college, I was like, trying to negotiate with professors like please you know put off this exam i gotta because every thursday we had to fly down or drive down to you know montreal and then train and then i'd fly back so i'm missing all these classes things were piling up i got like four hours of sleep i was crashing into mile markers and medians and stuff at the time just because of lack of sleep and uh (laughs) it was a crazy time in my life but I, i wouldn't take it back for anything because uh i really got an inside look as to what that was like and even furthermore into this uh this more recent fight you know? And uh, you told our own Danny Segura, you predicted that he would win via submission. Yeah. I, Why I, were you so confident that he would win that particular way? Well, I, I did believe that that was going to be a high probability uh, circumstance, mostly because I felt as though his skills to get um, his skills to get him to the ground were going to be uh, much better okay, uh, than his opponents. And from what I saw in his grappling training, he was doing a really good job most of our camp was built around holding the opponent down. Essentially, like, uh, why am I forgetting his opponent's name? Was Michael Bisping. Mike Bisping, sorry. Yes. So I kept, I kept like trying to replace the name like no numerous problem. times and I just gave up after a while. All right, so anyway, so Bisping, uh, one of his greatest attributes is his ability to get up uh-huh. after he gets taken down. Uh-huh. So the majority of the camp was, all right, we're going to take this guy down. Well, how are we going to keep him down? Okay. And how are we going to do damage when we take him down? Uh, so we don't just take him down and just get springs right back up. What's the point of the takedown? Right. So that was a big part of our camp. And in seeing that a big part of our camp was, all right, we take him down, we keep him down, we do damage and get this guy to expose his back. And that's exactly what happened in the fight. So that was, I thought there was a high probability of that happening. Wow. So were you at the fight? Uh, yeah, I was in the fight. Yeah. It, you weren't in his corner though. No, 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 no. Okay. John is his jujitsu. Like I'm not qualified to te- in my opinion, I'm not qualified to be someone's MMA coach right now. Just like I said, like, I just don't really have 
experience right. in that uh, realm. I'm his training partner, but certainly not his coach. You know, um, John is the, is the one that's in the corner always. Guru. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will you go to TriStar to prepare for your debut? Good question. I'm, I think I will definitely make trips there. Uh, John, <laughs> as well as myself, is always a fan of consistent training and consistent training camps. So it'll probably be more of a place that I visit to pick up some skills and to train with some new people um, as opposed to a place where I do camp. Um, I'm probably going to do that more in New York because it's just unrealistic with sure. my responsibilities to like move to Montreal for right, right. two months and do right. a fight camp. Uh, but I definitely see myself going there. Certainly, uh, you know, to work with George or any of the other, you know, great professional athletes that are there to help develop my skills and figure out what I need to improve on. Does this mean that you're going to do less BJJ in 2018? Absolutely, yeah. Will absolutely. you do zero BJJ in 2018? No, I can't. I can't see that. I mean, that was a big part of negotiating the contract with okay. one was, you know, I definitely want to still be able to grapple. Uh, if there's a discrepancy between like. If it gets too close to whenever I'm supposed to fight, I'm not supposed to, like, I can't, they can just nix it whenever they want. If they tell me I can't grapple, they, they will, but they're pretty reasonable. It's another reason why I was willing to work with them because I, I feel like they care, you know? Okay. So uh, I think they're, they're in line with what my wants are. They've also, you know, opened their mind to potentially having other grappling matches like the one that I had against Shinya. So potentially you may even see me grapple there again next year. Who knows? Does you George know? fight again, in your opinion? Uh, does George fight again? Good question. I think they would have to give him a good fight. Uh-huh. Like, uh, but there's a chance he doesn't, because that's the impression that I get. I can see there's a chance that he doesn't. I don't really, like. What does he really have left to prove? Sure. I mean, there was there could have been a chance that he didn't come back sure. to fight Bisbing in the first right, place, right? right? right. Like, I, I don't know. There's he did so much already in the sport. He right. can walk away at any time, and you know, I'm sure tons of these guys are talking shit because they want. You sure, know, him sure, to get course. fights, said, you know, but I'm sure they all have the same real feelings. Like even, you know, Tyrone, when he was talking to you as, as I was sitting in the green room or whatever, um, you know, he, at the end, he's like, yeah, you know, I mean, the guy did yeah. everything, you know, so much for the sport, sure. you know, he could walk away whenever he wants. Would yeah. you like to see him, him fight Connor? Yeah, I'd love to see that. I know, I know when he did his, his most recent interview, I don't know if it was with you or somebody else. It was. was. It was with you, right? Thank you for he watching. Was, yeah, no problem. He was saying, <laughs> he was saying that like, he thought that it would look bad if he was saying yeah, that he wanted to fight. Yeah, so longer. he's just such a nice, like yeah. <laughs> such a nice guy. Classic. I think the right thing for him to say was it would be like, yeah, I want that fight with Connor, but he's like, ah, he's lighter than me. That looks bad. So that's, I guess, that's how he looks at it in his head, his mind. When I say Dylan Dennis, what comes to mind? <laughs> Sunglasses is the first thing that pops into really? my head. <laughs> that's not bad. But <laughs> considering the alternatives, that's not bad. You know, he was on this show in studio, and we spoke right before yeah. your uh, your your latest uh, match against him, the rematch. Yeah, yeah. And he spoke about you and mm-hmm. and the rivalry, if you will. Sure. Um, where does this stem from? Why, from your perspective, why is there this this issue between you two? Two of the most famous people in BJJ, right? Yeah, I think. I, I, most of my criticism was like just jokes about his social media, which was just, I mean, it's pretty easy to pick on. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, but it wasn't a very hard target. Uh, I was going to be competing with him. So anybody I'm going to be competing, I just look for, all right, where's the weakest link here? How can I attack via social media? So you like trash talk? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's, it brings an, an element of uh, excitement to the sport that's off camera, right? right? Well, not necessarily off camera, but off the uh, out of the fight sure. because all right so you have the fight and that's the event but there's got to be a lead up there's got to be a build up it's like watching a movie where there's no drama where mm. nothing ha- it's just yeah. like a, an average day at work like right. people want to see you know emotion people want to see a reason that these two guys are going to fight uh, what's the what's the lead up what's the reason what's the rationale between you know this guy not necessarily hating the other guy but 
uh, why did it, why are these two going to be pitted against each other sure. in a cage or in a ring or whatever the case may be? And uh, people get very excited about that, as we saw with uh, you know, in I guess when I was a kid with uh, you know WWF and all that stuff, sure, and sure. WWE still stands strong. People love it, even though they know it's not real. You know, they like that drama. That that's all that sport really is. Right. I mean, obviously there's some physical performance, sure. but that build up that drama. So then they still have a huge following. So there's something to be said for that. Um, Am I going to take it as crazy as Connor? Probably not. <laughs> Am I going to take it the same direction Dylan is? No. Uh, I do my own thing, and I, I like to have fun. I make my funny videos, and I consider myself uh, to have a decent sense of humor. So that's kind of the route that I'm going to go. I'm just going to be me for the most part, or a slightly exaggerated form of me. <laughs> Does he take himself too seriously, or do you think that it's kind of shtick on his part too? I think a lot of it's persona. Okay. Uh, I think he does take himself a little too seriously as a person too, but uh, I don't really have like deep-seated hatred okay, for, okay. you know, Dylan Dan. No, it's, it's whatever, especially since But it was gratifying to beat him, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. For a second time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not something that I think about at night. It's nothing, you know, I don't, I don't dwell on it. Do you think so. he ever fights in MMA? I mean, good question, because he's been assigned for a while now. I think he should. Uh, I think he'll do better in MMA than he did in grappling. You think so? Yeah, I think Why? so. If he gets the right opponents. I okay. mean, if they try to set him up with somebody that's going to crush him really, or if they take care of him and his brand, uh, and they set him up with appropriate opponents, considering he has a 0-0 record and doesn't have any experience, right. then I think he can do well. Uh, if he keep, if they actually give him one of these fights where, who he, where he's calling out like some of these guys that are like the best in right, right, his right. division— that it'll be bad for him in MMA for sure. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. In terms of me saying, I think he'll do better in mixed martial arts than in jujitsu. I just think that, I think there's been a lot of guys that have gone into the sport of mixed martial arts with some grappling background that can surprise some of these guys um, that are that are fighting that don't aren't as familiar um, with some of the newer uh, submission styles and things like that, specifically leg locks, mm. etc. I think he'll be able to submit you know, some people for sure. Would you like to fight him or not really? Like, has that kind of been there, done that? I would have. I mean, I put it out there, I think for him and a bunch of other guys uh, trying to get, you know, some stir with Bellator and some of these guys and nobody really picked up, like it didn't have to be Bellator. It could have been any like promotion right, right. Uh, in, uh, in the New Jersey area or anything like that. And it didn't really seem like anybody cared too much. Okay. So <laughs> uh, I, I don't mind, you know, I'd take the fight for sure, but obviously I'm signed with one. So sure, you sure. have to go there. <laughs> of course. Um, do you have like a dream fight? I mean, not for the debut, because mm. hopefully in your debut, you'll fight someone who's O and O or one and O and one. Um, but do you, at some point, do you have a dream opponent in MMA that you'd love to fight? Do I have a dream? It's, it's hard to say, right? Because I, I would imagine that by the time I get to the peak of the sport, it's different people, things will change. Okay. Uh, it's so hard. Cause I, I'm not going to call somebody out right now. Cause I'm not, no, not calling out, but well, someone who you've admired. Yeah. I see what you're saying. <sighs> you've ever, you know, watched and said, damn, I'd love to fight that guy. See, I, I understand what you're saying, but I never would say that. Watch, I know what you're. Okay. I know what you're trying to get at, but I would never say that. Watching, That's simply right. because I haven't developed those skills yet. Okay, you don't it's, view it. I, I honestly don't. I don't even comment too much yeah, on what's going I on in the mixed that. martial arts world because I don't want to be that guy that's saying like, "Well, so and so should do this," or that's. 
You don't feel like it's your place. It's not my place yet. Interesting. Yet. Okay. You know, when I get, when I get to that point, then maybe I could say something like that. Okay. Uh, I, there's definitely fighters that I admire. I love Damian Maya and the things that he's done for, you know, uh, jujitsu and mixed martial arts. And uh, that's one of my favorites. I don't, I don't necessarily, I definitely wouldn't want to fight him right now. Right. He's definitely got way more experience than me. So do you find that you tend to root for or go out of your way to watch the jujitsu guys? Uh, you have a connection more, to more, I watch the guys that I'm going to have a connection to on my team. Okay. So, you know, George, I worked with, so yeah. absolutely, you know, I was going to either be there in person or I was going to watch that one. Okay. Um, you know, whenever Rory fought and we were working with him, I'd go to watch him or Frankie Edgar for a long time when I would train a little bit more at Ricardo's, um, still, you know, whenever he fights, I still watch his fights. I'm not as involved in like his sure. camps or training or anything like that. But, um, whenever he was around fighting, I definitely want to watch that. Uh, I'd been more attached to MMA as like, um, as a teammate watching my teammates right. compete, you know, being excited for them more so than somebody who has been really studying what's going on. Now my gears have to shift. I'm going to have to do a lot more of that. I should be, if I'm doing the right thing over the next couple months preparing for these, this f- potential fight, uh, I should be watching a lot more mixed martial arts and studying a lot more mixed martial arts, whether it be past or current. A lot of these guys, had they reached out to you? Like once the news got out that you were, um, you know, going to make the the move. Yes. They say, I want to help you, Frankie Edgar, Weidman, GS, like Rory. Did, did you get, because you've been helping them for so yeah, long. Yeah, of course. Did you feel like the the offer was reciprocated? Uh, I think any of them, if I had asked, <laughs> if I asked them for help uh, or if I said, hey, I'm going to come down to Long Island and work with you, Chris, I'm sure he'd be the door more is than open. happy. I mean, no he's, kind of went he's out asked us, sure. he's asked us to come down before that to just train jujitsu and stuff. Uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, this kind of, this came on pretty quick. This is yeah. pretty recent. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody stepped forward and was like, Gary, you got to come here or something like that. Um, some fighter that I worked with or whatever, mainly just my training partners in New York, mixed martial artists that are less well-known that I'm working with. And it'll be 155, right? Good question. So they have uh, some pretty serious uh, water testing that they do, like yep. hydration yep. testing. Yep. It works a little different. Uh, I actually kind of like it because it, it decreases, like I think some girl just died weight cutting in Muay Thai recently. Like it's just, it's not super healthy to be cutting crazy amounts of weight, dehydrating yourself. Uh, you know, but you do it, you have to do it because everybody else is going right. to, right? But uh, in one, you weigh in, uh, I believe it's the day beforehand. Um, and when you weigh in, you pee in a cup, they stick like some sort of sensor in there and it can tell how exactly how hydrated your urine is. Wow. Let's put it this way. It's, it's pretty strict and I know that it's strict because I trained the morning that I weighed in for the Shinya fight and I... F- I drank two liters of water right after I had finished my training session. Then there was two hours prior to when I had my weigh-in and my hydration test. I failed the first hydration test because of the training the morning of. And then I was still underweight though, so I drank a little bit more water. The water got processed through my system a little bit more. And then an hour later, they give you an hour the same way the UFC would give you an hour to make weight or whatever. And then an hour later, when I did my hydration test and weigh-in, uh, I passed, but it just goes to show you that, I mean, one training session in the morning and it's the day before the fight, I couldn't sure. have been going that hard was enough to throw off the hydration test. So it's not like you can really cut like five pounds of water or something like that. That's out of the question. I mean, I could have only been dehydrated, like maybe a pound at that wow, that is wild. when I did it. So, so if you possibly feel- 170 okay. because probably wow. the first one I'm guessing at 170, see how that feels. And then I think 55 is a lot closer to people that are more my size uh, but it's it'll definitely be a struggle for me without 
water weight cutting, I think. Not create, not a crazy struggle, but it would be a, va- a distinct change in my diet. I pretty much eat like absolute garbage most yeah. of the time. Okay. So I'll have to be eating very clean. What's your go-to garbage? A go-to garbage. Oof, there's a lot, but <laughs> five guys. Five guys. Um, is okay. a big one. Yeah, that's big. Wow. And you're, I mean, oh, you yeah. have a belly. Uh, Nick chicken sandwiches. If it's like, wow. you know, two in the morning, that's Donald's. definitely the way to go. Wow. Uh, <laughs> After the Cash Chicks Championships. Yes, 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 yeah. for sure. Wow. And yeah. you were just in, and you travel a lot because you're doing seminars mm-hmm. and things like that. You were just in Costa Rica. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. What a life you leave. Uh, you I know, live. man. Uh, do I, you, have, you don't have a girlfriend or anything, or do you? No, thank God. Why thank God? Thank God, because that Everyone's is- was down on relationships on the show the, today. The reason, <laughs> the reason I say thank God is because the last girlfriend I had, uh, I think maybe it was 22, 23, whatever, I was actually living with her. It ended very poorly. Okay. A lot of uh, a lot of broken Whoa. personal items. And, Whoa, that yeah, bad. Physically assaulted, things Whoa. like that. Yeah. You were. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, not what did you not, do not to good. The, the young lady. Not good. Not good. Holy smoke. <laughs> Are you on speaking terms? What's that? Are you guys on speaking oh, terms? Oh no. No. Doesn't even have social media, so I can't. That's good. I'm glad. Like I don't but I do I do also feel though that like one day when I'm uh, one day, like when I'm like sleeping or doing something, like maybe she's just, oh my God. it's just like revenge is best served cold, right? Like maybe like three, four years later, I just like get a knife to the throat in an alley Holy or something smokes. Like you think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, this is not something like the whole story I would tell you personally, okay, but I definitely wouldn't you want tell. To talk about. How no, long were you guys together? Was, what's that? How long were you together? Uh, over a year. Wow. Yeah. That is wild. So that ended pretty poorly. That's not the only reason I won't get in another relationship. So after that, you just kind of swore off relationships. Man, you know, I just knew that it wasn't, it wasn't for me, not because of just that, but because I'm so focused on my own yeah. uh, goals right now that I, I believe a big part of relationships, if they're going to work, is having to make like concessions for another person. Compromise. There's yeah. zero chance I'm making. Like if somebody, if somebody said to me today, like, uh, for training oh could you go see my mom today instead of uh go train like there's just no chance that's happening okay you know i'm not i'm not in a position where i want to make concessions for anyone else really in my life like my own family suffers because of this for see, oh. in terms of seeing me right, right. You no know, i'm not gonna I, I i'm i gotta worry about taking care of myself right now and it's selfish i could be different i could choose to be different <laughs> it's not like i can't you know uh, help somebody else out or make concessions for somebody, but I just choose not to because I think it's in my best interest for my future right now. Maybe you, one day that'll change. Sure, yeah. Well, you are a busy guy. You've got the MMA debut mm-hmm. in around March, April or so. Yep. And then Kasai, as we said, uh, December 9th mm-hmm. in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Let me just give, uh, unless you know, oh, here it is, KasaiGrappling.com. That's where people can find out more about the All event, right, there we go. buy tickets. Um, and I love the fact that it's in it's in Brooklyn. That's I mean, it's not really a place that gets a lot of big, you know, jujitsu tournaments. Sure, sure. Like a West Coast thing. Honestly, or. even New York, I'm surprised. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess it's because it's super expensive uh, to throw events in general in New York. Uh, but yeah, I think New York gets, should There's have so many more, great ones, right? There should be Jersey. more events. Yeah. I don't know why they don't do so many. Uh, I feel like there's got to be some venues where they can make money. All right. Well, it's, let it be Kasai's- uh, There you go playground to, to run right. exclusively. I really appreciate it. I'm going to give you a pound because oh, I'm a little bit sure. under the weather no here problem, and I don't man. want to <laughs> see me cough and I don't want to get you sick as well. No problem. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. That was Congrats great. on all your success. Thank you. Good luck in Kasai on December 9th and good luck with uh, one uh, coming up uh, later next year and, and keep us posted. Opponent, dates, things like that. Yeah. I'm very curious to see how this Will goes. Be. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. All, all the right. best. Thanks. My man Joe over here is going to walk you out. Thank yeah. you very much, Gary. Yeah. Thanks, appreciate, man. It. appreciate it. Yes, <laughs> all the best. And good luck with cash, chicks, and championships as well. Um, 
Gary's new clothing line. Let me pop these bad boys back on. A lot of fun to have Gary Tonin. I mean, that is BJJ royalty right there. Great to have him on the program. And uh, looking forward to Kasai on December 9th. Might have to check that out in, uh, in Greenpoint. And also looking forward to his MMA debut. Always interesting when uh, someone who's so dominant in the world of one combat sport comes over to MMA and you kind of get a chance to see how it all, um, how it all blends together. All right. Um, let us move along. Last guest of the day. Very excited as always to talk to her. She is the reigning defending UFC women's featherweight champion. She returns to action at UFC 219 on December 30th against Holly Holm. The fight is official. She is the one and only Chris Cyborg Justino. She joins us via the magic of Skype. Is she there or is it, um, oh, it's on the phone. My bad. All right, Chris, how are you? Hi, Ariel. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Congratulations on getting the fight done. Are you surprised? I'll ask you the same question that I asked Holly. Are you surprised that it actually got done? Uh, you know, after my last fight, I'll have a, I already have a feeling about it's going to be my next opponent to be Holly. And they were start about this tra- this fight. And, you know, it takes too long for me. But I'm glad to then finish and this fight schedule. Um, when there were some reports reported by the likes of myself a couple of weeks ago that the fight was dead, did you think that you would remain on the card? And if so, were any other opponents discussed? Uh, you know, I was maybe I would think I would not sure about the fight, but you know, we keep training in any ways if you be hurt or not. And because we think already, you know, close to the camp, like six, five weeks, weeks, I think the her team is gonna say yes. We think they they want to try to do this like this for 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 make sure it's not gonna happen late. But we start, we keep training, you know, just keep training the way. Are you the main so event, Chris? Are you the main event? Uh, I'm not sure, but I, I I'm not sure. I think so. Um, I mean, obviously, it doesn't really affect how much you get paid and whatnot, but. Would you like to be the main event? Do you think this fight warrants being the main event? Uh, I think it'll be a great fight. I think you know Hollywood. I think she's very have a good game, and I think a lot of things gonna challenge myself with this fight. And I think it deserves. I think we deserve to be the main event. You know, I think people want to watch this fight. People very excited. And but you know, I, this is up to USC doing. Is it, is it fair to say, Chris, that this is the biggest fight of your career since you fought Gina Carano in two thousand nine? Uh, I don't think you know. I think all the all the fights in my career is really important. You know, and uh, having a lot of fights is special for me. When I fought Gina Caron, I think is you know the first fight one forty five. You know, I think each fight it's a challenge for me. And I think when I fight Holly and beat Holly, I'm gonna beat her at the same time. And this is for me, me a lot because everybody follow my career know how much I did for this fight can happen and don't happen. And now I had the opportunity to fight Holly, and I feel very blessed about. It. So you kind of feel like you're fighting Ronda as well? I think if I beat Holly, I'm going to beat the whole Ronda the same day. Wow, that is amazing. Um, why do you view it that way? This is coming to my mind. I think it, I think I feel like that, you know, because uh, Holly fought, fought Ronda, and then uh, and yeah, when does a fight happen? But, uh, Donna said, you see Ronda beat Holly, Next fight, I've been a cyborg, you know, and then Holly stopped Ronda before, and you know, and then she beat Ronda. I think, you know, I just simple, simple thing about, you know, simple. Just, I think, just simple. She beat Ronda, and if I fight Holly, and I never have fight opportunity to fight Ronda, 
I think gonna beat some beat some both same way same night. Um, do you consider? I mean, you probably consider yourself the greatest of all time right now. But do you think beating Holly makes you the greatest female fighter of all time, or you're already the greatest female fighter of all time in your opinion? Uh, you know, I, I leave you all my chance to think about that. You know, I never think about uh, I'm the best word like this. I never think of me like that. You know, I just want to do my best in the cage and leave it to my fans to think about that, you know. Um, you also announced last week that you signed a new deal with the UFC. How many fights is it for? Uh, 15 months. 15 months. Four okay. Four fights. How many? Four? Four. Yes. So, so it's if they get four fights within 15 months, but if you only fight once within 15 months, you're still a free agent? Uh, yes. If you finish your 15 months, I'm free agent. Wow. Um, that's an interesting contract. Why, why such a short amount of time? Why did you decide to do that? Uh, you know, I think, I think um, we just put a little bit more this uh, sponsorship uh, championship calls. And, but I'm really happy, you know, I, I think you're going to, I'm still good. And then UFC starts with me nice. And, uh, you know, I think you're going to grow together. And then after probably these two fights, we can renegotiate again and you keep working together. Did you consider not signing a new deal before this fight? Or did you have to sign a new deal in order to take this fight? You know, if I, if I don't sign your deal, it doesn't matter because I have the the champion clause. You know, anyways, I have huh. to fight, you know defend my belt. It's not change anything. And but then I feel they want to work with me, and then I want to work with them. And if we work together, you know, we're gonna be blessed. We're gonna be nice. And then this is the opportunity for make it, you know nice fight, and people you know enjoy my fight and enjoy my career and work together. No secret that you've had your ups and downs with the UFC. Why do you feel like they want to work with you now? Uh, I think a lot of things happen, you know, and then listen to me, a couple of things I, I, I don't really want to change. And then I know it's never too late, you know, and then never too late, you know, and now new owners and they really they want to work with me. And then I feel very, you know, let's try, you know, let's try. But in the beginning, I'm really happy with. Did you sit down with any of the new owners and they tell you how much they want to work with you or were you not a part of the negotiations? Um, you know, I, I, I was my, my manager take care of that, but we always talk together. And uh, actually, I want to say thank for George Prezinci Tortillas, you know, they did the best. And we worked together, I think, almost six years. And then work, start to work with me when I was very hard time in my career. And then now we're here and then, you know, share it together. Uh, you know, I trust I trust my manager. And, you know, I think the, the new one is the one to show them they don't work together and show me too. Um, so, so right now you have this fight coming up and you, you, you just signed that deal. Um, it's an interesting time for, you know, the sport in general. Do you feel like this is, this is, this is finally the time because they need new stars, right? And I've always felt like you could be a much bigger star than you are. Do you feel like this is the beginning of you finally realizing your potential of being a new star? Do you, do you feel confident this is finally going to happen? I think, um, uh, I think it, I think a lot a lot of things already follow follow me. You know, I think you like my job. I think if you you know my is big machine is a big company, be behind me for sure. Now you're gonna open more opportunities, and the more girls are gonna like to want to be a fighter. And uh, you know, I think it's I think it's, it'll be great. Was there any talk of you fighting Amanda Nunes in some kind of super fight? No, I hear about that, you know, and then in some point, I really don't know, don't 
Brasilian would like fight Brazilian girl. You know, I don't like fight Manda because we we different country. But you know, people say, ah, but you fight against America. You know, I think if you have the opportunity, if I have to fight her, you know, nothing to do. Okay, but you know, if I can fight other girls, I would like fight other girls. Why are you gonna beat somebody from my country? You know, we we, we share same flag. Are are you comfortable with the amount? of drug testing Holly Holm is being subjected to with USADA? You know, this is how, how these things started. Her team started about this, you know, her coach started talking about I'm doping, I mean, a lot of things about me. And then I just say, okay, guys, if you think, yeah, I know I'm done clean, but I'm semi, semi, semi all that lead test from USADA. I'm the first athlete signed with USADA before being UFC one year before, you know, for proven clean athlete. If you guys have any problem with this, I think when you have a glass house, you never have to throw rocks. And then, you know, the team they heard it have the most history, doping, athletes doping, have a problem. And if I just said, if you guys talk about me, so let's, let's do the same amount of tests. You know, if they test me 20 times before a fight, I think it's fair to ask her 20 times too. It's because if you guys come mess up my training, come show up my house 5 a.m., I would like to show your house too 5 a.m. You know, it's nothing against nothing. You know, I'm open for do all the tests, but I think it's fair to both athletes. So recently she went on Instagram and talked about how much she's been drug tested. Do you feel like you've gotten under her skin at all? She doesn't usually do that sort of thing. She doesn't usually engage. Um, when you saw her do that, what did you think? Um, I think she try to put people against me because I say that, but you know, I shouldn't always start that, you know, who started that for her team. I, I don't have anything against Holly. I really respect her. I think she's a great athlete. I think she's, you know, have a big, good challenge for me. And then I just think her, her team play, play games, you know, start, like, say like this. And then I think I, I test, I was testing one month to four times. And then she's okay. She's nine times during two years, one year. I'm talking about uh, the during during the fight. I'm not talking about how many times Suzada test you. I'm talking in the camp for this fight, you know. And then she's thinking about all the tests Suzada did with her. No, I'm talking about the 30 days before fight. How many times in test her? Okay. Um, is it true that you're bringing in Mia St. John to help you train for Holly Holm? They fought back in 2005. Uh, one of the more famous female boxers. Is that true? Yeah, we're going to start training this week. And I have other guys too. So, uh, Africa, Dom, he has a lot of fights, more than 100 for Muay Thai fights, the South Pole too. We start working already. And I, I went to Thailand, stay one month there, training for this fight too. You know, I, I feel very comfortable. I feel, I feel a bit ready. You know, I'm training hard. And, you know, I'm excited for this fight. You know, I think it'll be a good challenge and all the fans excite you. It'll be a nice, happy new year. Um, a couple of months ago, you applied for your boxing license in California. Are you still hoping to box in the near future? Of course, you know, I, I, I like challenging myself. You know, everybody is following my career now. I like to compete everything. And... I just think, about, of course, all the clips you have to think of the win, but then I think you win, it's consequence, you're doing a great job, and someone blessed come from God for you to get the win. And then I like compete if I have the opportunity to fight on box fight for sure, and I did the license for because I can open with. And then he, he, I signed with a 155 pound, uh, 154, I think, 155, I don't know the weight, but yeah, you know, I have the, yeah, I have the more opportunity, and if he have for me, it'll be great. 
did, when you were talking to the UFC about this due deal, did you tell them about your interest to box and what did they say about it? They know that. They know. I think uh, I texted them like actually when when it happened to fight McGregor and Mayweather. Uh, I was told him, I want to fight boxing too, you know, and they like to play and then he's just laughing and they you know it's really hard, but, you know, let's see if they have the opportunity and they're here, like, I think you still would like to do boxing promotion. Maybe it can be the first, you know, first fight, fight, first fight, fight, fight box for them. I don't know. Will you also be uh, training with Clarissa Shields? Yes. Yes, Clarissa, she's she had a fight January, and then she's probably going to be in my fight. She just texted me, and she's open for training together. And, she, you know, you have to challenge yourself. You have to try bringing the good people in your camp, you know, for, for you can get in better. And then, yeah, and then she's, she's very, very good athlete, you know. I think there's a lot of things to learn from her. You feel rejuvenated, Chris? I feel like you're excited. for the for, I don't know. I feel like there's some clarity to your career for the first time in a very long time. Ah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think you know each train I learn more and more, and then I think I think I'm I'm my prime now. I'm my time, and then I think my last fight I showed this for the people before I was really crazy. Now I think more. I think the two times I dropped 140, making me think more because you know you you have to patient and fight. And I think I'm each fight I'm getting better. Each camp I learn more. You know, feel comfortable, and then I think the experience getting you better. And I think you're getting older; you think more. I don't know, but I feel very happy. Um, I feel like, in a weird way, Holly can validate um, the win over Ronda with a win over you. She'd be the only person to beat both of you. Do you think that she is the same fighter who beat Ronda Rousey two years ago? Since then, she lost three in a row. She recently won, or do you think that? You know, she's fought for a very long time in boxing and now in MMA. Do you think that her skills have deteriorated? Uh, I think it's going to be a great fight, but I think, you know, I have so much box fighting, fire fights. I think, you know, have a lot of punches. And then I think the one thing when I fight her, it's going to be the first one. She's still my punch. You know, I think she's she's punched a lot of girls, 135. And then I have the time to recover her body after from 140 and getting my punch again. And then, no, I, I think I think I think she's gonna excite you for the fight too. You know, I think it'd be a great fight for her. I think the great opportunity for be getting the belt one forty five. and maybe try getting with the belt one thirty five. Maybe to be the first girl having two belts. I don't know. You know, I think she have to push herself. I do every day that. You know, I have to be excited for you to your job. Right, but you're not fighting at one thirty five. Those days are done. Less than one forty five, no more. Right? No, one forty, no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No more, no By the way, last yeah. thing, um, you know, a lot of people brought up your situation with Angela Magana last week when Colby Covington pressed charges on Fabrizio Verdum. Did you see that story? And uh, did it seem familiar at all? Um, it seems like people don't like when a fighter presses charges on another fighter for an incident outside of, you know, outside of the ring, so to speak, or the cage. Uh, did you see any similarities there at all from from reading that story? Uh, you know, I feel, when I, I remember about uh, Angela Magana, I, I don't feel proud about that happening. You know, I think uh, I don't feel proud about. And I was very sensitive time, and then she speaking very bad. And, you know, but I don't feel proud if you have somebody else around me, my team, for sure. This is not going to happen anything between me and Angela. And I think same thing. You know, Verdun is thinking about his fight, and this guy is very disrespectful. 
You know, I don't agree what he say. I think he's very Brazilian. But, you know, if you have your team around you, maybe you, you have to avoid do something like that. But, you know, happen, you know, happen. It's something happen with Angela. And, but I'm not proud about it. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes you don't have nobody around you for tell you what to do right or not. Because, you know, you 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 get in Brazilians, you know, in Brazil, we don't like to hear people speak bad about our country, you know, and then Brazilians are really close together and this guy is very disrespectful. And I think when something happens in Brazil, don't do, people don't do anything. And when he just go in my country, speak bad in my country, inside my country, nobody do anything to him. You know, you cannot say my my, my country is the people's dumb people, you know, I don't, I don't agree with this guy. And maybe if you buy myself, maybe I do something, you know, but the, uh, for sure you have to have a team together because I think this guy is just wanting getting his name, big name, you know, he's using Verdun's name for, for growing, you know, and then I think he's an immature guy. The story with Angela, is it still going on or is it dead? I was dead, yeah. Okay, uh, nothing dead. happened? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm really not proud about, you know, I'm not proud about. But there was no punishment or any charges or anything like that? Um, uh, I paid the lawyer. I said he 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 go there and see do everything. I we don't know, not don't know too much. Okay, all right. Well, that's good news. Also, good news. You're back. You've signed a new deal with the UFC. It feels like uh, things are moving in the right direction for you, Chris. I'm very happy for you. Congrats on getting the fight. Congrats on the new contract. And of course, good luck on December 30th against Holly Holm. I can't wait for this fight. I think it's one of the best the UFC could put on right now. And uh, I know okay. a lot of people have been looking forward to it. So thank you very much, Chris. Obrigado. Thank you. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you, all my fans. I'm very excited to see you December 30th. All right. There she is, Chris Cyborg, the UFC women's featherweight champion. Um, so this is the update on Volkan Ozdemir as we're uh, talking about you know fighters who may be in trouble with the law. <coughs> Volkan Ozdemir, the UFC light heavyweight contender. Uh, this is from our own Dave Meltzer at MMAfighting.com. Uh, he writes, Volkan Ozdemir's arrest Saturday stemmed from a bar fight that took place on August 12th, according to details from his bond hearing on Sunday. According to a report of the South Florida Sentinel, the 28-year-old excuse me, Ozdemir was in a fight with a man named Kevin Cohen. Cohen sustained swelling and received cuts on his head from the fight. Uh, it was said at the hearing, the alleged incident took place at an unnamed Fort Lauderdale bar. Uzdemir's attorney, Bruce A. Zimmet, uh, described the incident as a barroom altercation and said Uzdemir was not the aggressor and was totally justified in his actions. The report stated that it was unclear what prompted the fight. Uzdemir was arrested by Fort Lauderdale police and charged with aggravated battery causing serious bodily injury, a second degree felony. His bond was set at 10000 according to records from the Broward County Sheriff's Office. Um, and there's some background. UFC has yet to comment on the arrest other than saying the promotion is aware of it and investigating it. Mark Ramundi, our own Mark Ramundi, contributing to that report as well. Um, last I heard, the plan was for them to fight in early 2018, perhaps as soon as Boston. Um, it's unclear at this time what this means for that fight, what this means for his immediate future. I've Tried to reach out to him and his team. No word just yet. So that's the latest. Volkan Ozdemir uh, arrested on Saturday night. And it's so fascinating because like, I mean, you just see him, you talk to him, uh, a very just ca- calm, mild-mannered individual. Um, and, and and these things can happen at any point. I, I, I think a lot of people thought right off the bat, which is interesting as well, that it was some kind of domestic violence. 
Um, but it is not, as we've come to learn, thanks to our own Dave Meltzer in that uh, bond hearing. So we'll see how this plays out. Certainly not the first time that someone has, what's up with the light heavyweight division? Uh, now, uh, Gustafson has a record, Manoa, uh, John Jones, of course, Uzdemir, crazy. So we'll see what happens. I saw Jimmy Manoa trying to um, campaign for the fight. I saw Ovin St. Preux trying to campaign for the fight. Actually, I didn't see that. I was told that they're trying to um, campaign for the fight as well. So we'll see what happens to Daniel Cormier. It's never a dull moment when it comes to the light heavyweights and they're not in a position to be losing people like Volkan because it's a pretty shallow division. All right, so that's that. We'll await further word as it pertains to Mr. Mr. Volkan Ozdemir. Uh, now what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to go exclusively on Twitter. We're going to give you the MMA after hour. We're going to give you Rick's picks. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook or MMAfighting.com, go on Twitter right now. There you see the address. I've been tweeting the uh, link all show long. And you can watch the final segment of the show exclusively on Twitter. We call it the MMA After Hour. Rick's Picks coming up. It starts right now. All right, we are back. This is the MMA After Hour. Rick's Picks is moments away, so let us not waste any more time. Let us kick off everyone's favorite segment. It is time, my friends. It is time for... It's time to open up your ears yeah, your there it is. Yes. It's time for Rick's Picks. Rick's Picks. Rick's Picks are lots of fun. Yes. There's a new tough, undefeated, Rich Franklin reality show. Rashad Evans moving, moving up to 205. Stipe Miocic might be back. How about Katzengano coming back at UFC 222? I'm trying to uh, squeeze in as much as possible here. Marlon Marais versus Aljamain Sterling in Fresno. How about that? There he is, Mr. New York Rick, here to save the day. Uh, please, without further ado, take it away. Let me take this. Uh, yeah, please. Let me take this one. Yeah. And let, take a load and, and let's go full screen on Mr. New York Rick if we can, please. About time. Yeah. I mean, There we go. Wow, look at that. Wow. This, this is it, people. This is, this is what you wanted. Um, okay. Thank you, Ariel, for, for fighting through it. We're going to do Rick's picks. First up, um, Frank Camacho, one half of the fight of the night um, in Australia, here saying that he wants Damian Brown um, to get his win bonus if they're, if they're cutting the checks. He, and uh, it's important to note that he wouldn't be eligible for this because he missed weight. Um, he's asking that his opponent, his partner, his, uh, his uh, counterpart in the fight of the night gets the 50K check. Uh, I thought that was a, a, a cool gesture by Frank. I don't believe that they got that. I think Damien was initially uh, said to have gotten it and then uh, something to, to have been less than the, the other half of the, of the 100K uh, for fight of the night total. Um, but uh, kudos to Frank for uh, doing that and, and putting that out there. Real mensch move. Next, we're going to a clip captured here from Zombie Prophet of the weigh-in uh, between Beck Rawlings and uh, Jesse Jess. Um, we're going to watch this again. Watch how awkwardly they botched the handshake. Now, I'm skeptical that this was natural. I think that they botched this on purpose. Um, but either way, even if they did, they, they pulled it off effectively. Um, but maybe I'll, uh, I'll hit up 
Jesse Jess's manager, Danny, and uh, he can tell me. The great Danny Rubenstein? Yeah. Wow. But uh, here we see the botched handshake. Clearly, there's there's an affinity between the two of them, so uh, a, a fun moment. Jesse Jess, one of uh, four fighters on the card who miss weight, right? Yeah, yeah. Big, a, big, a, big, a bad one down there. By the way, I'm not camera ready anymore, so you can go full screen. <laughs> I'm just talking here, all right? This He's is, just going to... Yeah, my shoes are off. I'm dying here. Uh, can you take me off the screen? That'd be great. The, yes, is the shirt you. off? What, what, I'm, I'm just, you don't want to know what's going on. Okay. So here we go. The clip of, of the week, everybody's favorite clip, uh, from this week from, uh, Dan Hooker. Was this positive? Yeah, because this is, this is promo right here. <laughs> I think anything at this point, Colby Covington is involved with is now used as promo. Okay. Um, and also, there's a lot of questions, and, and as we're watching this clip, I, we've all seen it, but I'll, I'll narrate it quickly. What we're showing here is Fabricio Verdum taking a boomerang. What about the, uh, the revelation that he was punched before and that? Th- Where's the video? Pixar didn't happen. That's, Pixar didn't way, happen. Poor Josh Eldridge of the UFC PR team in the middle of all of that. You see him with the uh, blue Interesting shirt. to note. You'll also note somebody else. We just mentioned them. Danny Rubenstein in the green shirt. What? sitting here Where? oblivious to completely what's going He's on there i am shocked that he didn't text me 48 Look, green times shirt, about his appearance green shirt just sitting back just hanging out wow just oh my god yeah just chilling watching this all unfold doing nothing about it come on danny i like um, how he calls him war doom i think somebody else called him war doom as well um but uh yeah we've all seen it by now but Shout out to, to Dan Hooker for, for getting the, the footage of this. Yeah. I mean, it's been uh, replayed everywhere. Oh, well, this is what I was going to say about that before we move on to the next one, which was a lot of people are asking, what do you think about Colby yeah. filing charges? Yeah. It's, it's exactly what you're supposed to do as the heel. It's exactly yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. what you do in this scenario. Power the heel. You're, you're, yeah, you act tough. Then when the, the baby face comes back at you, yeah. You you know you you cower and and you play it like you're like you're terrified and um, he was scared you know um, Colby is playing this perfectly except for the homosexual slur can we stop with that already well that I Everything. mean that like it was going fine I could live with it but why do you have to do that especially when yeah. you're recording yourself I think anybody who's doing that let's just chill out yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I think it's it's happening too much oh my right God. now it's, like it's 2017 week. people uh, enough of this. Especially on his own channel, Colby's going out there putting the video out, and yeah. it's him. Uh, anyway, um, enough of that. Johnny Bones Jones with what was perceived as a yo mama joke uh, to Colby, saying, "Tell your mom I said hello. It was great getting to know her. That one semester we stayed together. She's a really great human being." What do you think about that? Was he just being sincere, or <laughs> well, is this he- is what this is what makes this so powerful and and impressive, in my opinion. This could either be a super super sincere. B, implying that John Jones and Colby Covington's mother had a, a very uh, friendly relationship. Or C, a, a, a yo mama joke that came out better than expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure which of the three it is, but the, the nature, the, the, the verbiage, the language that he's using here makes me think it's the second choice where he's implying something about his relationship with Colby Covington's mom. And I think this was the toughest, the toughest hit of the week for Colby Covington. Uh, John Jones 
firing on Twitter. Um, there were more tweets to this rant that you can find on John Jones's uh, Twitter page, kind of essentially saying that he pities Colby Covington for having to use John Jones's name. Uh, but this was the punctuation mark on uh, on those tweets. Here we're going to a clip that a lot of people sent me. This one from an event called Shock and Awe 26 in England. Uh, this event actually happened on November 4th, but the footage of it uh, started arising uh, much more recently. They may not have you know, published the, uh, the video, but here we see Ali Flint uh, landing a spinning kick against Aaron Gray, at, as I said, at Shock and Awe 26 in slow motion, even more pretty. This was actually Ali Flint's amateur debut. 29 years old, so I don't know if this is, you know, the, the starts of, of a young career, but um, making his amateur debut and uh, doing it in impressive fashion. Uh, everybody who sent me this, there it is, featured on Rick's Picks. Shock and all 26. Congrats to Ali Flint. Huge knockout. Okay. This one, uh, captured by Kaposa from One Pride MMA 14, which happened on Saturday. I love this clip because, as you can see, this fighter in the red shorts does not even get touched <laughs> or if he got touched the tiniest amount and does the Ric Flair death cell um, on the low blow, <laughs> which I believe uh, somebody correct me, tweet me if I'm wrong. I believe led to a, to a win for him. Uh, but this is just like absolutely insane that he, that this was the, the action that he took after not even getting grazed. Uh, but shout out to him for, for living it for, for, it, that is selling Rick this one one. Yeah, just face do the face plant and sell it. Yeah, delayed. Uh, a report here from our from MMA fighting. Uh, Kat Zingano returning against Ketlin Vieira uh, at USC two twenty two. He's back. Thought it was worth highlighting. We you know we touched on Cyborg and home uh, a lot on this show. Um, obviously, that's also huge news. Um, but Kat Zingano is back. Um, March third. Very happy for big her. news in the MMA lot. world. Yeah. Good to see her back. And Ketlin Vieira, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's had a great year so far. Huge uh, upset of Sarah McMahon most recently. Yeah. Uh, I like this fight a lot, and, and I'm happy to see it made. Also, from MMA Fighting, uh, Stipe Miocic, uh, hoping to return in the first quarter of 2018. Seems like contract negotiations are reaching a better place. Yep. Uh, hope to see him in the first quarter uh, of next year. Put him on the same card as DC, have him fight in July. What I say? I'm ready for DC right now. If if Ozdemir is is out, oh wow, I'm ready for it right now. Okay. Let's just do it. Dang, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, the timing of this is interesting, just because of uh, what's happened to Ozdemir. Now, this report obviously happened before that, but yeah. with Ozdemir out, light heavyweight is struggling. Yeah. Um, you you could do DC Stipe right now, and I wouldn't be mad about it. The, the thing about DC is he was very very successful at heavyweight. It's not just one of these fly-by-night, spur-of-the-moment, moving up a division. The guy was a legit heavyweight um, and, and, you know, cut his teeth there before going down to light heavyweight. So um, I wouldn't be mad at that fight. But good to have Stipe back. Here we just get a simple tweet, the uh, sunglasses emoji from Habib Nurmagomedov to Tony Ferguson. What could this be? Who knows? Um, But uh, I think these two are are still circling each other. And uh, I this is the fight I want. And I know we've had so many false starts with it, uh, but this is the fight I want to see. I think uh, Tony also responded to this with, uh, you know, Snap Down City or, or some, something um, along those lines. But uh, Habib still looking at Tony, and I'm all for it. We featured Rose Namajunas playing the piano. 
Now we've got Amanda Nunes playing the drums skillfully. Um, who knew that there were so many musical talents in the MMA world? But uh, Amanda keeping the rhythm. Oh, yeah. Now let's watch it one more time. I'm uh, vibing out to this. Forbes 30 under 30. Amanda Nunes, only, only one fighter. How about yeah, that? Only, no, only MMA fighter. Isn't that wild? Amanda, well done. Showcasing the talent. One from Joe Rogan on Instagram. Uh, second appearance for Mike Goldberg in as many weeks. Last week, Mike Goldberg with the tweet about Conor McGregor. Now, Mike Goldberg popping up in, uh, in Joe Rogan's Instagram. Um, the, the dream duo, the dynamic duo of the com- UFC commentary back uh, together. Mike saying he didn't pay for the pay-per-view or wouldn't pay for a pay-per-view. Joe saying he would. But uh, they were watching the UFC event together before uh, Joe's show. And we end with Conor McGregor uh, on Instagram posting some pictures of uh, Conor Jr. visiting Santa Claus. Now, there's a series of these, and Tagboard doesn't let me uh, show all of them. But go to Conor McGregor's Instagram, and you will see uh, Conor Jr.'s visit uh, to Santa. And shout out to one Dave Fogel. Oh. Who... Yeah, is is throwing barbs out there, you know, yeah. about not getting credit this and that. Listen, I don't see I don't see Dave's name in the photo here. Yeah, yeah, credit yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on the account. Tell Connor to give credit. How I just post it. I just post it. You got to get the credit somewhere else. But because you because you politely asked for it, shout out to Dave Fogarty f- for the photo work. Go check out the rest. Was of Was it polite photos. or was it more of a demand? Look, he you know he's he's in step right now, but he almost stepped over the line. Wow. Calling for it, demanding it, and then getting me in hot water with other people who are like, yeah, "You're not crediting photos." Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, is there anything? I don't do it. Yeah, is there anything like more unbecoming than publicly asking for credit? Private. Listen, Dave does good work. I'm happy to do it this one time, but but mind your p's and q's. Is Yogurty getting a little too big for his britches? <laughs> is he like, oh, he's part of the Connor team, and all of a sudden he thinks that he can intimidate all of us? There wasn't. You know, too long ago, I was sitting in the media room with him eating, you know, a cold rigatoni uh, for a nine-hour UFC event. I mean, could we talk about Saturday? What is that? What was that? That was a very tra- long event. That was a weird transition, I know. Um, but anyhow, slow your yeah. roll, yogurt No, uh, yes, yes to that, but uh, good photos. Happy to see uh, Connor um, and, and Connor Jr. visiting Santa. Okay, we're going to do some quick questions here. Yeah, let's go rapid fire. Can we we're do gonna that? Go, we're going to go quick. We're what about go. Derek Brunson and uh, Jacare going back and forth? I like that fight. Um, I like that fight you a lot. saw it a long time ago, remember? Yeah, it was a quick one. Yeah. Um, but I, I like that fight at where they are in their careers right now. By the way, okay. Brunson should be fighting in North Carolina. He's from North Carolina. What are you doing? Do Brunson versus uh, the Eraser, North Carolina. And you get Petey Pablo live doing... Uh, Petey Pablo. Talking about, I think I have time for this. <laughs> Listen, do yourself a favor. Get on YouTube. You'll understand. Look up Petey Pablo. Okay. You'll understand. All right. Okay. Uh, or somebody just has to come out to the Petey Pablo song. But anyway, what are you talking about? Uh, we'll we'll stay in the middleweight division. Where does Robert Whitaker rate in your fighter of the year standings? Has anyone else beaten both Jacare and Romero? Uh, the answer is no. Nobody. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Where does he stand in the fighter of the year discussion? It's it's an interesting one this year because there's really not like a clear cut winner or even a clear cut two or three. Um, there's nobody that's really put together like 
that impressive a streak. I mean, we've got Whitaker who beat Romero and, and Jacare. We've got a Sun Sao who beat Sterling, Marias, and now Lopez. Um, probably, you know, putting himself in a good position there. Um, we've got Rose Namajunas who beat Michelle Waterson and Joanna Janjacek. And Tony Ferguson, um, who captured the title finally with his win over Kevin Lee. Just fought once. Um, there's a lot of guys like that, though, that just fought <coughs> once, but it was kind of a momentous thing, you know, GSP. Because to be honest, none of, none of the top contenders have really put together more than two. Um, oh, that's a crazy. You remember last year there was Cody? So many. And uh, Amanda Nunes. There was all kinds of yeah. great options. This year, it, it's tougher because the most the most of them have two big wins. As, aside of the Sun Tao, who I think deserves uh, you know recognition and credit for this. Yes, Sterling, Marisa Lopez. Most of them are two. Um, Demetrius Johnson beating Wilson Hayes and, and Ray Borg. I would say if Max Holloway can beat Jose Aldo, beating Aldo twice might be my front runner. Hmm. Might be my front runner. Um, Whitaker, Romero, and Souza absolutely deserves credit. But I think if Holloway can get it done twice, I think that's my pick so far. Last year there was um, Stipe, there was Michael Bisping. There was so Some people many. made a case for Connor because he made history, right? I, I picked Connor. Um, there was a lot. I mean, like I said, there was Amanda Nunes, there was Cody Garbrand who became champion. This one is much different, much more. Demetrius wide might open, get I'd the say. nod only because he made history, but I'm still not quite sure about the whole thing. Two wins? Yeah, but they're all two wins. That's what that's what I'm saying though. It's hard it's hard for you to make a, a definitive case for anybody. Like I would say with this current situation, like I would be okay with throwing GSP into the mix for coming back and, and capturing the title, even though it's one win. I'd be okay with that. But my my thought is if how if uh, Holloway can win and beat Aldo twice, that's probably gonna be my pick. Maybe Whitaker if if Aldo gets it done. Maybe maybe it is Whitaker. But uh it, it's been an interesting year. Yeah. The awards coming up in January, right here on the MMA Hour. Do you feel the excitement? <laughs> Do you think that UFC 219 is a big enough main event for the last UFC pay-per-view of the year? I feel like it does not have nearly as much draw as the Rondi, uh, Rousey return last year. Well, that one's kind of hard to recreate because you had two title fights. You had the return of the greatest of all time. But I'm not BSing. I really love that fight. I think this is a fantastic fight. This is fight. like a dream I, matchup. I would dare say it's probably the biggest matchup in terms of top of their game yeah. women's MMA fights. I mean, you know, there's, there is Carano Cyborg. Um, Nunez and Rousey is probably up there in terms of importance. Home and Tate. Home and Rousey. Um, home and Rousey. Two degree. In term, I feel like home now is almost more, yeah, yeah. more of a definitive um, Two of the most draw, famous But this is, this is a huge fight. And, Make no mistake about it. You know, we, we were talking about Joanna's legacy, but Chris Cyborg is the best female fighter to ever do it. Um, there's no doubt about that. I think it's almost like Chris Cyborg and everybody else. Um, it's very tough for her to find uh, people willing to step up and take that challenge. Um, and now we're getting one who's game in Holly Holm. And, and you know, if, if Holly Holm can win, we're looking at somebody who beat Ronda Rousey and Chris Cyborg. It's the incredible. stakes here are huge. Um, if we're looking, if, if Chris Cyborg is able to go out there and dismantle Holly Holm, I think she just continues to make the case that she pulls away from the field yeah. and where she belongs in the in the history of of women's mixed martial arts and just mixed martial arts in general. Because Cyborg is one of the most dominant forces we've ever seen. So um, I love this fight. I think it will you know be enough to to coax people to to throw down the money. But outside of that, I, I I'm all in on this fight. I think this is a per, this is a fine 
uh, year-end closer. Now, I think the UFC has said that they might be looking for another bout to to put ahead of it. I'm fine with that as well. But for me, this is this is a this is more suitable than headliner. More yeah. than enough. Fascinating that Cyborg says she's fighting home and Ronda, and home is saying like all fights are separate. But by the way, these are the other fights, at least the big time fights at two nineteen. Yeah, uh, Cyborg home. Carlos Condit against Neil Magny, the return of Carlos Condit. Khalil Roundtree against Gokan Saki. Um, the Usman fight is up in the air right now due to Emil Mech's visa issues. So we'll see what happens there. Miles Jury against Rick Lynn. We saw how good Rick Lynn looked in his last fight. Um, Cynthia Calvillo against Carla Esparza. Uh, remains to be seen what happens. I mean, if this had Jimmy Rivera and Dominic Cruz, it would be fantastic. And oh, by the way, Khabib Magomedov versus Edson Barbosa. This is a fine card. Crazy. Yeah, by the great way. card. I think they were just concerned about this. Is this a headline main event? Yes, and I of think, course. yes, this is, this is a no-brainer. I love this fight. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, we, it, seems like, it seemed like we might not get it. Now I'm happy we didn't Oh my have. God. They really... Uh, Kudos to Holly Holm yeah. and her agent, Lenny Fresquez. They had all the leverage here. They got it done. And held out. Okay. Uh, what are the chances that Colby Covington's classic professional wrestling heel act, act ends up biting him in the ass by making him a joke character, caricature or simply one the UFC wouldn't want to promote? I think the answer is uh, the chances are pretty slim. Yeah. This, this has been proven to A, work, and B, I think everything that in your in your instincts that is telling you that this is hokey and will not work is him gaming you and making you believe that now there's a certain, there's a certain level where we can't give him credit for being a mastermind on everything that he's doing. But I think him continuing to force this issue, um, is doing more to agitate people and plays into it further. Um, so if you're getting more upset about Colby Covington, I think the answer is, it, it will continue to work. The, the other fighters will continue to get upset. Um, you know, uh, Guillermo Cruz sent me a video of Worley Alves, the only person <coughs> who beat Covington, and he wants to fight. Yeah. He's, he's asking for a fight against a guy he already beat, definitively. Um, it, it, Colby Covington is, is whatever, you know, whether you like it, don't like it, what he's doing is working, um, and I think it will continue to work as long as he can continue to... Uh, draw ire and he is very good at it um by the way of course this new incident is a new incident but the last incident was the filthy animal incident in um, yeah. brazil and why was colby covington in sydney because he was guest fighter ufc flew him out there they flew him out there to do promo. So, i mean they're not they're not they're not flying out schmoes to promote the company and the cards so that should tell you and look, what are they going to do about all these uh, homosexual slurs? They've got a real problem on their hands. I'll tell you that much. I mean, it's just embarrassing Yeah, uh, what they do. Um, what they do from this point forward, I think, is going to be scrutinized. And they're lucky, I think, that it hasn't turned into a bigger deal. Imagine this was happening in the NBA or the NFL, like a string no, yeah. of you know four or five famous people just throwing around these words. I mean, we saw how serious... It was, you know, this is a more a recent example because there have been others in the past, but we saw how serious it was when Rajon Rondo used some yeah. homophobic language. That this was an investigation. There was a real Kobe too. look. It, that was, you know, I feel like that was earlier. This is a more sure, current sure, example. Sure. This is more of what we can expect going forward. But there, there, there isn't a place for that in uh, in uh, you know traditional sports. Um, and and I think hopefully that this will 
at some point go away, but for now, um, it doesn't seem to be. Uh, By the way, happy anniversary. Whose anniversary is it? The best event you ever attended. UFC 123. Not the best UFC event I ever Why? Your boy. UFC 101, baby. Really? I feel like that one was even bigger because he was kind of towards the tail end. He knocks out his, you know, his rival in a matter of seconds. I feel like that one really that was, tugged at the I, heartstrings. I like that event. That one does stand out in my mind because um, Edson Barbosa debuted on the undercard. Yeah. Nobody knew who he was. I felt like I had found a secret. Yeah, yeah, I felt yeah. like I had come across something against uh, Mike Lulo. Um, and the Rampage uh, Leoto fight was great. Rampage's reaction to winning was fantastic. Uh, I like that card a lot, but nothing topped Florian and um, BJ and Silva, right. uh, Forrest. Forrest Griffin yeah. in Philly. Um, but yeah, 123. Wow. Feels like a lifetime. Seven years ago. What is the bigger surprise? Will Brooks coming to the UFC and starting one and three or Benson Henderson going over to Bellator and starting one and three? Wow, that is a good question. It's think? interesting how they, they swapped former champions of the other organization and are now struggling a little Only bit. Only difference is Brooks was an actual champion when he moved over. Benson wasn't. Right. Benson wasn't the current champion, but a long reigning UFC uh, lightweight champion before coming over. I'm going to go. I'm more surprised by Brooks, to be honest. Um, I think so too. Level of competition hasn't been as high. Yeah. He was the champion. I think so too. And he, you know, Benson fought for the welterweight title and then the lightweight title, so he's fighting the best that they had to offer. And also, just I think Benson, his UFC run was littered with like could go this way, could go that way type of decisions. Um, and then you know, sometimes those are going to break against you, sometimes those are going to break for you. And if you, you know, you, you go to a different organization and and that is still the same style, that that can happen. Um, Brooks, I mean, I was I was expecting big things. I have to admit, I was expecting big things out of him, and it, it seems like um, at this point he's a he's a bit snake bitten. Um, seemed like he was on his way to winning the fight against Lentz, and then jumped into oh, a, a guillotine. Um, Devastating. But I'm I'm surprised by that. I am surprised that that Brooks has been struggling. That said, I don't think it would be too hard for him to turn it around if he can if he can you know eliminate these types of mistakes. But I don't think he'll be one to make excuses either. Yeah, he posted a nice statement. Taking some time off. Uh, if Nate fights and beats Woodley, do you think Connor would come up to 170 uh, to be the only three division champion ever? Do you think if if Nate and Woodley happens, Connor would angle for that Nate fight much more so than anything else? Huh. What do you think? I think yeah. I think I think it doesn't matter where Nate goes. That's the fight Connor wants because that's the money fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Nate's the same. But it all comes down to is Nate. And Woodley going to happen? And then Nate has to win. I think we're we're a far way removed from that. Um, I think what's more interesting is whether Connor would fight Woodley or Nate or Ferguson or Nate versus uh, Connor potentially going up to the to the title. We're, there's there's a few things that have to happen in that one before Nate is the uh, 170 pound champion. Um, but really, I just want to see Connor fight. When are we going to see it? When is Connor yeah. coming back? I saw John Kavanaugh say maybe uh, April or so. I'm I'm ready. Yeah. My body is ready. Yeah. That is it. That's oh, it. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I got one more. I added this at the last minute. Do you write notes for things you will discuss in interviews? And if so, how long does it take you to write them? I can handle this one for you, Ariel. Okay. Save your voice. No, he does not write notes. Nothing. Talked about this before. Um, he doesn't like to because it, it feels like, you know, you're kind of 
trying to angle and stick to a script, whereas you can't respond and, and uh, you know, stay in the conversation uh, more intently. So uh, no, there is no note-taking or uh, preconceived questions for Ariel Hawani. Today might have been a good one for that. Uh, but no, I don't like to do it because you are focused too much on the script as opposed to the conversation. So yeah, good question though. There's nothing on my screen other than Twitter and my Gmail so that I can G chat with New York Rick. That's pretty much it. I feel special. And PD Pablo videos. Yeah. What's that? I'll <laughs> Listen, find you out. Just got, you just got to find out. All right. You got to find out. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate the time. That's it. Yep. Uh, one thing. Oh yeah. Shout out to my dad. Shout out Good to your man. dad. Toughest SOB in the world. So I, I wasn't sure if that you wanted to, uh, to That's all about. that needs to be said. Okay. Shout out to my dad. You're the man. Mr. Love Jackman, longtime viewer, fan of this program. We Biggest are thinking fan. of him, pulling for him, and I uh, hope he's uh, doing well. And a happy Thanksgiving to you and the rest of the crew, and a happy Thanksgiving, if you're celebrating it, to everyone in the U.S. of A. All right, you can hit my music. I can come back on camera. Hey, here I am. I just put uh, my shoes back on put my shirt back on now I feel good well it's been a fun day a who's who has stopped by appreciate their time very much appreciate everyone's time very much it's a very newsworthy show in the sense that I felt like we had a lot of people who were in the news if you get what I'm saying thanks for helping me uh, pull through it all I'm still thinking about Chael Sonnen saying that my energy was low still kind of stings if I'm being honest but alas we tried our best, pushed through, did what we had to do. I want to thank Patrick Cote for stopping by. Best of luck to him with his new management, predatormanagement.ca. Thank you very much, Uchel Sonnen. Good luck to him in the Bellator Heavyweight Tournament. If it is against Rampage Jackson or if it is against anyone else, always a pleasure to have Chael Sonnen on. And by the way, he's doing some great video podcasts. I meant to talk to him about that, but we kind of ran out of time. But his YouTube channel is very busy these days, so I suggest checking it out if you're a fan of Chill's work. Thank you very much to Michael Chandler. Uh, thank you to him for coming on to clear the air. And of course, good luck to him against Goichi Yamauchi on January the 20th in Inglewood, California. Thank you very much to Colby Covington. What a lightning rod that man is. Appreciate his time very much. Hopefully that all works out for him. Thank you very much to Holly Holm. Best of luck on December 30th, UFC 219. Thank you very much to Tyron Woodley. Good luck getting that fight against Nate Diaz. Thank you very much to Mirko Krokop. Best of luck to him at the end of the year. Thank you very much to Gary Tonin for coming in studio. Good luck on December 9th. And of course, thank you very much to Chris Cyborg. Good luck on December 30th. Back next week, same time and place. Peace. Sabadia.